Stand by. Patricia, my darling Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia. You could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Oh, Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling. Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in January the 6th of 2018 is a beautiful day in the neighborhood, as somebody used to say. <laughs> yes. And here she is, the, the adorable one in everybody's life, the one that brings so much charm and personality and love and thoughtfulness and kindness and joy. Patricia from Florida. Hello, Patricia. Oh, nice. Oh, hello, Walden. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, well, you, you well, just made my smile bigger. I'm glad. And I always have a smile on Saturday night because we are with our family. Hi, everybody. <laughs> oh, it is so good to be with you. That means another week went by, but that's okay. Then, you know, we're here. Well, Patricia, good stuff. and Patricia, I'll be the three other days this week, you know, so she... This is this is definitely the the busy season that we did four weeks. <laughs> the treacherous season. <laughs> oh, you are so funny. Okay. Uh, and, and then what? And, and you, well, you know, and Patricia will be here for a while, so 
If you want to talk to her, give it a call in early at 714-545-2071. Later tonight, uh, I pulled out the time when Jim Jordan, Bebe McGee, sat in with Ray Brain for two hours. So that will be the overnight bonus feature. When Patricia oh, that, that is so cool. He was such a wonderful interview person. When oh, he sat down with someone, he yeah. was frank and easy to listen to. Yeah. That's so nice. I'm yeah. glad you've got that one to so pull. We got pulled out with that. We have a, a show that Larry Tranford uh, clipped the film. What was the a music show? This is within in the golden days of radio, everybody. It was very common to have Monday through Friday daily music shows with the personalities. Ooh. In the daytime. In the day in the daytime and sometimes early evening. Uh uh-huh. both. And sometimes pretty big stars, you know. Um so Club the King was doing Bob Crosby show, Bing's brother show in the late forties and then the Kings took over and then when he wasn't available Buddy Clark show. We have one of those. So it's something a little different for people to enjoy. It's, I know John from Maryland is just staying awake. You, you'll hear that. Or else you'll hear it on the blue. I know how much you love when we drop in music shows for you. So, so those <laughs> are some things. So, and I'm eating Tootsie Rolls. Oh, uh, isn't that good? One night I overdid it. I had six. <laughs> <laughs> they're little, you know, and I thought, oh, gee, you know, they're tiny. Well, they can do just as much damage as a big one. <laughs> so, so I have been a little more judicious. <laughs> well, I mean, and I was on top of two bourbon balls. <laughs> and you had oh. and, and you had two big bags full, so you did very well. What can I, I say? know, and I'm sharing them. I hope that's okay. Now, everybody, we have a new project. Patricia's going shopping next week at Walmart a week from today, so we're making out oh. her list. So. She, I want checking every, it twice. Yes, yeah, so I want everybody to call in and put a list on Patricia's item. Now, it'll be up to Patricia if she decides to buy it, but I want to see what what's interesting things we put on Patricia's list, you know. With the understanding that I have used up every inch of space <laughs> in my living area, <laughs> there there is not another square inch. I have to figure out each day where I'm going to put the wastebasket. <laughs> doesn't interfere with anything <laughs> oh my goodness but oh. but it's nice it's nice so oh anyway so okay. yes so um walden has pickles paper plates napkins tupperware and i put watermelon on there so and, and i do have a list downstairs and i think we just put water bottles on the list too oh that's right water bottles okay what oh, oh it, and, yeah oh water and yes. and soda pop we need to put soda Diet soda oh, pop. That's that's at the top of the list. Cookies and, <laughs> and soda. Yes, they're at the top of my list downstairs. You know, I tell you, if we ever have enough money, family, maybe we should just go in and buy vending machines. You know, they seem to make enough profit. Margin. Wow, boy, do I hope to tell you. <laughs> Whoever owns these two vending machines, they make it worth his while to come up and restock them. <laughs> So what are, some wow. of the, what are some of the items you see on the vending machine? Is it mostly one is all soda pop and the one is food? or is it Correct. Okay. Uh, one is soda pop and the other one is all the forbidden foods that <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I, have to, I have to look away when we are up here. Let's see. We've got honey buns, which uh-huh. are frosted on the top. Okay. We have peanut butter cookies, chocolate chip cookies, 
Oreos, peanut butter crackers, um, two, oh, sugar cookies, peanut butter cookies, moon pies, mm, Doritos, Fritos, and stuff like that there. Okay. And what do we have in the soda pop vending machine? What, what flavors do you have to choose from? We have from? Pepsi, and he finally put extra Diet Pepsi in there, which was really nice. Good. Mountain Dew, Dr. Pepper, so the A&W Reef Deer, mm-hmm. and 7-Up. I'm looking kind of around the corner here. Mm. There's something in a grid. Oh, that's Dr. Pepper. So Mountain Dew, I guess, is a popular one. But but he did put extra Diet Pepsi in there for us. So, but after after Walmart, I won't have to buy any for no. a long time. <laughs> so interesting. Well, so Patricia has a, her list of shopping for next week. So we need to make uh-huh. we'll find out what what's going to be put on her list. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And one of the residents here with me who was going to protect me tonight, <laughs> two of them said, oh, we'll sit with you. And I thought, isn't that sweet? Um, they don't have to, but um, it was really nice. And one of them said his father-in-law loves old-time radio. Oh. And I thought, isn't that great? So I gave him the Yesterday USA address and the call-in number, so maybe one day we'll be able to hear from him. That'd be nice. So that was really nice to hear. That would be nice. We're definitely doing. Uh-huh. We're definitely doing very well, and people who don't miss Patricia on a live show can hear, hear on her own podcast at SoundCloud.com, and <laughs> I've also found her on Echo. It was interesting. I went to Amazon Echo and I said, "Saturday show podcast," and there were there were Patricia and I on Amazon <gasps> Echo. Oh my goodness! Yeah. we're famous. We are. We are. We are. How are the downloads this week? Did you have a minute to check them? Uh-huh. We, a we, minute. We, it takes a... <laughs> we, we got up to almost 2,188, the highest I saw. We're, we did 900 on Monday, for example. Wow. Um, Indonesia. We're very popular in Indonesia and in Brazil this week. That, that is just incredible. How nice. How nice for us. How nice for everybody. Yeah. When did you start putting them up September we, it's, in uh, September I, I started we and my goal eventually is to get enough in there that we'll sign up and then we'll sign up as an ad agency and some sh- they're being downloaded yeah. wow and some and what I've seen so far at the cast is they look for 100 downloads already I'm seeing some of our shows especially with Donnie Pickford had gone almost 800 downloads Oh, what fun! Yeah, yeah. Some some of these files are so range eight hundred, seven hundred, mm-hmm. six hundred, yeah. three hundred. So wow. So right now we're uploading Christmas of two thousand eleven. Mm-hmm. Patricia did. Patricia and I heard almost every day. We heard almost every day anyway. Forever, yeah. forever, yeah. forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So I'm my my. Internal goal was, hmm, will we get 10,000 downloads by the end of the month? And I I think that's easily that's going to happen. I think we'll be over wow. 7,000 already. So, so Gosh, that, that is just amazing. That's really, really nice. Thank you, everybody, who's doing that. Oh, yeah. They have to know who we are in order to, um, to do that. And Inter- that means they're probably listening some of these Saturday nights as well. So, oh, Neat. Well, my guess is a lot of these people might have never heard us and just stumble upon us, and maybe you the think? Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably. 
probably you're right. You know? You're right. Because so, I was one of the cruisers to mm-hmm. check out different places, and that's how I found Yesterday USA. And I tag so, we tag it under old time radio and talk radio and family mm-hmm. entertainment, which we yeah. are. So it was the talk show, uh, talk radio. Um, <laughs> listening the 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 list the category mm-hmm. that's the word i'm looking for the category because i was looking for talk show and i say you know this is a repeat story but i was looking for talk shows because i love talk shows and i would really appreciate something that had a variety of topics and people talked back and forth about issues and not yelling at each other or having one say this is the way it is and I don't care if you disagree with me and there was yesterday USA and I thought wow you know maybe these are old um, old type radio shows mm-hmm. like we had Barry Farber on one time and Barry Gray was the first one to do really serious talk show radio and they were in New York and a couple of months later Barry Farber joined them and that was the beginning of and I was I was thinking that maybe yesterdayusa.com would take me back to those kinds of talk shows and it turned out it was more fun than that <laughs> and here I am so there who is your favorite talk show host of all time Barry Farber uh-huh so did you Without, did you mm-hmm. grew up watching to him or found him as an yeah. adult? What did you yeah, discover him? Both, both. He was uh, bouncing around in New, on the New York stations. He would, and I, I realized after I looked up Barry Gray and a couple of others that this was pretty common. I never even considered it. So he would go from maybe NBC to WOR to WNYC and then start the cycle over again and spend a year or two with that one. I did not realize that way they went from station to station, probably more frequently than the old-time radio shows that changed stations. Um, so that really surprised me. So I was following him all over the place. When I got a radio for Christmas one year, that's when I found him. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was such a joy to listen to him. Did you enjoy radio? I know how much you loved to read as a kid. Did you fall? When do you think you fell in love with the radio? You think it was like in your teens, in your 20s? What, what, what time frame do you think you realized this it was, was a second it, love? Yeah, I was, I was really young. I, I think I might have been eighth grade or freshman um, in high school. I don't know. It's hard mm-hmm. for me to remember, but that would be my best guess. I was pretty young when I was interested in talk radio. There were so many topics to talk about, and they all didn't involve politics, no. which was kind of rough for an eight year, <laughs> an, an eighth grader to follow in in uh, in general. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you wouldn't find an eighth grader today, or, or you would, but not huge numbers of kids looking for current events and politics. So, but I was interested in that, and I learned a lot. But I was really happy when they came up with other things to talk about. So that's my story. Were you interested in civic affairs as a kid? What happened no. in your local town? No, I, we, weren't, we, we weren't really exposed to them. Mm-hmm. Um, we had no dinner table conversation about stuff like that. It was pass the potatoes and mm-hmm. you be quiet down there and stop yeah. picking on your brother. You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, so there really wasn't that kind of discussion throughout the house. Um, so it, it was new to me when I got out of school and out of college, and here it was, all of this great stuff going on. 
so, so there. when you were in college, you were so busy. Mm -hmm. You were working full time, and wow, you were, yeah. you, were, you were writing. You were doing a lot. You know, working on the school paper or whatever. Yeah, did you that's right. I forgot about that. Did, yeah. Did you have time to have interesting conversations about you know things, or was that was that part of your life so jumbled up with so many activities that it was. Oh. You know. So in between classes, a lot of us would congregate in, it would be the cafeteria area and, I don't know, maybe one of the, the school, <laughs> hardly relaxation areas, but places where the students congregated. And we would frequently get into some really interesting conversations. Uh, most, most of my cafeteria time was spent, I still remember it, we were co-editors of the of the school paper mm -hmm. and I still remember his name his name was Larry Smith which was my uncle's name <laughs> and you know, we did a pretty good job of putting together stories and paying attention to people and events that affected the, the college and um, we we folded it up I, did I tell you that story I think you need to refresh my memory. I think I, I think I remember yeah. a little bit of it, but tell me the, we, the, the story. Yeah, we had volunteer students doing a lot of work for us. One of them, you know, was was typing up so that it would be ready to go to print, and um, an awful lot of them. And one of the professors came to us and said, "Here's an article you're going to run." And I said, "Well, no, we don't work that way." <laughs> <laughs> Would you would you consider running this? Might might get you a little bit further on the line. Mm -hmm. And I read it, and yeah, you know, I didn't. I, as I said, I, I was not politically bent at that time. Mm -hmm. It was a straight communist propaganda piece. Mm -hmm. There just was not. It, it was not hidden. The, it was not even subtle. It was just upfront. And Larry and I both said we can't run this. Um, it would be. Ex extremely unusual to run an article from one of the uh, professional staff, from one of the teaching staff, but we certainly aren't going to run this one. And he threatened us by saying, I will make sure that none of my students from any class ever do work for your paper again. And we had a lot of, we depended on a lot of uh, students out there. Mm -hmm. So we, we went to the dean we just packed up our bags, scheduled an appointment with the dean, and said, this is what's happening. What can you do to help us? And he said, well, he's a professor, and he's a very good teacher. Said, That's not the issue. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is We're just straying a little bit off base. And he refused to do anything about it, not even have the professor come in and talk with him at the same time. We were there, nothing. And we said, if we can't have some support from the administration we're not going to do the paper anymore and he said well i guess if you have to do that and we did we just pulled the plug and wow. said there is no more wow. we put out a final issue that said we we had some pressure from a professor to publish something that was inappropriate we did not get any assistance and therefore we cannot in good conscience continue to run a paper that was working under threat and that was it we just told him no more. Did you? And you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I look back and say, "How the heck did you do that?" I'm not sure I would be able to do that. I think I would. I think I'd be able to do that today. 
in your long career as a writer, did you ever write things for the newspaper? Mo I know most of it been magazines or, or yes, the business. Yeah, I did. I did some, um, and it was not very often, but a lot of it was regional color. Mm -hmm. For example, some of the old timers I have had the privilege of talking with. You know, one knew Thomas Edison. One took care of um, Thomas Edison's wife on Sunday because she always liked to go out for ice cream, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So I did a fair number of articles like that and some business articles that had a lot of history in them as well. So, yeah, I, I did some, some newspaper writing, but not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. That was not the, the, that was not the breadwinner. How did you fall into the business side of your career? In other words, I know... I'm just talking about your interest in it. Was it in college? Was it somewhere? When did you think that you had an interest in learning uh, enough that, about that? That came up when I was in Florida, when I moved to Florida. Uh -huh. And I'm, I was a pretty good writer, if I do say so myself. <laughs> and writers very often rely on referrals, or they read somebody's work and say, would you like to give a shot at an article, which is pretty much how that happened to me with the business side. Mm -hmm. And that really tickled me. And the more I did it, the more interested I was in continuing to do it and pick apart. Um, I never did any heavy stuff. <coughs> you know, <laughs> who was corrupt in government, although I did. Wow, I did. I was assigned. Are you interested in this? I am. Okay, all right. And for people who want to call in and rescue me here, it's 714-545-2071. So I got sent out to do a roundup. When, when you do a roundup, it, it, has, it incorporates a, a bunch of things rather than a, a single subject. You might have a single theme, but you have various um, topics or, or people within that. And I was assigned a roundup of the sheriff's department's in oh, probably eight counties. So I was traveling all over the place, and the first one I did, I'm not even going to tell you where it was. Mm -hmm. The first one I did, I sat down with him and said, thank you very much for meeting with me, and the first thing he said was, I didn't take the money. <laughs> <laughs> I said, excuse me. <laughs> he said, well, I took over right after the scandal, and... Um, you know, the money was missing from the safe. I don't know where it went, and we knew who took it, and he was prosecuted. This is a former sheriff. Wow. And he was prosecuted. And this is, this is like, how do you do? I didn't take the money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a little bit more professional than that, but the essence of the message was, um, I'm here, and I'm relatively new, and I'll tell you the whole story about how I got here. And that was a great departure from what, I was looking for it was almost you know profiles of the individual sheriffs and typical responsibilities for that particular county but that did he started me off and I just went from there we went to the to the cops who were fired with <laughs> for marijuana wow. and um, somebody who had to be relieved from duty and they, they kept him because he was a good old boy but he was always drunk on duty I mean it was just incredible and what really blew me away is that people were willing to talk about this. Why you, you know, think? It, it, why? Hmm? Why you think so? I don't know. I really don't know. It was just just part of 
I'm, I'm not even going to guess. Okay. The answer is I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know. I'm glad they did. I got a good fee for that. <laughs> the article. But, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it was really something else. Do we have anybody out there? Somebody no, just give us a call nobody. to let us know that I you think, are out there listening. I think I think everybody might be so cold on the East Coast oh, and in the Midwest. Oh, my gosh. That's right. So many will probably not even have electricity. Or they're, they're sitting or they're underneath their blankets and just don't want to get out of bed to, to, to reach for hmm. a phone. Do you know, Mm -hmm. in New Hampshire, Mount, help me here, Mount Washington, is that in, that's in New Hampshire, right? I I don't know. Mount Washington. My guess so. Both of us with our geography, we're just really (laughs) great here. Um, Whenever we talk geography, everybody, don't listen to us. We're just having a good time. (laughs) <laughs> Unless I say I looked it up, then you can believe. Then you, you talk to two educated people here who don't know geography. You know. Well, we specialize. That's true. You, know? <laughs> you, you are the math genius, and I'm the playful one over here You're with trivia. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're anyway, yeah. it was predicted that Mount Washington, with the temperature and the wind chill factor, it would the wind chill would bring it to 100 degrees below zero. Isn't that I, I just I just cannot get my arms around that. That's that's probably colder than the South Pole. I would say so. Mm-hmm. Oh good. Somebody called us. Somebody Somebody warm- rescued me. Somebody Late, but- <laughs> somebody somebody's warm enough to call us. That's good. Oh good. Hello there, yeah. Carl, your arm Patricia. This is sixty minutes. I'm looking for an investigative reporter. <laughs> The one in the house? Came to the wrong, came to the wrong joint, sir. <laughs> oh, this I, from Indiana who is frozen. You know, I was going to ask, did you ever do an investigation reporting? That was also on my next question. If we nobody called, but then go to Dan called and came up with the same Yeah, Dan called. I, no, I never did it, unless, unless you call ferreting around for really background information after I got the high side <laughs> or the... <laughs> Or the heads up that this uh, that the sheriff's piece was going to be um, a big deal, something really hot, and you know, and there there were some things that people were accused of in the sheriff's uh, office, including the sheriff's, that um, required a delicate touch and a, and a really nosy person <laughs> to dig out the information, but. But no, investigative reporting, no. I never did, and I have you, the greatest respect for you, writers who do that. Do you think you could have ever done it? No. No, I could not. Why? Go undercover. Did you go undercover? Did you have to dress in costume and go undercover? Did you have to... Right. <laughs> my mustache and my skirt. <laughs> no. No, I never had to she, do that. You know what she did, Dan? You know what she interesting. We never talked about this stuff before. You know, but. you know, Dan, I know what she did. She went barefoot. And to the sheriff's office, she went barefoot. That was her disguise. Nobody knew that Patricia was a writer when she went oh. barefoot. Listen, that's, Walden, that's my hallmark. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> if no. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, maybe not the people I interviewed. You're right. They probably would not have known. Your family yeah. knows. Your family. Your family that I, loves I, you listen, knows. This is a, you're right. This is worldwide broadcast. Everybody <laughs> in the world knows I, I don't like to wear shoes. 
However, you know. She's she's barefoot right now. I know. I know. She's not, what? She's not in the 11 degree weather. Dan thinks you're barefoot what? now. He thinks you're barefoot now. I think she got shoes on at the moment. You gotta be kidding me, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you must be gushing. No, I do not. And I haven't. No, I haven't gone barefoot around here. I don't, you know, in any kind of a healthcare facility, you don't want to go pattering around in bare feet. Just not done. I mean, you never know what's on the floor. Somebody could have dropped Something. a needle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They wouldn't. I mean, that's not anything that you you would likely come across in here. But it's an example of the kind. Maybe of somebody that, dentures or something. You know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. So uh, anyway, okay. So what do you want on my shopping list when I finally get to Walmart next week? What do you think Patricia should buy, Dan? I'd like a space heater, please. Space heater. <laughs> not you, me. <laughs> How are you doing with the cold? Uh, it's 11. Just peachy. <laughs> Just peachy? They're saying not- peachy. Just peachy. We ha- it, it hasn't been this cold for this long since 1989. If you keep going, been- you're going to set the all-time record. Is that correct? Uh, probably, probably. Uh, it's... Uh, it's been below freezing since Christmas Eve. Okay, now, so I have a serious question. Dan. Is there a temperature where it would be too cold that the car couldn't start? Oh, yeah. What would that be? Like, if well, it got to be minus 20 degrees, could you figure, like, I can't get the car out of the garage? Oh, the you know, Canada has temperature, you know, 33 below zero. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, they must do something. I don't know if they put heaters in the car, or, you know, in the engine block or whatever. Yeah, we used to use um, electric dipsticks. You'd put it in the, yes. in the oil, yeah. And plug mm-hmm. it in, and then we keep the oil warm so that you could get that circulation when you tried to start the car. But there are, there are times when it was so cold that the battery was cold enough to a point where it would not work. You couldn't even turn over the car. But we had we had a car outside. We only had a one car garage, so mm-hmm. one of them was inside and the other one was outside. And the outside one, of course, blocked the inside one. <laughs> <laughs> the outside one didn't start. So it was it was kind of interesting. We didn't have this kind of weather though. We just didn't. And this this whole climate thing is turning everything upside down. Um, so I'm glad I'm. Bring, Bring me the head of Al Gore, please. Head of Al Gore. Okay. Logan, could you turn Dan down just a little bit? Uh-huh, he's I so can. loud that he's kind of fuzzy. I can turn him down. There you go. Yeah. Where, where, Want to try that? Where's Al Gore? Where, where yeah, is Al Gore when we need him? Isn't he still running a cable company or somewhere? I don't know. No, no, no. He, he sold he he uh, sold that to, sold his cable company to um, Al Jazeera. Al Oh, okay. Yes. I'm so far behind, I did not know he owned... Uh, uh, I didn't know he owned that. Yes, yes. He, 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 he made any... money off that. I, I heard he made... Say that again, I, I, I tripped over you and I didn't... I missed that comment, Dan. Would you say it again? He, he made millions of dollars when he sold that cable interest. Wow. Was that the 
uh, I don't know how to it. Was that the impetus for selling because it, it would wind up in such a profit, or was there another reason he sold? And by the way, it, it was a great profit. Oh, I, uh, I, I, I don't remember. The story I remember, it was the money. It was the money. It was just overwhelming. It was, it, it was just a, a oh, good time yeah. to sell. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, really, that that's good. I'm glad somebody made a good profit out what of did the he sell the, uh, what, did he hard. what did he sell the internet for? <laughs> Walton. <laughs> I, I had forgotten about that one. Gee whiz. You know, a slip of the tongue can stay with you forever. Forever. Oh, I think, really I, think, I think we should go to every person who's ever run for president and and come up with with flippers, you know, stuff they sure, oh. sure, you know, Dan Quayle with the potato spelling, yeah, will will live forever, you know, and it wasn't even he who did it. Somebody, one of his agents, I guess, someone who was with him mm-hmm. as vice president was probably some of his protection team. He spelled potato correctly, and somebody leaned over and told him to put an e on the end of it, and he did. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even his fault. And he just listened and said, okay, if I were caught in a situation like that, I might just, without thinking, say, okay, he must know, and just go ahead and do it and do the slap on the side of the head after I did it. Um, that one will live forever. And of course, I, don't have as much, I don't have as much problem with uh, an E on potato as I do with, with a, uh, another presidential candidate candidate that thinks we have 57 states. Ooh. Ooh. Remember? Yeah, yeah <laughs> I do. That, that was a big <laughs> slip. But we had Alexander Haig as well when President Reagan was shot. Alexander Haig grabbed the microphone and said, it's okay, everybody, I'm in charge. Yeah. Well, you know, we do have a vice president. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> but that's what he said at the microphone when they announced that President Reagan had been um, injured in an attempted assassination. <laughs> Alexander Haig said, I'm in charge, I'm in charge, everything's okay. So, and that one Wait, will live know, forever as well. I know he had an ego, but I think he just meant at that moment. I think he was... Yeah, first, I think first. so too. But it was a thoughtless comment. He didn't put a lot of, you know, a lot of thought into how it was going to come out. And I agree with you. He was likely saying, I'm here, and we've got people who are taking over responsibilities, and you're not out there alone, people. I know he was trying to be encouraging, but Mm -hmm. it just didn't come out right. It was like the potato. Yes, it didn't come across. Mm -hmm. He intended it, I think. They did. And then then you, you have people like George Bush is reading to children when... You know, uh, 9/11. Yeah. Buildings gets bombed in New York, and it's like, okay, now yeah. what do you do? So. Yeah. Well, remember to remember the. You know, I don't know what I would have done. He stayed and finished the story with the kids, and then left. I'm not sure I would, I would have chosen that route, considering the severity of the situation that we would be dealing with. Walton, what would you do? Oh, well, I was just think I was thinking of another case, but going back to that point, remember, I I can't and listen to the timeline several times, and mm-hmm. it didn't happen all at once. Remember, if, like, one building went down, and it was another 45 minutes for, for another one. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm not too sure when George appealed. I think he appealed before the build, the first, the before the second building went down. Yeah. In, in no matter where he was in the timeline, when he was informed of the attack. That was the time he chose to stay with the kids before he went out to find out the whole story. Um, you know, whether it was one yeah. or, or the, the duplicate hitting the towers. What I but, don't, yeah, what I don't know, what is the protocol? Because, you know, there are probably times when his people go to him and they don't go to him. Under any mm-hmm. president, when do, when yeah. do you inform... Well, in that particular circumstance, the first thing they would have done would be to usher him to the underground White House and keep him there, as they oh, they well, did. Well, what, remember, but, oh, I think what they did, they got him in the airplane and they flew. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. it, it, that's what I recall, you know. Um, no. You know, these are interesting stories, and they all have backstories, most of which we will never, ever get. Yeah. And it would be nice if we could, because we would understand better some of the the comments and the actions and the lack of action. Well, remember we the just, first we just don't have them. Remember the first time when uh, Ford caught a debate, when Ford was trying to explain Paul not being under the Soviet oh, domination. I yeah. know. Oh gosh, I know. Just a get the flip. Just a just a misspoke mm-hmm. mis- statement. I mean. Exactly. Exactly. When you're under pressure to speak extemporaneously, things tend to come out crooked. Um, if you're thinking of the next, the, the next question and an answer for the next question, you trip yourself up on the one that you're facing there. But that one was a big one. Mm-hmm. That one was huge. Well, and everybody, and that'll live forever as well. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we had someone, some, back with. Taft and Coolidge and that group way back before Harry Truman and before FDR mm-hmm. and that we had some in, inside information about the boo-boos they made along the way. Unintentional, of course. Well, I, but, bet, you know. I bet if we search on, uh, for a book author, I bet we could probably must have written a book about that. The, uh, the great you know, boo-boos. That's a great idea. Yeah. Okay, that's my next homework, right? Yeah. I keep, I'm keeping notes. I haven't read them, but I'm keeping notes. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> oh, I, would suggest, I would suggest going with Doris Kearns Goodwin. Say that again, then we miss you. Do you know Doris Kearns Goodwin? I do not. I do mm-hmm. not. Okay. No, I don't. Yeah, she, she's done several books on President uh, the history of the presidents over the years. So. Mm-hmm. Is it a straight history, or does she include some of the the smaller pieces of presidency that we're talking about right now? The ones that can influence a presidency, but they're so petty. And if if any of us out here in citizenshiphood, if we did something like that, it would just you know, we go past, somebody might giggle, and the next day it's gone. But you don't do that with a president. He doesn't yes, have that that's right. Him. Yeah, she, I believe she'd be uh, one, one, of the, one, of the, one of the leading authors to speak about that. Mm-hmm. So you could probably get her. Well, you can join in on this presidential question that I have for Walden, speaking of presidents. <laughs> okay. Boy. Which president 
has living grandchildren. And I should say before before Hoover. Which president has living grandchildren before Hoover? Before Hoover. Yeah. Yeah. The president was in office before Hoover. Yes. Then yes, the president the presidential term was before Hoover and that's pretty far back. But there are still living grandchildren. Not great grandchildren, but grandchildren. Yes. So they would remember granddad. <laughs> no, they would remember oh. dad. Oh that's right, I'm sorry, granddad. Yes. Uh, Walton, you want to take a shot? Well, I'm thinking. I, I'm. We know Lincoln is no. I, I. I think Lincoln is not. Right. Um. I don't think Grant. Well, I think. No, that's interesting. Yeah. Um. If it's only been under Robert, and I don't know if Robert yeah. Lincoln had children. You know, he was. I'm, I don't really remember. Um. Uh, Grant. I don't know how many. I think Grant had daughters, but I don't know any of Grant's kids are alive. Um, oh, Teddy Roosevelt must have some. I would bank on Teddy Roosevelt. Grandchildren. Yeah. It's John Tyler. And when I said wow. John Tyler, but he had 15 kids. kids. He just kept having kids. So I'm thinking it's entirely possible mm-hmm. that one of the younger, the youngest child, had children, and that would be the, the grandchildren. Could be, yeah. Uh, I, I well, that just blew me away. I never thought about anything like that before. So maybe we have to get some uh, a John Tyler's grandchild. I would love to. Well, Seriously, you know, you know, I might be able to try I would love down. to. Actually, you know, I would love to have Dwight D. Eisenhower's grand, grandson on the show someday. Yes, I, oh, yes. man. Yes. David? Yeah. Yeah, David. Well, yeah. Um. I, would would you believe my granddad was born in 1875? Yes. Wow. But I don't know my, why. I would my dad was the last of 12 over a 24-year period. And he, when, when, when my dad was born, he was 56 years old. Wow. So... I remember. Wowzers. I remember in the eighties, they were talking. There were still widows from the Civil War were still the around. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for people who are scratching their head, how could that be? Well, a lot of times, some of the Civil War guys were married in their eighties, gals in their twenties. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. if you look at the numbers, it was possible to have Civil War widows in in the nineteen eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a book written called "The Last Confederate Widow," I believe is the right title. It was some something like that, mm-hmm. and that was uh, written in the I believe the nineties. Mm. So, yep, very true. Wow. Okay, I'm going to ask the old time radio king who is with us here. <laughs> I have a question for you, and maybe Dan can jump in with some thoughts okay. about this. Okay. If you say, gee, I don't know, but I don't think you're going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> the thought of well, I'll say, I was flipping through, of course, my um, encyclopedia of old time radio, John Dunning's book, mm-hmm. and as I'm going through and looking at some of the shows, I wondered how and if there is a difference between a soap opera 
and a serial that continues a storyline from episode to episode. Well, for example... Wouldn't Lemon Abner be a serial that we continue from week to week? Very good. Wouldn't yeah. very good. Be a, wouldn't be a soap opera. Very good. Carlton E. Morris hated the name soap opera, so he would tell you one man family was not a soap opera. What did he call it? Oh, even that's a good point. I don't know if he ever gave it a title. <laughs> even the, what he didn't want. Even the couple, even the couple next door, would be a serial, not. A soap opera, for what I've that's heard. The one, yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They took a different Vignette. story. Yes. They, they had a, a different situation each week there. It wasn't a continuation of a, of a single so, item. It's, it's so like Vic and Say. There's really no any or beginning of any of their stories. Yeah. It's not a continuation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Easy Aces was a. Sometime had a daily run, you know, a, a storyline, I think, uh, for a while. Um, well, even it, even, it, even at the end, I, I would say uh, keep running with it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Dan. Even at at the end, I would say Cyber uh, Megan Molly was a serial because they were daily, and they oh at, at the at the end, yes, there were shows that were continuation of previous ones. Yeah, Mister uh, especially uh, Mister X or whatever, finding the the, the shopper, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Um, the mystery shopper, right? Yeah. Um, and yours uh, truly, Johnny Dollar, when it was a five-day very good event program. So. Very good. Perry Mason. Oh, Perry Mason with a Perry day, Mason with a daily show. Now, I would consider Perry Mason a soap opera. Okay. Because I, that's I what I would consider it, and I want you to argue with me. I would consider it a soap opera because it had more human drama than legal and investigative stuff in there. True. Well, well, you know where Perry Mason began. It was a spin-off of a soap opera. No kidding. Which which one? Uh, you Originally came from the, edge, the edge, of, edge of Night. It was The Edge of Night. Was The Edge of Night a radio show? It was, and then went to TV and it probably ended in the I think in the late 80s. It was on television. I think it was on. Yeah, oh, I knew. I knew it was on television. But the radio, the radio show itself. Yeah, I think. Um, was that a spinoff? I I think I think it started its own series on radio, because um, I'm a, Gardner. I'm trying to think of the 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 Earl, gentleman who Earl wrote Stanley. Right. Earl Stanley Gardner. Yeah. And he he go back. He started writing those books. I think into mm-hmm. the thirties. Um. Oh, it was way back. Yeah, you're right. You know. Um, yeah, I think you're right about that. Well, even there are some 15 minute Mister and Mrs. North. Mm-hmm. Um. I so I think the answer is yes. Well, what about the the kids shows? Superman and Captain Midnight mm-hmm. and Jack yeah. Armstrong and yeah. Terry and the Pirates. That would absolutely be a serial. I was also thinking about. John Arthur and um, Big John and Sparky. Big John and Sparky, because they would yes. go with the storyline. They they would take a trip mm-hmm. and come back from the trip and then pick up another one. And they would be loosely oh. linked, but they would be linked to each other. Each of the adventures would be linked 
softly, you know, we're back in America. Yes. I wonder what's been going on type thing, yeah. Even the, ser- the, even the cinnamon bear would be a cereal. Very good. Mm-hmm. So. Well, now that's really interesting. Uh, my, Walden, help me with the lingo here. My idea of a cereal would be, <clears throat> excuse me, more than a story centered around, in this case, a holiday. And when the holiday was over, so was the show. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, would that be a serial, or would that be a program? Well, my mind is a serial, because the 26 episodes mm-hmm. make up one storyline. But yeah. it has, a, it has a, a serial feature to it. Yes. That's how I would... Uh, break it in my break it down in my head. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. You know. Just because it's short doesn't mean it falls outside the category. Right. Interesting. Okay. All right, Dan. So, what's been up with you this week? What you been doing? What you, what you, what you, what? What what? What? Just been trying to get through this cold weather. I mean, it's just yeah. cold and. Getting back to work and just kind of finishing yeah. up with okay. things around the house. What's the worst thing about cold weather, Dan? Um, the temperature. Worst thing, I, I, I spoke to a, a friend of mine who's a pastor, uh-huh. and uh, one of his um, church members, his church member's mother passed away, and she was cremated. Right. So they uh-huh. were going to, they can't even have her service because they can't bury the uh, urn out, or put the urn out in the uh, in the plot. It's too cold to dig. Oh, they can't can't dig. Wow. So. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it would be like going through concrete. So, well, Dan, we're we're going to um, keep calls a little bit shorter tonight, cause we're going to have a relatively short show. We're still doing because I I poop out. <laughs> Too early to oh. go to five o'clock in now, the morning. Now, 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 now. You've already this is your fourth show this week, so you've done extra duty already, Patricia. I did some extra duty. You are right, and yeah. we had adventures in it and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, how was how was last uh, last uh, Sunday? Your New Year's show. Your New Year's show was fun. We had we had Barbara do a new play, a new poem. I heard that. I heard that. She was great. She was wonderful. That's what I thought, hey, I listened, too. I, I, I fell asleep she at 11.30. I told you she has to work on one for for Valentine's Day now. Valentine's Day. Yeah. She, and it, you know, it was a perfect length, and it was perfect season. It was perfect after Christmas. It was just really good. I, I was so proud of her. Okay, so we need Valentine's Day, one for St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. Easter, Mother's Day, Mother's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Fourth of July, Fourth of July, yeah, Labor Day. Well, she's going to be busy, huh? Yeah, yeah. She, she, we need to come up with a pen pal name for her. You know, a pen pal. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait no. An author. Oh, a pen name. A yeah. Pen, oh, a pseudonym. A pen name. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's see. Uh, bubble. Yes. Bubbles. Oh, what? Funny. Bubble something. Yeah. Bubbles. Okay. All right. So I'll let I'll. Ask her if she would please screen some prospective pseudonym. I don't know why a pseudonym. She's she you know she's very creative, so maybe she should use. Be her under her name, Bubble name. Smith. Bubble Smith. With it, yeah. 
we can let her use her own name and then put AKA, also known as Bubbles. So. Well, Dan, we're going to scoot. I'm so glad you called. We had some good conversation. And thank you for the heads up. Uh, Jerry Van Dyke died yeah. today, Dick Van Dyke's younger brother. He was 86. I could not believe that those numbers of years have crept up on both of them. But he died today, and, you know, he was a very special person in and of his own. He did quite a few of the Dick Van Dyke shows. I saw him perform. I saw him at the warm-up act for Diane Carroll one time here really? in Costa Mesa. Yeah. Was he good? Oh, yeah. He was so good. Oh, good. He just seemed like an everyman. He did. He, that, he had that way about him. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Really, yeah. And then, and then, when did Rosemary pass away? I mean, it's just been what two weeks? Uh, a week ago Thursday, so we're a week ago Thursday. ten days ago. Yeah, or, or Wednesday. Yeah. So yeah, ten yeah. days ago. Um, yeah. Um, oh well. Okay, Dan. Oh, will you take oh. you? All right, okay, Dan. you take care of yourself, and and please be safe in this horrid stuff that you're getting hit with. All right, I sure will. Y'all take care tonight. You too. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week, maybe. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. Let us know you are out there. And Happy New Year. I can still say Happy New Year, right? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And Merry Christmas. Sure. Or Merry Un-Christmas, maybe. Happy Valentine's Happy Valentine's Day. You know, that could be oh, <laughs> You're you're getting out of control again. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I do have some stuff just for you. Oh, I don't Never know. mind. <laughs> Hello there, you I'm a Patricia. Hello, you two. Hello, Celeste. Oh, hi, Celeste. This is Celeste. Hello, you two. It is cold in Texas. How cold is it? Well, tonight it's kind of warmed up now, but it's been in the 40s. Oh. So, so I, I don't think we've gotten down to the 30s to the freezing, but it, it's plenty cold. Wow. Celeste, yeah. I'm in Florida, and we got down into the 30s this week. That's right. You know, I saw that. It was almost unbelievable. To yeah. me, because normally North Texas is much colder. Than, I never hear things like that about Florida, you know. Yeah, uh, these are just Did you have to bundle in? Could you get bundled up? Oh, boy, did I. <laughs> Were you warm? You nice and warm? Yeah, I stayed in bed. <laughs> well, that's not really true, but, boy, it was hard getting up in the morning. We don't have a heater in our room. It has to be replaced. The, the air conditioning and heating unit. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it was pretty chilly in our room. but uh, Did you have another place you could go, Patricia, to warm up? In the hall. <laughs> Wait. Okay. All right. I, I mean, I know how to snuggle down and stuff. I, I'm a yeah, I from know. New York. Yeah. No, but you're from New York. I know you know how, but, oh, that just sounds so chilly to me. Now, oh, I want to oh, tell you something. Mm-hmm. You were talking mm-hmm. about things that presidents say that nobody yeah. will ever forget yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to use any words or anything like that. But this year, when the president described what he liked to do to women, yeah. I turned it off. I 
kept up with that one will live forever you are so right i have never heard anything like that never no I, I mean, you hear Al Haig say, I'm in charge here, mm-hmm. this one say, yeah. dumb yeah. things. And George Bush, looked, bless his heart, he looked kind of dumb when they told him the towers had been hit, yeah. and who wouldn't yeah. look that way? I know it. You know, all of those, to me, are excusable. They're excusable mm-hmm. because they're just human beings, and they react the same way all of us do. Yeah. But yeah. I never heard anything like this year. Well, that, that one was a honey. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, Patricia, here for yeah. lighter sides and things you like better. I'm going to ask you uh, a question. I had it here. For, okay. In 1974, something happened that you don't really like. You don't like it. The chipmunks. No. <laughs> This is a a government. Something happened that I don't really like. Isn't that interesting? Really not. That I don't like even today. You don't like it even today. You don't like it every year. Every year? What is it? Reindeer. Rudolph. I'm thinking of a couple of different things. I'm thinking that was the first year that uh, Nixon put on the... uh, Elimination they of like power. Savings measure. Oh, say they like savings absolutely. Oh, oh, oh. heavens, oh heavens! He put on, <laughs> he put the gas prices <laughs> in action too. When I read a little a daily thing here in the paper, I said, "Oh, I got to call Patricia and tell her this mm. is that dreaded year the daylight savings went in." Wow! Well, uh, also, Boy, didn't didn't that go crazy? I also remember just thinking just fun things about that time. That's when people stopped putting Christmas tree lights up. We didn't have as many Christmas tree lights up. It, it took a long time before people, a lot of people started putting Christmas tree lights up because of the energy. Remember, we were having an energy crisis. That the energy crisis, yeah. It, it had a good reason for it. It's because we were having that huge OPEC embargo yep. from the eastern countries. Right, you know. 73, yeah. Uh, Nixon was trying to do his best to alleviate some of those things that were going on. Right. And then I think and Remember, we, you know... Uh, I, I, I don't think it's good to go back and remember people for the bad they do. I'd rather look for the good they do. Mm-hmm. You know, he started the EPA. He did. Remember, I think he was the one that, during that time they put in the first um, mileage control. Was it uh, speed limit? Absolutely. 55. I that one, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And? Oh, and people here in... In West Texas, people grow out there and drive 90 and 100 miles an hour. People in Texas were mad, and they were writing into the newspaper. They wanted to speed. Mm -hmm. I thought it was not only good for OPEC, but I thought it was also good for just saving lives. Oh, my gosh. The death rate from traffic accidents plummeted. You are absolutely right. Yeah. I think we need to give people... Credit where credit is, mm-hmm. he didn't turn out. Oh yeah, no, I you know, I was looking more for for humorous things or things uh, that the ordinary person would be excused for, or it would just blow over and that would be the end of it. But the kinds yeah. of things that live forever. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. 
Yeah. I knew you'd love that daylight savings, Patricia. I've been... Oh. <laughs> yeah. That one made my stomach squeal when, <laughs> when you just said it. Oh, dear. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Oh, dear. Now, darling, yeah. when do you move back to your apartment? I'm not. I let my apartment go. Oh, you had to let it go? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. She I, I was paying rent for not being there, Celeste. Oh, yeah, oh, that's expensive. Yeah. yeah, sure. Oh, gosh, yes. It was almost $1,000 a month. Oh, my my dear girl. <laughs> I, I know, I know. But, you know, the one comfort that I took about having to give it up is that I would have had to give it up anyway. I rent. I was in over my head with the rent increase that they hit me with last year and this year. I'd, I'd be out on the street trying to you know, yeah, pay bills yeah. and eat yeah. at the but same time. Well, then we, we would have had to run save her if she was. I, I know, I know. Patricia would have no problem finding a new home. She would have my fam- no. my family would take her in. I know you would yeah. have taken her in. I know, I know. Had her stand on the street. Yeah, with, no, with, that would have never happened. With a bell and a kettle. We can't let her know. <laughs> That's right. And, and I'd be under the kettle. <laughs> No, that Patricia oh, would not have no. to worry. She, her big problem would be, where do I, where do I want to stay? You know, we, I think we I, we all have friends. I think we all know people I, that uh, they have so many friends that they go around and visit them throughout the year, so they don't want to stay mm-hmm. in one place. That would be Patricia. She'll have to pick <laughs> out her calendar. Oh, I'm going to spend two months here, three months there, four months there. That would have been Patricia, but, you know. Yeah, and get out before... It, it was Ben Franklin who said that having guests, I, it, I can't remember how he said it, but after five days, guests and fish begin to Yeah, well, I think, I think it was, <laughs> was it three days, uh, fish, fish and three days? Yeah, fish that's and probably right. After, after three, three days, days yeah. guests <laughs> and it. fish yes, begin to absolutely. stink. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what are you going to do, dear? You don't know yet or what? No, um, I'm going to stay here for a while, and they told me I could stay as long as I wanted. You know, I've still got the limp, I've still got the pain, and um, I, <laughs> I'm making progress a little at a time. I, I finally had an appointment with my cardiologist this week, yes. and yeah, and I thought, oh, he he was just going to look and say, oh, your EKG looks great, da 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 da. Here's your sign off. And he said. Uh-huh. Well, you know, it's been a few years, so he's ordering a stress test and an echo, and I think, oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. Well, so, I mean, Patricia, I get through a back surgery, then after that, then got rehab just to get make sure you're able to be yeah. movable. Yeah. So it's going to be a while. But yeah. you know, it, it, it will be. I was mm-hmm. thinking, my dear, it's been almost five, four and a half years since your heart surgery. That's right, and that's what he said. Wow. <laughs> So, oh dear! Yeah, it has now, see, I guess I didn't listen to you all during that. Was that when you started being on with Walden when you'd had heart surgery? She was oh with... no, we were together long before that, Celeste. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember when I first I started. Li- I didn't know to listen tonight, and I guess I was listening to Bill. And yeah, well, oh. Patricia and I been keeping every Saturday since December of two thousand nine. And then, uh, then she would do the holidays in 2007. Uh-huh. And then, uh, it, was, it was, now, see, now I'll tell you what, Patricia was a trooper. She, I, I knew she was having surgery done, and I think that she told the family just before, the Saturday before 
she went and had her surgery during the middle of the week, which was on a Tuesday. And that Saturday night, Patricia was on the air from a hospital room for a couple of minutes. I mean, here, he oh couldn't, get, he couldn't get Patricia away. And then I, I, and I didn't want to get fired either. And, and I, and I heard, I had heard, oh, I heard from so, I heard from so many family members. You better take care of her. Don't work her too hard. <laughs> oh, we have such a special family. Yes. yes. They would, they would take me in for a couple of weeks. Oh yeah. 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 I don't eat a lot. They want to celebrate daylight savings, so. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I'm going to get off and be a good person. I'm going to get off and let somebody else call you. All right, Celeste. Oh, Celeste, it's always fun to talk to you. Thank you. For the rest of the day. Happy New Year. Okay, same to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Here's our friend Celeste. 714-545-2071. Patricia here before a few more minutes, before I send her off to be, for bed. You throw me out. Huh. Well... well. Uh, indeed. We can negotiate. We can negotiate, but you know, yeah. I, you know, you had plenty. Well, you had plenty of activities this week, so. Oh you, my goodness! Did I ever? Yeah. Did I ever? Yeah. Oh well, good for the spirit and good for the soul. That's true. <laughs> that that's the, that, that's the next title of Patricia's new book: "Good for the Spirit and Good for the Soul" by Patricia. Oh. I suppose I could do that. There are lots of good things, like our family and you and yeah. stuff like that there. Have you figured out a title for your screenplay yet? For my screenplay? Yeah. No. Okay, so you're just working on the story. Okay. Yeah, and it, um, rather than a screenplay or even a movie, mm-hmm. what I'm looking at is a, a television special. It's just a one-time, because I think it's a great story, ah. but to carry it beyond that would be overkill. So, well, I don't know. And fun. It's a fun story. Okay. I don't know. Oh, well, 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 well. Yeah, well, okay. when I'm finished with it, I will send it to you, and you can tell me whether or not it's a one-shot deal. Well, I'll send it to our cousin John Wilder. Maybe he'll get it produced for you. You never know. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. That would be great. Considering John, considering John gets stuff produced on the Hallmark Channel, you think we'll be good enough for Hallmark? Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, Yeah, I think okay. I mean, and it's clean on top of it. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, there's not a bad word in the whole thing. Uh, and, and it's fun. You know, it's, it's, How it's, much it's, do writers hmm. write for fun? Did you write yeah. just for fun? Oh, it was fun writing. It had to be marketable because I had to survive. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, for, it, it was fun. But, I mean, I just loved doing some of the things that I was doing, and I still love what I'm doing now. But what I'm you thinking, know, I'm, yeah. But what I'm thinking for when you when you're not writing for your bread, and mm-hmm. you 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 your bread. Mm-hmm. Do you write just for fun? Sometimes, yeah. Okay, yeah. I want to make sure that you know, so you still have the enjoyment of, of sure, writing. Yeah, sure. There's there's fun in them. Their words. <laughs> seven one. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. If you're looking for a writer, we recommend <laughs> Patricia. She's very yes. good. <laughs> and, and we don't do stuff that I wouldn't buy in the supermarket. I had some, oh gosh, I guess I can tell this. 
Yeah, I guess I can tell it. <laughs> I had <laughs> a psychiatrist from probably Texas, mm-hmm. uh, a psychiatrist from Texas, to call me and say that actually he. I don't know how he got in touch with me, but he called me. I didn't propose anything for him. And he was the last person to interview Lee Harvey Oswald. He was called in to do a psych evaluation. Ah. And he he was going to work with me to put together an article. And that never came about because he had prefaced it with a different article proposal <laughs> that... Um, it, I can't even tell you what it was. No problem. About. It, it was, it but was, my it, answer, my answer to him was, if I wouldn't have it on my coffee table, I'm not going to write for it. And I sent all the material back. I said, I don't want to touch it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was pretty disgusting. He didn't want his name in it. Oh, he he just he just wanted. Oh yeah, he he just wanted to sell you, it. And you can write it, and um, but you can't use my name. I don't know, I think he wanted to do something stupid like 50-50. It was his idea. And, mm-hmm. you know, people do that. They say, you know, I'll only take 90%. You write it, and it's my idea. I'll take 90%. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So, what the, what I the? have a list of what kinds of days we're going to have this week. Like today was Bean Day. Yeah, tell I me. some. It was also Cuddle Up Day. Ah. Uh. Now, wouldn't that be sweet? I didn't even find this until tonight. Would you believe it? Now, tomorrow, give me a break. I don't know what this is. I should have checked it out. Maybe I can do it tomorrow now. The old, tomorrow old the 7th. Old Rock Day. Hmm? Cold Rock? Old Rock, like ancient. Yeah. Um, let's see. I appreciate I old stone, rock. I stone hands, I guess. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. And maybe fossils and mm-hmm. stuff like that there. But <laughs> old rock day, my goodness. And now we're up to Monday. Monday is bubble bath day. Ah, uh, I'll have to send that one to Barbara. Yeah, yeah we could do absolutely. that. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and male watchers day. I don't know who. <laughs> <laughs> I should have left that one off the list. Um, and then on the 10th, what's the 10th? 10th, it's a Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. The 10th is Bittersweet Chocolate Day, like dark mm, chocolate, bittersweet okay, type okay, stuff. Okay. And I thought that was and Houseplant Appreciation Day and National Take the Stairs Day. It's the second Wednesday of the month. Huh, okay. Of, of January. And I think that's pretty good because that's one of the pushes for health. Sure. Not only to walk, but walk upstairs so that you get good stuff like that. Sure. So anyway, that's what's coming up this week. Let's see. National Farmer said she's fabulous wild man. Oh, this is cute. On Thursday, it's step in a puddle and splash your friend day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on the 10th, this is on Wednesday, I think this is the most appropriate in the entire thing. It's Peculiar People Day. We don't know any, we don't know any peculiar people deny, do we, my dear? No, we don't. We yeah. don't know any normal ones either. We're really up the creek here. So I have a question for you. Uh-huh. Okay. This is an old time radio show. This is Stump Walden question. Okay. Which show did these characters come from? Virginia Lansing, Irene Lansing, and Cliff Caldwell.
Walton is thinking, and he will, by golly, I think he'll pull at least one of them up. Virginia Lansing, Irene Lansing, and Clift Caldwell. <laughs> That's his private clock. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, I played this show a couple of weeks ago. Um. Really? I can't think of it at the moment, my dear. You got me. I got you. Well, it, it's a pretty stinky one. These were all regular characters and repeat characters from Backstage Wife. I, I, I'm surprised. I would have known it's Backstage Wife. That, that one got me. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Let's wow. see. Um, okay. That's Maude. We don't want that one. Virginia Lansing, a devious, unscrupulous person who did everything she could to undercut Larry's self-confidence. Larry Noble. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And Irene, the charming young sister of Virginia Lansing, <laughs> who thwarted her sister's attempts to pry Mary and Larry apart. And Clift Caldwell was a handsome young actor in the new Tom Bryson play. Cliff loved Irene, but Virginia Lansing stood in the wings, ready to upset her sister's life again. So, that, that, that was a long playing soap opera. How long did Backstage Wife play? Oh, it's almost tw- uh, 20, at least 25 years, maybe 26 years or so. Nin- 1935 through 1959. Yeah, 24 years. That's a long time. Could you have written for soap operas, my dear? I think so. I think you could have. I think so. You know, when you develop personalities and they present themselves, you put two people, two of the characters apart from each other, and you know how how they're going to behave. So, yeah, I think I could have done that. I think yours have been very interesting. You've been mystery soap operas or uh, yeah, something with a little yeah. humor. A little, like maybe Lorenzo Jonas, White Bell, a little humor. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I did some fun stuff with kids a couple of times with a friend, a fellow writer. Uh-huh. We went to first grade classes, and I brought a big polar bear with me, a stuffed polar bear. <laughs> and we started a story, and we'd go around the room and, and ask people, to the kids, to add to the story. Well, my gosh, they had polar bears in, in, in Florida. And, I mean, it was just such fun with the imaginations that these kids came up with. But it went on. We had to actually say, okay, it's time for us to stop and listen to the story that you just created. They just wanted to keep going, and, and it was wonderful. They could have done soap operas easily. Yeah. Okay, so we got that one. And this is your final question. Dum, 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 dum. Dum, Who was our shortest president? That was James Madison. You are on the money. Give that boy a cubie doll. That is absolutely right. I believe, and this is from memory, that he was five feet tall. Something like that. Is, or five yeah. four or something like that. Pretty no, five two. Something yeah. like that. It, Yes, uh, but it, you're right. It, it was more the height that you would expect a woman to mm-hmm. be. It was very short for a man. So, okay, those are my whatevers. Question I was thinking about, we were going back to writing. Mm-hmm. What's the most hours you think you ever put on a, a, a magazine article project? 
Wow. Do you ever do like 200 hours on a story or something that really... Oh, not that much, no. No. I, I would say I put... Uh, on one in particular, it was about banking and stock market. I would say 25 hours in that one, which wow. is a heck of a lot of hours. Yeah. To do research and, well, no, not 25. It would have to be more than that because it spread out over a couple of weeks. So, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, most of them were not that long, but this one was pretty intricate. And because you're dealing with other people's money, you have to be really careful, <laughs> you know. You don't want to say, would you invest in this and uh, have them come back and say, would you live on the street with me? Because that's where I am right now. <laughs> One other thing that I did pull out of the news last week was the Bitcoin. We mm, had yes. been talking at different yes, times about the Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. One Bitcoin is now, and this was as of two weeks ago. Who knows what happened, and I'll tell you why. $17,483 for one Bitcoin. And the interesting thing about this is that Almost no one is spending a bit a, a Bitcoin on actual goods and services because it dropped in uh, it didn't drop it jumped a couple of weeks ago four hundred percent in two days. Hello, <laughs> and merchant yeah, <laughs> and this poor guy he's a technical right of um, you know business writer. And he said, as it turns out, <laughs> good grief, as it turns out, while few people want to use Bitcoin as a currency, plenty want to treat it as an investable security, similar to gold or silver. In 2013, he was testing this out himself, I bought a single Bitcoin from a clunky and labor-intensive process that involved going to a CVS and using MoneyGram to wire the dollar value of the Bitcoin, which was around $140 at the time in a cryptocurrency exchange. He sold his Bitcoin a week later for a loss and thoroughly unimpressed by the system. <laughs> if he had held on to it today, his, uh, he sold for $140. If he held on to it today, it would be worth more than $15,000. Yeah, and so. and, and Bitcoin should have taken a, a a a bath here about a week ago. You know, it dropped quite a bit, and then oh, no kidding! Yeah, because that's when it blew up forty percent. Yeah, so it's volatile. Wow. Wow. Well, they what they was wondering was it was was backing it that became sort of the question behind uh-huh. the scene. They don't know where the money is. That's and, right. Uh, well, they're, it's, they're buying on it. Hmm? It's going to be really interesting because you know. Apple is creating its own money, uh, and Microsoft is creating its own money. So, every, mm-hmm. you know, this used to be the providence of government and the corporations yes. and everybody yes. making their own currency. Mm-hmm. Um, things are happening. It's it's really interesting. It could be interesting to follow this. The um, the Bitcoin. I have come across a place that would accept Bitcoin. Can you imagine? And of all places, it is, I'll tell you in a minute. Starbucks coffee. No, (laughs) no. I believe it is, I'm pretty sure it is, archive.org. Every year they have a fundraising effort Mm -hmm. to keep the archive going, and you were allowed to donate through PayPal, 
a credit card, and Bitcoin. And that's the first time I've ever seen Bitcoin listed. <laughs> Can you, I mean, gee whiz, what do you do? Say a fraction, <laughs> one, 1,740 seconds of my, of my single Bitcoin that I have in my pocket. You know, you don't even have anything in your hands. No. Uh, it's really scary. Um, it's it's cyber gambling. It is. Well, we're we're in a whole new generation. I mean, but I think we all remember twenty twenty years ago when people were worried about paying bills online, things like that. Uh huh. Oh, they were scared silly. Oh yeah. yeah. My my mom was one of those. Now it's pretty common. People have faith enough in mm-hmm. the in the system to to do that, but uh. It will be Amazing. interesting. Yeah. It will be interesting. There's a whole different set of symptoms up there. And there are several, as you say, there are several different intangible finance systems going on out there where you can exchange. <laughs> it's like I'll have I'll have two red marbles. And you know, it's, it's just blowing my mind. But there, there's something called a block change which is a public ledger of all cryptocurrency transactions. And it's constantly growing because, you know, people are buying and selling this kind of stuff. And it is available to the public so that you know where this particular currency, I I don't even know if it's correct to call it a currency, but for lack of a better term, and it will tell you where and how these transactions were happening were they happening in the states? Were they happening for retail services, um, or retail or services? And you know, it, it's it's almost scary to look at how these things are evolving. Mm-hmm. I want my twenty-five cent piece. <laughs> I, I want to carry quarters and dollar bills. I might not even have quarters and dollar bills left at the end of this decade. Gee, uh, okay, so it's time, right? I think it's time for you to get ready, to get ready for the, the next day. I, I think I can do that. And then we'll, and see, we'll see if Patricia and I do anything this week. I, I haven't heard everybody. We'll yeah. just play it by ear. You know, so. Whatever but, it is, I am here. Now, anybody you want to talk to, want to email Patricia throughout the week, it's good. Her email works at floridawriter at hotmail.com. That's F-L-O-R-I-D-A. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Florida like the state. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah. You, 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 you go ahead. <laughs> Florida writer, all one word, at hotmail.com. And what I need to know is what you think I should include on my shopping list to put in my brand new refrigerator that Bill and Kim sent to me for Christmas. It's an apartment size refrigerator, and it's got room in there, and I've got stuff like Pickles and and cheese. <laughs> would you, would, would me, I still want to hear. Would you surprise the when the refrigerator showed up? I was stunned. <clears throat> I was absolutely stunned. Yeah, I told you the maintenance man popped in and he said, "There's a surprise for you downstairs." And I said, "I'll come downstairs and get it." I thought it was a little box like you sent mm-hmm. the Tootsie Rolls in. Right. And he said, no, no, no. And he's being really cool about this. He said, no, I'll go downstairs and I'll bring it up when I come back upstairs. And up he comes with this refrigerator. <laughs> Holy cats, I know who that's from because it was the day that you told yeah, me it would be yeah, delivered. Yeah. And here I've got this beautiful little refrigerator and now I have to put stuff in it. So send me an email on what 
and tell me what you think I should put in my little fridge. And we'll find out next Saturday night because Patricia will have gone shopping that Saturday. So we'll That's find right. We'll find out next Saturday. What did Patricia put in the box? It'll yeah, be yeah, the, yeah. It'll be that the new kind game. of stuff. So All right, my dear. Okay. Good night, everybody. Thank you for being with us again. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. You have a good day tomorrow. You too. You too, my dear. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Let's Dear Lord, thank you for Patricia feeling so good. Bless the, uh, the family as they enjoy the holidays. Look after the needy, the poor, the homeless. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, first thing we'll do to play from John from Maryland, let's play the Club the Fiend with Buddy Clark. So stand by. Stay tuned for Club 15. When it comes to good tomato juice, the kind that millions favor, it's Campbell's The Tomato Juice with a fresh tomato flavor. For fresh tomato flavor, millions say no tomato juice like Campbell's. So when you buy tomato juice, tell the grocer you want Campbell's. You'll taste the reason millions say no tomato juice like Campbell's. Tomorrow, get Campbell's tomato juice. Campbell Soups welcome you to Dick Hames Club 15. 15 minutes of the best in popular music. Starring each week, the Andrews Sisters, Evelyn Knight with the Modern Airs and Jerry Gray and his orchestra. Brought to you by Campbell Soups. Mmm, good. Mmm, good. That's what Campbell Soups are. Mmm, good. And here batting for the head man of Club 15, Dick Hames, is Buddy Clark. Welcome to Dick Haynes Club 15, friends. This is Buddy Clark, the contented kid, taking a couple of choruses in the old Club 15 because, well, for the second day, that old virus something or other has got Dick where a couple of Boston boys like Jerry Gray and myself would like to see those Yankees out of action. <laughs> those Andrews gals open tonight's activities, one of the shining mottos of show business. Make believe that you're glad when you're sorry. Sing it, gals. glad when you're sorry sunshine will follow the rain when things go wrong it won't be long soon they'll be right again though your love dreams have gone make believe don't let on smile though your heart may be broken for when bad luck departs you will find good luck starts don't grieve just make Broken for when bad luck 
part, you will find good luck starts don't breathe just Wonderful, gals, wonderful. <laughs> say, now that vaudeville's coming back, how's for teaming up with me? What do you say, Maxine? Not me. Laverne? Not me. Patty? Ever work with a girl partner? Well, I tried it once, but this is what happened. The gal and I walked into a booker's office mm -hmm. looking for a job, and the booker said... Okay, explain your act to me. <laughs> Sure. The act opens up with a spotlight on me. I'm in top hat, white tie, and tails. I sing four beautiful love songs, the end of which the applause is deafening. I followed up with six minutes of solid yaks. When the applause dies down, I finish with a medley of patriotic songs and a military waltz plug that rocks the house. What does your partner do? I take a bow. <laughs> we can't use you. Why? The dame's a ham. Ah, <laughs> oh, too bad, buddy. Guess you'll have to do a single. <laughs> I guess so, Patty. Might as well start right now. Jerry? Some enchanted evening You may see a stranger You may see a stranger Across a crowded room And somehow you know You know even then that somewhere you'll see her again and again Some enchanted evening Someone may be laughing You may hear her laughing Across a crowded room and night after night As strange as it seems The sound of her laughter Will sing in your dreams Who can explain it? Who can tell you why? Who'll give you reasons? Wise man never tried Some enchanted evening When you find your true love When you feel her call you Across a crowded room Then fly to her side and make her your own All, all through your life You may dream all alone Once you have found her Never let her go Once you have found her Never let her Presenting now, 
the eminent composer Anton Vorjak Sharvet. Thank you, Mr. Clark. I have just finished a momentous composition. How many months did you spend composing it, sir? Oh, I battered it out last night while banging on my harpsichord. <laughs> what do you call it? It is called, with simple dignity, Oh, lady love, my heart loops the loop. When you feed me Campbell's cream of mushroom soup. <laughs> I'd love to. Miss Gray? Every time I have a bowl of cream of mushroom soup, my soul goes soaring to the skies, my honey bun. Honey bun. Campbell's cream of mushroom soup is great for any party group, or just a bowl all by yourself is fun. Honey bun. That cream of mushroom, how Campbell's make it. Tender mushrooms blended with sweet heavy cream. They know the reasoning for every seasoning that goes into Campbell's cream of mushroom soup. <laughs> Campbell's is a luxury and all the price we guarantee. Campbell's cream, 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 cream of mushroom, mushroom soup. Mm, good. The Andrews sisters and Cole Porter's Balkan rib, wunderbar. <laughs> Wunderbar, wunderbar, what a perfect night for love. Here am I, here you are, why it's truly wunderbar. Wunderbar, wunderbar, we're alone and hand in glove. Not a cloud near or far, why it's more than wunderbar. And I long, dear, for your kiss I would die, dear, for you gladly You're divine, dear And you're mine, dear Wunderbar, wunderbar There's our favorite star above What a bright, shining star Like our love, it's wunderbar Solid. You know, Patty, when I hear you gals sing those show tunes, mm -hmm. I can't get over. Get over what, buddy? Why, you three gals aren't in pictures. Well, of course, we did do a series of pictures that were really a honey. A honey? Yeah, bee pictures. <laughs> <laughs> did you like working in pictures, Patty? Well, how can you like any kind of work that gets you up at four in the morning so you can be on location, all made up and ready to shoot by 6.30? I can't stand that at too tough. Ah, oh, Patty, you're soft. Well, I thought that's the way a girl should be. 
No, no, I mean you should get to bed early. Exercise, keep fit. You're right, buddy. That's the way to live. Would you believe it, Patty? Hmm. I do the hardest work of my whole day before breakfast. Yeah? What? I get up. <laughs> oh, you can't kid me, Buddo. You're the athletic type. You're right, Patty. The minute the alarm goes off at 6 o'clock, I bounce out of bed, sing and throw up in the window, take a few deep breaths, exercise for 10 minutes, shave and take a nice cold shower all before 6.30. Then what do you do? Go back to bed. <laughs> now shall we try this arrangement of baby face? I have almost learned... Yeah! Baby face, you've got the cutest little baby face. There's not another one to take your place. Baby face, my poor heart is jumping. You sure have started something. Baby face, I'm up in heaven when I'm in your fond embrace. I didn't need a show cause I just fell in love with a pretty baby face. Who am I? Baby face. What have I got? You got that cutest little baby face. Is there anyone else? There's not another one could take your place. Who am I? Baby face. I who are you? Marco, how it's broken. You sure have. What? Started something. Who am I? Baby face. Well, buddy, where are you now? I'm up in heaven when I'm in a uniform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't need a shelf because I just fell off with a pretty baby bear. Here's Dallas Jarvis with a mighty fine weekend suggestion. Company coming this weekend. Well, it'd be a mighty smart move on your part to be sure you have Campbell's cream of mushroom soup on hand. Of course, you don't have to have company to enjoy this party soup. Campbell's cream of mushroom is perfect to give a lift to a family meal. Campbell's cream of mushroom soup is a rich blend of cultivated mushrooms, extra heavy whipping cream, and plenty of tender pieces of mushroom. Mmm, good. You have plenty on hand? Get Campbell's Cream of Mushroom Soup. I must come to bid you all adieu. Dick will be back on Monday night with you. Well, that winds up this Friday's meeting of the old Club 15. Saturday, see your grocer about a weekend supply of that wonderful Campbell's Cream of Mushroom Soup. Try making it with carnation milk. It's great. I hope by Monday, Dick will be back here in Club 15. I'm sure the Andrews sisters will be here. So this is Buddy Clark thanking Dick for the use of the room and saying have a happy weekend. Get better, Dick, and good night. Each weekday evening, Campbell Soup bring you Club 15, starring the Andrews sisters, Evelyn Knight with the modern airs and Jerry Gray and his orchestra, and the head man of Club 15, Dick Haynes. This is Del Sharbert speaking. Stay tuned for Edward R. Murrow with the news. Brought to you by Franco-American Spaghetti. Just say Franco-American. Buy some Franco-American. Try some Franco-American. It has that extra good sauce.
Jaws Professional 1. Windows M, Desktop M, My Music M, My Documents M, My Music M, My Document Enter. Documents Items View S, Saturday 1 Enter, Saturday, Ray Bream 831220 with Jim Unloading Jaw, Cancel, OK Button, Enter, Saturday 16184. KABC Los Angeles, your ABC Olympic Station. From ABC News, I'm Joe Vaughn. After 47 days of a strike that produced an emotional and often violent confrontation with Greyhound officials and non-union workers, the company's regular drivers and support employees are going back to work. Word came from union officials last night that the 12,000 striking employees have ratified a new contract. Here are the details from Bart Grays from information affiliate KTAR in Phoenix. The vote was by a three-to-one margin. Harry Rosenblum, president of the Amalgamated Transit Union, said the new contract was approved reluctantly. He did say that although the union did not get everything it wanted, it did do very well. He says all drivers will be ordered to go back to work as of 12.01 a.m. Wednesday, December 21st. The new package calls for an 8% wage cut. When asked why the Council of Unions went ahead and recommended the contract proposal reluctantly instead of continuing the strike, Rosenblum said union leaders wanted to save the pensions of several hundred employees about to retire. Bart Graves for ABC News, Phoenix. I'll have more after this. This is Frank Blair for your Better Business Bureau. If you're shopping for gifts this holiday season and you're not sure that what you pick will be liked, it's wise to check the store's return policy before you buy the item. Some stores may give you back your money or only give cash refunds for a specific amount of time. Others may give you credit so you can apply the money you spent towards a different item. Stores don't always allow returns for every one of their products, which is usually true of final sale items. Other products that come with written warranties may have different return policies. In other words, if something goes wrong, you might be required to return the item to the manufacturer or somewhere other than where you bought it. One last reminder, always save your receipt. Familiarizing yourself with a store's return policy before you buy will save you time and trouble if a return is necessary. A consumer tip from your Better Business Bureau. The Israelis appear to have accomplished their objective in Tripoli in delaying the departure of PLO leader Yasser Arafat and his 4,000 followers. The five-ship Greek flotilla showed up this morning in the harbor at Tripoli a day later than expected and still confronted by a threat of attack from Israeli gunboats, which have sunk two ships in the harbor at Tripoli near where the PLO fighters are due to be taken aboard the Greek ships later this morning. Just as the Greek ships showed up in the harbor at Tripoli, several jet fighters flew low overhead, drawing fire from the anti-aircraft batteries of Arafat's forces along the shore, Later, it was revealed that the jets were French in an apparent show of force that came without warning. None of the French planes was hit. There's been an implied warning from the U.S. to the Israelis to stop their delaying tactics in Tripoli. On ABC's Nightline last night, the Israeli ambassador to the U.S., Meyer Rosen, said the Israelis feel their course is reasonable. We must put an end to the terrorist attacks against Israel. The terrorist base now is in Tripoli. And we must destroy this terrorist base. Uh, they have assumed responsibility uh, lately for the attack against the Israeli bus in Jerusalem. Uh, these are the terrorists that are responsible for all the crimes committed, not only against Israeli citizens, but against Americans, blowing up planes everywhere. 
and I don't uh, see why anybody should pity them. Ambassador Rosen said after all, Arafat was supposed to be out of Lebanon for good a year ago when he left Beirut under the protection of an international peacekeeping force. But he did come back. President Reagan will host a formal broadcast news conference tonight in the executive office building next to the White House. It'll be the first opportunity for White House reporters to question the president about his comments about conditions under which the Marines might be withdrawn from Lebanon. ABC News will broadcast the news conference live beginning at 8 Eastern time tonight. The regular season's over for the National Football League. In Monday night's final game, the San Francisco 49ers overwhelmed the Dallas Cowboys by a score of 42-17. to The 49ers thereby captured the Western Division Championship in the National Conference of the National Football League. The playoffs begin next weekend. This is ABC News. The Green Bay Packers are looking for a new coaching staff. The Packers Monday fired former quarterback great Bart Starr and his assistant coaches and hung out the help-wanted sign. Starr says he's very disappointed and shocked by the ouster, which came after nine years at the helm of the pack. His teams had a 52-win, 76-loss, and three-tie record. They missed the playoffs with an 8-8 record this year. The Houston Oilers also are looking for a new coach. Interim coach Chuck Studley stepped on Monday after his team posted a record of only two wins and 14 losses this season. For the ABC Information Network, I'm Joe Vaughn. Do you have people on your holiday gift list who don't relate to a gift unless it relates to business, money, or their careers? You can solve your holiday shopping problems with gift subscriptions to the nation's leading business daily, the Wall Street Journal. For those hard-to-please friends, clients, and business associates, the journal is one gift that will really matter when it's time to get back to business after the holidays. Every business day, they'll get useful, stimulating, unbiased information, news about government, labor, investments, taxes, all the business news they'll need. Right now, you can order a 26-week gift subscription to the Wall Street Journal for only $47. That's right. 26 weeks for only $47, and a handsome hand-signed card will announce your gift. So call toll-free in the continental U.S., 800-554-9600. That's 800-554-9600. The number again, 800-554-9600. You'll be billed later. Thoughts and ideas are always welcome right here on Talk Radio. It's the place where you'll hear one-of-a-kind, two-way conversations filled with information and provocative ideas. Talk Radio is entertainment in its purest form. Talk Radio is... Ray Bream! That's me and hi, everyone. Well, if you're over 45 years of age... The man you're going to hear in the next uh, few minutes will bring back just a a memory or two. If you're one who believes that uh, the golden age of broadcasting was a great era, well, my guest is none other than Fibber himself, uh, Fibber McGee and Molly, Jim Jordan. Stay with us. For 25 years, you reigned supreme. Seven of those years, you were the number one network radio series all across America. Jim Jordan, I'm sure you have some reflections on that, but first of all, welcome to our program. Glad to have you with us. Thank you. I'm 
Glad to be here. Jim, you started, along with your wife, Marion, back in Chicago all those years ago. What year was that? Well, before, it was 1925 or 24. We don't know which, which year it was because we... Well, it was right at the end or the beginning of the year, so we always call it 25. But radio was in its infancy. Yes. Well, so are we. <laughs> you haven't lost your sense of humor. No. Well, uh, but we started Fibber McGee and Molly in 1935. That's right. But so before that time, you were doing other things? Ten years of ups and downs before. And you had programs like the Smack Outs? Yeah, Smack well, Out. All right, what was Smack Out? Smack Out was a very interesting story. Well, to me, it always, it always intrigued me, and that's how my, why we did it. And it was a strange name. And uh, this, we were doing a farm program when we came to know about this. We were working with a man named Farmer Rusk, who was quite a, quite a big name in that field in, in, in those years. And he had been... He, he went to the University of Missouri, and uh, he, after he graduated from the university, he taught there for a few years. And during those years, there was an old guy who had a store out on the edge of the campus and beyond the campus in the countryside at a crossroads. Mm-hmm. And he had so much junk in this store that he, he didn't know what he had. And so he'd, whatever you'd ask for, if it was something he didn't know, he'd say, well, I'm, I'm smack out of that. I'm smack out of hoe handles, but I'll have some in for you, you know. And he'd say, you got them in. And, and the kids at the college got a hold of this idea of this smack out, mm-hmm. and they made a big sign, a big thing 12 feet long, and put it across the store of his, in front of his store, mm-hmm. and it said... Smack out. <laughs> so that's the name we picked on, and, and uh, this old guy that we ran the store that was Lou Gray that mm-hmm. later became Fibber McGee and Molly. That was the old man I did. Everybody in radio in those days, if you couldn't, uh, you didn't know what to do, you did an old man. See, because. Old man was it, huh? Yeah, anybody could do that. See, so that's what this old guy was. And Marion and Jim Jordan, Marion and Jim, that was the name that we had at that, used at that time, which was our name, used to stop in there. Because uh, Jim uh, was interested in this old guy, and uh, Marion was, we met there every day. And and we entertained the old guy, and he entertained us, and we sang. We were singers. You sang? Oh, yeah. We were a piano act in vaudeville. Well, how how in, how in the world did you get into the uh, role of Fibber McGee and Molly? Well, that was the beginning of it, doing that. And, and this old guy was called Luke Gray. And uh, we had done a children's program before this, in which Marion did little children, and she had one little girl in particular that she did that was... I see. That, that eventually really, became really teeny. Huh? Right. And that's how that happened. And then we were ourselves, and we sang on, on this show, and uh, 
then we had drama going with it. We we sang and we talked. And all right, so you, you, first... you got you got the network contract when 1935. That we had that was on the network too. That, that was too. Yes. But, all right, but uh, when did it become Fibber McGee and Molly? 1935. That's when we did the show for the. Johnson Wax Company, uh-huh. and uh, we didn't call it Fibber McGee and Molly at that time. You didn't? No, we didn't know what to call it. <laughs> Neither did anybody else. <laughs> but the Johnson Company had been listening to Smack Out. Uh-huh. Henrietta Lewis was the Johnson. She was a Johnson. She was married to a man named Lewis, and he was in the advertising business. And she listened to this show every morning, and she got interested in it, became a fan of it, you know, and she talked to her husband about it and the whole Johnson crowd, and that's how that all came about. And you were with Johnson's Wax as a sponsor for about, what, 16 or about 17 20, years? I think about 20 years. Well, 17, I believe it was, mm-hmm. exactly, mm-hmm. something like that, yeah. That's a long time. That's a yes, long time. Yes, it's a long time today. I want uh, people to uh, reminisce a little bit here, because if they had forgotten how it sounded at the beginning with Harlow Wilcox as the announcer. Well, this is the way it went. The Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. And that's the way it opened. Every what 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 night of the week were you on? Uh, Tuesday. I, th- I was going to say I thought it was. But Tuesday. we started on Monday and we moved to. You moved Tuesday. to Tuesday. Yes. Not like the TV shows that are all over the the week nowadays. You never know when to pick them up. They move them everywhere. But uh, you were an institution for 25 years. Fibber McGee and Molly, as you know, Jim, was as much a part of Americana as is the neighborhood drugstore. Well, that's awfully nice to hear. But you know that for a fact. You're telling me that you get uh, people, even today, young people, who write you and want autographs. Well, the shows, all the old radio shows are being played. In fact, they have a little underground. Well, they not only have that, but the the Fibber McGee and Molly, we sold the name Fibber McGee and Molly Uh to NBC Uh in 1949. And uh, they, in turn, have leased it, I think, to other concerns. Nostalgia broadcasting. And it's also Uh being pirated by people that steal it. Oh, yeah. But... uh, the people hear it and they trade them back That's and what forth. That's what I say. They have clubs where oh, they trade yes, these, these, these programs. And 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 uh, it's amazing the number of 15-year-old kids that we get mail from. That they and and you, you, you get mail from these young kids and they yeah. want an autograph picture. Well, they, they send us the autograph. They send us the picture and ask us to <laughs> autograph. Where they get the pictures, I, we don't know. <laughs> My guest is the one and only Fibber of Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Jim Jordan will be right back. This is Talk Radio 79, KBC Los Angeles. I'm Ray Brain. Did you know that VF11 is the plant food everyone is talking about? 
It's because VF11 is the greatest thing that ever happened to houseplants. African violets will pop with blossoms. Boston ferns will lose all their brown spots. Blossoming plants just seem to bloom forever. Your orchids will sprout twice as many spears of flowers. And would you believe this? New cuttings will grow even before the roots form. Is that action or is that action? You bet it is. That's why everyone is talking about VF11. And it's all so easy. Just one cap full to a quart of water. VF11 was developed by experts in hydroponics, so it's a perfect balance of nutrients to make your plants do their very best. Remember the name, VF11, V as in very, and F as in fine, for a very fine plant food indeed. Buy amazing VF11 at Safeway, Handyman, Fedco, Long, Savon Oles, and most garden supply stores. If you've struggled with the heavy, cumbersome vacuum cleaners which don't do a very good job, you'd better switch to the lightweight commercial vacuum cleaner that hotels use. It's the Auric XL Hotel Vacuum. It finds the hidden dirt in carpets. It gobbles up dog and cat hair. Yet it's so lightweight, you can lift it with one hand, and we have one around our house and love it. If the Auric XL is strong and powerful and dependable enough to satisfy demanding housekeeping at Howard Johnson's and Ramada Inns and others, just think how well it'll clean your carpets. Between now now and Christmas, you can buy the Oric XL at the special introductory price of only $188. That's $87 off the regular price. If you're in the Long Beach area, call House of Vacuums, area code 213-591-3884. That's House of Vacuums in Long Beach. That's 591-3884. And for the number of all the other Oric dealers in Southern California, call 800-641-4626. That's area code 800-641-4626. 4626 for Oric. Hello, everybody. This is Keith Jackson, and I am proud to be part of KABC's ongoing coverage of the 23rd Olympics every day on the Ken and Bob Company and on Sports Talk in the Afternoons with Bud Perillo, Tommy Hawkins, and Lisa Bowman. And throughout the weekend, I hope you'll join me for The Olympic Tradition Continues. We'll spotlight the athletes, the regimen, the drama of competition which comes together to make an Olympic champion. Right here on KABC Talk Radio 79, your Olympic station for Southern In Los Angeles, Angeles, dial 520, followed by talk. All KABC Talk Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word talk. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. The 213 area, it's 448. South Bay Area, 679. And the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. And then talk. My guest, Jim Jordan of Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Uh, Jim, many, many people got their start on Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Yes, that's right. I think of Gail Gordon. Yes. I think of Hal Perry, the great Gildersleeve. Uh, I certainly think of Bill Thompson. The best example is uh, Bill Thompson. Sure. Because he was just a boy when he started doing all the old-timer and all those things. In, in, fact, in fact, Hal Perry became a star of his own show, oh, The yeah. Great Gildersleeve, as right. a spinoff from your yeah, radio show. That's right. Mm-hmm. We have um, a, a character that... Uh, was developed through the years, and you you had your own sort of Allen's Alley of characters yourself. You know, you you had the old timer, you had Mister Wimple, and you had Mayor Latrivia, and so forth. This is the old timer. This goes back to 1948. Oh, hello, Mister Old Timer. Oh, hi, old timer. My gosh, the Philippines. What you frowning so hard at, Johnny? <laughs> In some kind of trouble, are you, son? Maybe I can help out. 
I used to be a judge, you know. What? You used to be a judge? Well, heavenly days, a judge. Municipal or state, Mr. Oldtimer? Beauty contest, daughter. <laughs> Atlantic City, back in 1911, that was. Had to give it up, though, when they started wearing them skimpy bathing suits. Skimpy in 1911? Oh, Johnny, they was awful. When them gals come prancing out in them sleeveless bathing suits, bare clear up to the elbow, mind you. And bloomers without hardly any skirts over them at all. And black cotton stockings and tennis shoes. Well, I just had to quit. <laughs> Embarrassing, was it? Well, it wasn't that so much, daughter, but my eyes kept bugging out so far they kept knocking my glasses off. <laughs> I remember those bathing suits. It took a fairly strong girl just to walk along the beach with one of them things on. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, Johnny, but that ain't the way I heard it. I'd be interested to know how you heard it. Well, sir, daughter, the way I heard it, one feller says to tell the feller, say, he says, <laughs> where are you going in such a hurry? Going to see a television broadcast, says to the feller. Is it true that television beams only reach as far as the horizon? So we hear, says the first feller. Well, says t'other feller, I better keep going then. Been traveling 17 days and I ain't reached the horizon yet. <laughs> See you later, kid. <laughs> the old timer. Yeah. Who was who the old timer? That was you? Who was the old timer? Bill Thompson. That was Bill. Oh, yes. He did all those voices. Yes, he did. Yes, he did a half a dozen different voices. That's amazing. Yes, he was, and as I say, he was he was just a boy. He was in his early twenties when he came on our show. He was uh, born in show business. His mm. mother and father were vaudeville performers. And he did Mr. Wimple. He did Mr. Wimple and Nick DePopolis oh. and uh, the old timer. Who did Oli? Uh, Dick Legrand. Mm. Who wrote for this the show? You must have Don great, Quinn. Great writers. We had a great writer. Writer, huh? Well, he he always had somebody and and, and uh, he had different huh. writers, but, but he was the Phil one. Leslie was with us for he was he always, with Don Quinn. Always funny and always in good taste. Yes. It was really a family program. You could always tune into Fibber McGee and Molly. You knew you had family entertainment. Well, yes. Something, um, you something you can't do today in television. No. <laughs> I'm afraid not. No. All right. Don was a great writer, and Phil Leslie was a great writer. But they were just opposites. Don was just... He could take a whole show mm -hmm. and write it over the weekend. You know, and there was a lot of dialogue, 26 oh, sure. pages of oh, sure. dialogue, as we made scripts in those days. And uh, But Phil didn't write like that. He wrote differently, but he, was, he wrote great, great material. One of the reasons, and it's a minor reason, because I've wanted to get you on this program for about two years now. I first approached you about two years ago, is that uh, Wednesday, December 21st, you're getting a... A star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah. And it's long, long overdue. I don't know why it's taken all these years. I guess that's a story in itself. But it's finally happened. 
And well, it's, it's, it's not going to be under Jim Jordan. How is it going to be listed? Oh, I guess it's going to say Fibber, McGee, and Molly. But in the early days... You demanded when, that, didn't you? Well, uh, yes. You, I, didn't, you didn't want your own name on there. You wanted Fibber, McGee, and Molly. That's right. <clears throat> well, that's the name that meant something. Of course. But back in, when the first the star stars were put on Hollywood Boulevard way back in the 40s, uh, we had a, a committee on, on radio that decided who among the radio performers would be would would be used and we were not used because they wouldn't as I, I just this just came to me the other day that they didn't want to use uh, fictitious characters names and, and we they said, wanted well, your actual names yes they wanted to and and virtually no nobody knew you as Jim Jordan no no so you held out for Fibber McGee and Molly and it paid That's off. Right. Some 40 years later or so. That's right. <laughs> now they're... It's going to save Fibber McGee and Molly, I'm sure. Wednesday. Indeed it is. Either that or I'll go home. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with Fibber himself, uh, Fibber McGee and Molly, Jim Jordan. I'm Ray Breen. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. Now, get a pencil and paper right now for a very important name and telephone number. I want you to write it down because it may help you, a family member or someone you know who's disabled, to get Social Security benefits. The important name is the law firm of Devermont and Devermont. Now, the number in area code 213 is 393-0308. 393-0308. The law firm of Devermont and Devermont handles Social Security disability cases, SSI, and overpayment problems. So... If you're having a problem with Social Security or your benefits are being cut off, call Devermont and Devermont at 393-0308. That's 393-0308. The first consultation is free, and there's no charge unless they recover benefits for you. So, for all of your Social Security disability problems, overpayments, SSI, or any other legal problems, call Devermont and Devermont. That's 393-0308. Devermont and Devermont, 393-0308. When you go looking for a new car, are you infuriated by the cost of the extras? By the time you add on all the things you want, are you shocked to find that the car suddenly costs as much as $3,000 more than the advertised base price? Well, let me tell you about the loaded Peugeot. When you buy a new Peugeot 505 STI, you get air conditioning, electric sunroof, cruise control, Power steering, power brakes, power windows, power antenna, and automatic door locks. And it's all standard equipment. That's right, all standard equipment. You also get a 50-watt stereo sound system, leather upholstery, headed front seats, and remote control outside mirrors. All standard equipment. The Peugeot 505 STI, perhaps the most comfortable car in the world today, and at a price that is so affordable, you'll be surprised. See your nearby Southern California Peugeot dealer and sample the ultimate driving experience, the 1984 Peugeot. You've known a few of them, and you know what happens to them. The victims, the abusers, the alcoholics. What they don't need is pity, threats, or warnings. They need help now, because alcoholism is not a state of mind. It's a disease. So if a member of your family, a friend, or a valued employee has an alcohol or drug problem... There is a way to help that person. Even if he or she doesn't want your help, 
you merely call San Pedro Peninsula Hospital and ask for intervention. A professional certified intervention counselor will meet confidentially with you and that person. And it could save their life. Over 85% of these interventions result in immediate treatment. To help that someone, call San Pedro Peninsula Hospital. Ask for intervention. Write it down. That's intervention. San Pedro Peninsula Hospital. The number in area code 213-832-3311. 832-3311. ABC Los Angeles, your ABC Olympic station. My guest is Jim Jordan of Fibber McGee and Molly. Jim, uh, the character Teeny, when did you develop that? That was, Marion developed that while we were doing a children's show. So that, that's a, 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 another long before spin off McGee and Molly. way, way back when. Yes, long before mm-hmm. Fibber McGee and Molly. You, you had a, a local station. A show called. Uh, Calton Myers Kindergarten, right? No, that oh, was that, another show. Oh, that was another show. <laughs> I said we did a lot, had a lot of ups and downs during those ten years. We did a dozen different shows. <laughs> I see. <laughs> we worked on a station locally, uh, WENR, mm-hmm. which uh, later became part of the Blue Network, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a group of people there that kind of a repertoire group that did everything mm-hmm. we all worked in each other's shows and everybody did everything musicians and everybody else and oh. uh, that was at the time during that time we did the, this children's show and uh, marion did these little children at that time and and this one caught on and that's where fibber uh, that's where teeny came from all right let's take a listen 1948 with teeny Hey, hadn't we better get dinner over with so we'll be ready to go to Foggy's house at 8.45? Yes, I'll fix something that's easy. And say, how about waffles and bacon? Great, great. We got plenty of maple syrup? Right. From Vermont, where Democrats travel by night. Uh. I'll have it ready in 20 minutes or less. Okay, Tootsie. Ha <laughs> ha, there goes a good kid. Luckiest day in my life was the day after I proposed to her when her old man come down with laryngitis. <laughs> If he hadn't lost his voice, he'd have talked her out of marrying me just to show them. Come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hello there, Teeny. Hey, do you know what? No, what? I'm going to talk over the shortwave tonight to Manila. Gee, that's nothing, mister. Huh? My daddy and mommy talked over the shortwave just this morning. They did? Sure they did, I betcha. Well. They talked over the shortwave mama just got at the beauty parlor. Oh. <laughs> Daddy didn't like it. <laughs> he didn't, eh? He said, hmm? I said your daddy didn't like it. Like what? Her short wave. Who? Your mama. When? This morning. I know it. <laughs> you don't have to be so casual about me speaking to the Philippines, sis. That's thousands and thousands of miles away from here. Well, gee, mister, you don't have to tell me, I bet you. We had the Philippine Islands in school. Oh? The Philippine Islands lie in the Malay archipelago and are made up of some 7,000 islands and islets. The capital is Manila on the island of Luzon, and the principal exports are tobacco, sugar, cane, coconut oil, and General MacArthur. <laughs> well, you sure got a retentive memory, sis. You remember everything you get in school? Oh. <laughs> Just the stuff I like, mister. I see. <laughs> Novel right now in history class. A novel in history class? Sure. 
It fits right behind my history book and doesn't even show a bit of it. <laughs> oh, boy, is it ever romantic. Romantic, eh? Oh, I'll say. It's about a girl who works all the time and never has any time for boyfriends. She's a Ph.D. Ph.D.? Doctor of philosophy? No, poor, hard-working drip. <laughs> Anyhow, one, one night a friend of hers fixes her up with a blind date for a dance, and the boy turns out to be rich and handsome, and the girl falls head over heels in love. So they get married. Oh, no. Mm. Her family doesn't approve of her getting married, see? Oh, I see. So she runs out on the hero and doesn't even tell him her address. Just ducks. Oh, I see. Fades like a $2 sports shirt, eh? Sure. Sure. But that doesn't stop him, I bet you. No? He drags out the throw net and tears the town up till he finds her on the last page and she falls into his arms for the finish, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that's a very interesting plot, sis. That ought to make a good movie. It always has, mister. Oh, what's the name of that? Cinderella. Oh. <laughs> That's the way it went. My guest, Jim Jordan of Fibber McGee and Molly. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, and I'm Ray Brain. Listen carefully. If you're the average American, you'll earn over $1 million during your working years. Yet when you retire, you'll have less than $25,000 to see you through the rest of your life. How long will that last? Most people fail to properly provide for retirement because they're simply asleep at the economic switch. Now, Vescorp of California is one of the state's largest independent registered investment advisors. Get started on a personal financial game plan right now by opening an IRA or Keogh retirement account and sticking with it. Through Vescorp, you can maximize your IRA or Keogh's account's earnings and have the safety of diversification as well. Talk to the professionals at Vescorp today and your IRA or Keogh account. Call Vescorp of California, area code 213 213- Four six four six one six two. That's four six four six one six two. Interest rates currently begin at fourteen percent. FDIC insurance may not apply. Penalty for early withdrawal. If you have an Oriental or Persian rug that you'd like to sell, then please take down the phone number I'm about to give you because Abraham Oriental Rugs Incorporated will pay you cash for your rug at top market value. That's right, top market value, and pay you immediate cash with no obligation. They'll even come right to your home and make an immediate cash offer. You see, the Abraham family has been in business for almost 20 years. They're Oriental and Persian rug experts. And they'll tell you exactly what your rug is worth at no charge. They've got a full inventory of Oriental and Persian rugs for sale, as well as plus a full line of antique and decorative rugs in every size. Now, they'll bring a variety of rugs to your home to help you do your own decorating. So call their 24-hour toll-free number for information. Or if you have a question, it's 1-800-222-RUGS. You can call them right now at 1-800-222-RUGS. Before you sell to anyone else, call Abraham Oriental Rugs, Incorporated. 1-800-222-RUGS. If you put $2,000 a year into an individual retirement account, it's tax-deductible, and all the earnings are tax-deferred. That can grow into a small fortune. Charles Schwab & Company, America's leading discount broker, gives your IRA a better chance to grow. For one thing, a Schwab IRA is free. No setup fee, no maintenance fee, no termination fee, and there's no minimum contribution. For another, a Schwab IRA, unlike others, doesn't lock you into any one investment. Anytime you want, you can move your money. 
money without penalty wherever it earns the best return. Stocks, bonds, covered options, government securities, a money market fund. When you buy or sell securities for your IRA, Schwab saves you up to 76% on broker's commissions. A Charles Schwab IRA plan. Free, flexible, so your IRA gets a better chance to grow. For your complete IRA information booklet and application forms, call toll-free in the continental U.S. 800-554-9600. That's 800-554-9600. Terrific party, huh, John? Every time I turned around, somebody filled my glass. Are you okay? I'm fine. Where should we go? Want to drop over to that place down the road for a nightcap? You've had your nightcap. You ought to go home. Hey, why do you do that? Give me back my keys. You'll get them after I drive you home. Your some friend won't even let me drive my own car. He is a good friend, Bill. Fact is, friends don't let friends drive drunk. This has been a public service message from the Licensed Beverage Information Council in cooperation with the U.S. Department of ABC Olympic Station, KABC, Los Angeles. All KABC Talk Radio 79 numbers end in the word talk. South Bay Area, dial 679. Glendale and Pasadena, 244-990 for the San Fernando Valley. Orange County 714 area is 750. The 213 area, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520, and then talk. All right, we're going to the phones very shortly, so if you want to get in, now's your chance. Uh, let's go back to 1950 with our little magic time machine. And uh, this is a segment from a show, and it has Ole on it. Who did this again? Uh, Dick Legrand. Dick Legrand. All right, here it is. Well, let me see now. I wonder which is the best end of this saw to grab it by. Well, offhand, dearie, I'd say grab the end that has a handle on it. Oh. Or is that too daring a thought? No, but that's the trouble. There's handles on both ends. My arms aren't long enough. Oh, hi, Ole. Hello, Ole. Hello, missus. <laughs> well, McGee, what you fixing to make a yak ass out of yourself? <laughs> no, I'm going to cut this tree down for firewood, Ole. Well, don't stood there looking at it, McGee. You don't cut down oak tree with eyeballs. So far, you don't cut down oak tree, period. <laughs> well, you shouldn't send boy to do man's yard, missus. Grab the saw, McGee. I grab other end. I show you how real woodman works. Oh, good. Yeah? Oh, swell, Ollie. Which is the best end? I'll take that. With a cross-cut saw, McGee, it's no best end. Huh? Only good end is the end you put on a stump while you sit and watch two other fellas work. <laughs> I show you how. I used to know all about this stuff, of course. Worked in a lumberyard. I was foreman in a lumberyard myself. Worked out west, too, cutting down cottonwoods. I cut down redwoods myself, big ones. I knew Paul Bunyan personally myself. He was my cousin. <laughs> when I was a lumberjack... I was a lumberjack, too. Boss lumberjack. Look, now, if you two lumberjacks don't stop yakking and start lumbering, you're, you'll be here all night. Uh, now get to work, the two of you. Okay. Uh. And that's the way it went. There's a little more there, but we'll stay with that. Uh, I think we got to go to the phones. You ready, Jim? Yes. All right, let's see what the audience has to say. Hello, Marvin. You're on Talk Radio with Jim Jordan. Hi, but the only way I can start off is by saying... McGee, it's an absolute pleasure and privilege to be able to say hello to you. Well, thank you. And to thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the pleasure and laughter you gave me all the years I was growing up. Well, thank you. About the only thing I can ask you is, did you ever get the closet cleaned out? Yes. <laughs> you did finally? Uh, well, no. It's it's still the same it's way. It's still kind of messy, huh? Oh, yes. Well, keep well and God bless. 
Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Uh, you know, I, I, I've i heard, and I'm not sure if that's the case or not, you correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, it's sort of a sore point with you that people remember Fibber McGee and Molly more for the closet than, right. than the rest of the show. <laughs> people now think... Uh, that there's Fibber McGee and Molly was just a closet. That's all there was to it. <laughs> and you know that we did that closet uh, maybe three or four times a year. Is that all? Yeah. At the end, yes. But it really caught the on. The more we didn't feature. do it, the hotter it got. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest right. running gag that ever, ever yes. took place. <clears throat> all right, let's take another call. Hello, Troy. You're on Talk Radio. Good morning. And Mr. J uh, Jim Jordan McGee. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't funny, McGee. Yeah. Listen, I have a question. That the, the answer is always uh, uh, Harold Perry and Wilder Waterman playing Gildersleeve. But am I not right? I know voices. I have some of your programs here on on cassette, and I can swear at least a couple of these episodes are, are by a different man. And when Harlow Wilcox gives the cast at the beginning, he only mentions about three names, and then Gildersleeve comes on later, you know? And uh, did Do Donald Novins, did he play Gildersleeve in a couple, three episodes or whatever? You, you mean Donald Novus? Y yes. No, he was a singer. He was a singer? Yes. Well, I mean, when Harlow gives the names at the beginning, he, he says Don, uh, he says that name, you know, and, and he never does say either Harold Perry, you know, at all. And why would that be? I mean, why didn't he give Harold Perry's name at the beginning? Because by that time, I think he had left the show. You know, he was out on his own. No, no, no but I mean Gildersleeve comes in in the middle of it, see? Uh, Harlow gives the name of Donald Novus, and, uh, you know, you're, you're managing Jim Jordan and Donald Novus, and that's the only names he says, and then Gildersleeve comes in, you know, as part of it. And I say, well, why, didn't he, why doesn't he mention Harold Perry at the beginning of those couple episodes that I have, you know? Well, I, I don't know, but uh, I don't know. Uh, Hal Perry used to be uh, given credit all the time. I used to oh, hear sure. well, but, but but I mean, it doesn't sound like him. Like I say, I know voices, and, and the voice sounds different than Harold Perry. It's not as deep, you know, and it's just you know a lot, a lot of difference in it. And when I play it, I say, well, hmm. come on, that that's Donald Novus, or not Harold Perry anyway. Donald Novus. You know. Donald Novus was a tenor. He had a real high voice. Well, he didn't do. He didn't, Donald I mean. Novus. Uh, I don't. I don't recall him doing any talk at all. As, as Gildersleeve. As, well, like say, he I, didn't talk. He was a singer. He, he sang was a singer. A song. Well, all right. Listen. Would you talk about this Carl Myers Kindergarten program for a, a little bit there? Uh, would you talk about that program? Your name on that, and and uh, Marion's name on it. Carl yes. Myers Kindergarten. Yes. What do you want me to say about it? Well, well, I mean, didn't they have a rich kid in it named Percy that they'd pick on, kind of a yeah. kid? They'd pick on him, and then, I mean, you had a certain name, and she had a certain name, I was yeah. recall. You can't get any recordings of it. It goes back too far. No, there was, no, there was never any recordings of that show that I know of. Oh. Okay, okay. Troy, appreciate the call. Thanks. Thank you very much. My guest is Jim Jordan of Fibber McGee and Molly. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. If you've struggled with the heavy, cumbersome vacuum cleaners which don't do a very good job, you'd better switch to the lightweight commercial vacuum cleaner that hotels use. It's the Auric XL Hotel Vacuum. It finds the hidden dirt in carpets. It gobbles up dog and cat hair. Yet it's so lightweight, you can lift it with one hand, and we have one around our house and love it. If the Auric XL is strong and powerful and dependable enough to satisfy demanding housekeeping at Howard Johnson's and Ramada Inns and others, just think how well it'll clean your carpets. Between now 
and Christmas, you can buy the Auric XL at the special introductory price of only $188. That's $87 off the regular price. If you're in the Long Beach area, call House of Vacuums, area code 213-591-3884. That's House of Vacuums in Long Beach. That's 591-3884. And for the number of all the other Auric dealers in Southern California, call 800-641-4626. That's area code 800-641-4626 for Auric. A holiday message from First Federal Savings Bank with an introduction by its chairman, William S. Mortensen. We hope this holiday poem will remind us that we do not all have to be alike to be brothers. It is a lesson of fellowship we can apply every day of our lives. Falling from the heavens, the tiny snowflake, its message told in shimmering patterns, in God's grand design, a fundamental truth that no two snowflakes are ever quite the same. The snowflake and the soul of man both were wrought from the same hand, and so it is that each person possesses a beauty all his own, these differences enriching the fabrics of our lives. Snowflakes tumble from the heavens one by one, then kissing earth, come together in perfect fellowship. As we perceive the beauty in people different from ourselves, we instill within our children God's legacy of brotherhood and peace. A holiday message from First Federal Savings Bank of California. Imagine something that can make you laugh, test your ideas, and stretch your mind. You're listening to it now. Talk Radio 79. At KABC, talking with you has made us L.A.'s number one station. Because you're more interesting, we're more interesting. Straight Talk, Southern California's liveliest ongoing conversation. KABC Los Angeles. Well, I'll be a uncle's monkey if it ain't his honor the mayor. <laughs> Hi, Latriv. Hello, Mr. Mayor. Hello, Molly. Hello, McGee. Latriv, as the guy says when he's seen a good windy corner to build his optical shop on, this is a sight for sore eyes. <laughs> Thank you. You're looking very well yourself, McGee. And you too, Molly. Did you have a pleasant summer? Oh, yes, indeed, thank you. And you? Oh, yes. Yes, I had a very interesting summer. I was an amateur member of a scientific expedition in Colorado. We were searching for dinosaur eggs. Dinosaur eggs? Now, are you kidding me? <laughs> Why, we've known her for years, and she never laid an egg in her life. Certainly not. She's simply wonderful. I, I don't understand. Who is? Dinosaur. I'm afraid there's a little misconception here. I was referring to a big, ugly, prehistoric monster. Now, just a darn minute. When you talk about friends of ours, just keep a civil tongue between your teeth. Yes, Dinosaur is not big or ugly or prehistoric. I I, I didn't say anything about Dinosaur. I said dinosaur. It isn't sore, Latrib. It's shore. (laughs) As in shore patrol. And in her case, there'd be a lot of volunteers. Yes, do, Mr. Mayor. Let's give him a chance now, McGee. Okay, we won't interrupt again unless it's necessary, boy. No. So you go right ahead. You betcha. Dull as it is, we want to hear about it. Absolutely. Now? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) 
The expedition had heard rumors from wandering cowboys and Indians that dinosaur tracks had been discovered in a certain remote canyon in northern Colorado. You could have so discounted we... them rumors right off the bat, Latrib. <coughs> that kid don't have to hide up any remote canyon. <laughs> Even to try out a new hillbilly number, she don't. Oh, please. Now, look. I admit that Dinah Shore is lovely and a fine girl and an excellent singer. I'm not talking about her. Is that understood? No, it isn't. Why don't you want to talk about her? You got something against her? You tone deaf or something? We've always considered you one of the greatest gentlemen we know, Mr. Mayor. Yeah. So when you refer to Dinah Shore as an ugly monster and state that she's a million years old and has to hide in the gully to rehearse her number... Yes, and accuse her. Accuse her of laying eggs all over Colorado. I didn't say she was a muggly eggster. Well, you said... I mean, I never said anything about Dinah Canyon hiding a hillbilly. And you, because I said I was hoping to look for Dinah Track Shore. You said... You got sore when I... I mean, sore when I... Just because an ugly monster like... I mean, like China Dorn. I didn't know what I was... You were the one... It was... It, you were... She was always... I McGee? Yes, boy? Is it true that you've been on the air for Johnson's Wax for 15 years? Perfectly true, Your Honor. You've been hearing us all that time, kid? No. Frankly, I couldn't stand you so long. You couldn't stand him, what? So long. Oh, I beg your pardon, young lady. I didn't know you were there. Oh, that's all right. Is this the McGee residence? Yes, madam, but mark my word. You won't like it. <laughs> well, heavenly days, McGee. Look who it is. Dinah Shore. Ah, uh, those are so great. You know, I, you, you can say what you want about television, and I, I'd like to say a lot, but I won't. But there's nothing that can compare with the theater of the mind. You build these great fantasies, and you have you have McGee's home all uh, figured out in your mind, and you got the closet all pictured, and you got the picture of what all these characters look like. Just absolutely the greatest. What what is your feeling of television versus the great golden age of radio broadcasting? Well, of course, I'm a great television fan. Uh huh. But there, there is a there's a big difference between the two mediums, and I think there's a I think radio and the people behind the scenes in radio in back in the beginning of television let sold radio out the window. You know they did they 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 let it they just let it die and I think there was if they'd have kept it up there, there was always room been both. room for the two mediums there'd always been because two. they were both different they were they were and uh, now as you said a while ago uh, before we came on the air that radio today is a lot different and it's a different yeah different deal the, the show that we're doing right now that's right 
but, which uh, is wonderful. But, you know, the, the <laughs> idea that uh, w we couldn't have both, uh, it really is, is sad. That's right. And uh, there's no reason why they couldn't have been advertising dollars to go around. That's right. Because you're getting uh, different audiences. Yes. And uh, it's a different approach. And it is that uh, everybody just wanted to close up radio and that's right or to television the new glamour girl that's right down the street well it's really sad that that uh, era is gone 25 years of network radio and you're right at the top all the time that was gail gordon of course and i'm sure people figured that out gail gordon who uh, of course for so many years was uh, the leading man in the lucille ball show all right let's take another call hello dan you're on talk radio with jim jordan hello mr jordan Hi. Uh, I just wanted first to tell you, twas funny, McGee. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I am a member of SPURDVAC, um, the Society to Preserve and Encourage Radio Trauma Variety and Comedy. That's yes. one of those groups. That's right. And uh, I am one of those 15-year-olds, which you referred to earlier, who's a great follower of the Fibber McGee and Molly show. Oh, that's wonderful. How did you get hooked on that, Dan? Well, it wasn't too hard, because... It's sort of infectious. You listen to it, and you, you start wanting more. And you, you develop a craving for it. And good entertainment, I think, can reach any audience. That's any right. age. Wh where, where do you live? Where's your home? Uh, West Los Angeles. Oh, well, I've heard of that. <laughs> um, my question was, how did you develop the character of Fibber, the liar who never seemed to get a job or really accomplish much? Well, you know, back in the early theater, one of the great forms of uh, humor was the liar. Mm -hmm. All It was all based on the lie. And, and show business on down through the years... Has, has always been that way. It was a simple form of uh, getting laughs as based on the lie. But M McGee and the, uh, I developed the character on a show called Smackout, which was a daytime radio show, also on the NBC network, and uh, based on the lie. And this fellow told these tall tales the little girl and that was the beginning of Fibber McGee after we got on doing the uh, half hour show we I didn't do so much of the long tall tales anymore but so but he kept up the character of, of the liar very good Dan thanks for the call okay thank you very much and let's say hello to Bob. Hello, Bob. You're on Talk Radio with Jim Jordan. Good morning. Mr. Jordan. Yes. I'm one of your greatest fans. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I grew up listening to Fibber McGee and Molly and loved it. And uh, I have nine children, and they're growing up listening to you mm -hmm. and loving you. Would what you parish? Pardon me? You said you had nine children. Yes, <laughs> what parish? <laughs> <laughs> He's still got that great sense of humor. <laughs> yes, yes. My uh, my children uh, listen to you every week. Uh, we we can we listen to you on the radio. We also have uh, uh, dozens of of tapes of Fibber McGee and Molly. And we're oh, that's wonderful! Great fans. <coughs> that's great. I um, I during the during the war years, I remember uh, uh, your great commercials for uh, 
selling war bonds and things. And yes. As a result, went out and bought many myself. And uh, I just think uh, it's, it's it was great for me having you around, and uh, it's great for my kids today. And I really appreciate you, and I want to pass that on. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you, Bob. That's uh, nice, isn't it? Yes. Uh, the uh, the idea that that uh, radio stations are are still still playing those shows that must give you quite a feeling. Yes, I I, I don't uh, I don't hear them myself, but I I know that they're being played, and they're being played a lot inconsistently. Really? Yes, they're 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 booked into some of these radio stations a lot of them just like they had been years ago mm-hmm. on a on a weekly basis yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, to think that the the show lives on i mean that's got to be something to to be so proud of i mean when you look back at uh, at at your life doing fibber mcgee and bali and that that was the biggest part of your life yes um it must 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 uh, do something for you. I know it does something for me just having been a listener. Well, there's a lot of sense of satisfaction and feeling that you did something that people enjoy and you made somebody feel better, especially as the shut-ins, as we always call people who are shut-in. But there are a lot of people today... Lot who can still listen to the radio at work, yes. whatever they're doing, truckers, security guards, people working in data processing, processing, all these things that are going on where they cannot sit down and watch television. That's right. They can't, That's they can't right. afford it, and, and yet radio is their companion. That's right. And so the show lives on in, the, in that environment. Yes, it's so. It's, it's amazing. Uh, when when they unveil the the star on the the sidewalk Wednesday, on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you going to say anything? Oh, very little. I, I'm not supposed to say anything. Oh, is that think. right? I don't think I don't uh, have to say too much. For those who didn't hear, after all these years, Fibber McGee and Molly gets a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yes. And uh, Gail Gordon is going to be there. He's going to speak for me, I think. Oh, that's great. I hope. My guest, Jim Jordan of Fibber McGee and Molly. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79 KABC. Over one half of the senior citizens in this country wear dentures. Most of them are on fixed incomes and can't afford the average price of $980. Well, I've got good news for you. If you need either a partial or a complete denture... Dr. Cordell Riley is a practicing denture specialist with over 20 years' experience. He's the president of the Modern Denture Institute, founded on the belief that people who need dentures should be able to obtain them at an affordable price. At Dr. Riley's clinic, you can get a high-quality, fully-processed set of dentures for only $245. The full price is only $245, and you have Dr. Riley's promise that your new teeth will look nice, fit comfortably, and bite correctly. Call Dr. Cordell Riley today. Area code 714-771-6390. Dr. Riley's office is in the city of Orange. If you're in the L.A. area, take the RTD to Disneyland and transfer to Orange. The number again, area code 714-771-6390.
Opportunity. It's knocking loud and clear in today's U.S. Air Force. Whether you're just out of high school or have a college degree, the Air Force offers the possibility of a bright, secure future and the kind of valuable training that money just can't buy. The Air Force needs all kinds of people, from engineers to musicians. Okay, stop the music. Must you play that timpanis aloud? Sure, I want to get everybody's attention for you. Besides, I'm thinking about the Air Force myself. Was just rehearsing a little. Well, that's great, but I can play them backwards too. See? Hey, how'd you do that? It's easy. We're on tape. You can do it too. Try it. Okay. Trophy Nelsh. Why? That's amazing. Yes, I am amazing, and I'm going to call my recruiter and see about arranging for an audition right now. But if you leave now, who'll finish the commercial? You and the singers, I guess. They're on tape too. Uh, great. Uh, roll tape. See your recruiter soon. This is Frank Blair for your Better Business Bureau. If you're adding a room to your house or remodeling an existing room, be careful that you don't sign a completion certificate for the job until all the work has been finished. When you sign the certificate, you are, in effect, telling the contractor and any lending institution that may have supplied remodeling money that the job has been completed according to all the provisions in the contract and to your satisfaction as well. If you are induced to sign a completion certificate before the job is finished and later you are dissatisfied with the work, or if the contractor never finishes the job, you may have no chance of getting the problems fixed or the work completed without paying additional money. Keep in mind that reputable contractors won't ask you to sign before the job is done, but less than legitimate ones may. A consumer tip from this station and your Better Business Bureau. Your ABC Olympic Station, KABC, Los Angeles. From ABC News, I'm Joe Vaughn. The first of the Greek ships involved in the planned evacuation of Yasser Arafat's PLO followers from Tripoli and northern Lebanon has now pulled alongside the dock to begin taking on the guerrillas who have been cornered for the past several weeks by Syrian-backed rebel forces. Shore anti-aircraft batteries opened fire early this morning, shortly after the Greek ships pulled into the harbor when several warplanes streaked by overhead. But in Beirut, ABC's Chris Harper says the planes were not Israeli, they were French. The French jets came over early this morning, just as the French boats and the Greek boats were waiting offshore in Tripoli. It actually caught everyone by surprise. The French apparently did not tell the PLO that they were going to have a flyover this morning. And it's really unclear why it was necessary. There was obviously some confusion because of the shelling on the port by the Israelis over the past two days. And the PLO thought that they were Israeli jets. Correspondent Harper says none of the French jets was hit. Word is expected shortly now that Arafat's 4,000 followers have started to board the Greek ships which fly the U.N. flag. I'll have more after this. You should have seen the sunset. The sky was red. Well, it wasn't red. It was more orange. Kind of pink, really. Well, you should have seen it. It's useless to describe a sunset. You can't do justice to the colors, the clouds, or the special quality of the light. There's only one way to experience a sunset. You have to see it. This year, 50,000 Americans will lose the sunsets. They'll lose the flowers, the mountains, the shooting stars. 
years. This year, 50,000 Americans will lose their vision forever. Yet with your help, half of all blindness can be prevented. The National Society to Prevent Blindness sponsors medical research to conquer eye diseases. Prevent Blindness fights to save all the things people lose when they lose their eyesight. Help save the sunsets. Give to Prevent Blindness. Box 2020, New York, 10159. A congressional report parcels out responsibility for a breakdown in security October 23rd when a terrorist bomb killed 240 U.S. service personnel at Marine Peacekeeping Headquarters in Beirut. Two of the Republican minority members of the House Armed Services Investigation Subcommittee voted against the report. But the ranking Republican agreed with the report's findings. ABC's Vic Ratner reports. Kentucky Republican Congressman Larry Hopkins, himself a former Marine, says he blames top-level officers right up to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who admit they never anticipated a terrorist truck bomb and should have. Are they going to nitpick over whether it came in a Plymouth or a Mercedes or a Dodge or a Ford? It arrived, and uh, we weren't prepared to handle that. Congressman Hopkins was the only Republican on the subcommittee to vote for the report, which is highly critical of the Reagan administration for putting the Marines there in the first place and keeping them there now. Vic Ratner, ABC News at the Capitol. Officials of Greyhound Bus Line say they hope to have full operations restored by Wednesday morning, for the first time since more than 12,000 Greyhound employees went on strike seven weeks ago. The union issued its back-to-work order yesterday after votes were counted from a ratification ballot in which the striking employees accepted a new contract by a three-to-one margin. Is everybody happy with the new agreement? Not Gil Perra, a clerk for 11 years for Greyhound in Eugene, Oregon. I think we took uh, a beating. Uh, I'm not happy, but the struggle will continue. We'll continue the fight and pick it up again in 86. But another Greyhound employees in Eugene, driver Alan Foss, is satisfied with the settlement. I think it's fantastic. I think we're all ready to go back to work and uh, just take up our jobs as is. I think it's I think it's really neat. Under terms of the agreement, the 1,300 new Greyhound employees hired during the walkout will keep their jobs. But Greyhound's old employees will maintain their seniority under the new contract. This is ABC News. Actress Jodie Foster has been fined in Boston on a charge of cocaine possession after authorities at Boston's Logan Airport on Monday found about a gram of the white powder in the actress' luggage when she arrived on a flight from Paris. Jodie Foster is a student at Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut, but isn't due to resume classes there until February. A customs agent in Boston says such a small amount of cocaine was involved, it was decided that no charges would be filed against the actress. The amount of the fine is not mentioned. For the ABC Information Network, I'm Joe Vaughn. You don't have to be part of the crowd. Be who you are and stand up proud. Just say no. Just say no. If someone offers you drugs, just say no. Don't have to
message was brought to you by the National Institute on Drug Abuse and the Ad Council. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brame, and with me is Fibber McGee, Jim Jordan. We're talking about the golden age of broadcasting and that great show that for 25 years entertained America, Fibber McGee and Molly. Jim, of all the uh, characters on the show, was there, was there any one character that uh, brought more laughs than anyone else? Or any situation no i don't think so i there were certain characters that we could always depend on you know for mm-hmm. for laughs one we of could, those was of course hal perry that's right gildersleeve gildersleeve and, and uh, gail gordon mm-hmm. and uh how about Mr. How about Bill Thompson with Mr. Wimple? That's right. Well, Mr. Wimple and the old timer. Yeah, sure. And well, they're all people laughed at all those characters. That's right. It, it would depend on the situation. And tell me about the uh, the closet and the sound effects man. <laughs> I, well, I remember at the uh, Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters, of which you are the chairman of the board. May I? give you that mention um and this is a group of people that uh, about 20 years ago decided that they ought to get together anybody who's That's been right. in broadcasting for 25 years or more yeah and uh you can't get into the place now there are seven or eight hundred people at a crack and you give this uh, this mic award honoring different people in broadcasting yes uh but uh, you were you were there at the time, and, uh, well, all I can say is that uh, people love you. They, they, they really do. And uh, so, anyway, let's, let's go to uh, this, this, this show with uh, Gildy, Gildersleeve. When did this character come about in the show? Was it late in the show? Was it early on? Gildersleeve? Mm-hmm. Not, not too early. Uh that that uh, he was Hal Perry was doing some other characters on the show before he did Gildersleeve. Mm-hmm. He was doing incidental characters mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. show because he had a commitment somewhere else, and uh, he, that was not in the beginning. The, the 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 first one that we had really was Bill Thompson mm-hmm. that we could. Count on for the voices. Depend on for whatever we wanted done. Then Hal Perry came along. Then then Hal Perry and uh, Miss Uppington. Miss Uppington came along before those people. But the Gildersleeve character really took off, and he was very successful later on with his own show. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The great Gildersleeve. Yes, Uh, Let's go back to 1949. Hal Perry as the great Gildersleeve. claimed this watch so far, Molly. Looks like it's mine, all right. Not for 30 days, McGee. After all, you... 
McGee, stop tapping on the crystal. Oh, this don't hurt it. It's an unbustable crystal. So... Oh, my God. <laughs> I'd have swore this crystal was unbustable. I don't see why it won't. Oh, there, little chum. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Gildersleeve, come right in. Oh, thank you. What's the idea of busting right in the door, you unmannerly oaf? Why don't you ring the doorbell? Because this is from a 1940 script, Sonny Boy, and that door chime didn't appear in your show till 1941. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, anyway, I can't talk to you right now, Gildy. I'm fixing a valuable uh, watch. What's this I hear about you finding a valuable watch, McGee? Oh, indeed we did at 14th and Oak this morning. A new watch, gift-wrapped and everything. Well. We've been advertising for the owner all day. Show it to him, dearie. See, Gildy? Hmm. Crystal's broken. And look, McGee, one of the hands is bent. It is? Which one? The second hand. Second hand from the right or the second hand from the left? <laughs> Just the second hand, you dumbbell. That little tiny hand. Oh. Here, let me straighten it out. I've got a steadier hand than you have. Oh, yeah? <clears throat> Your hand shakes like a grass skirt at a stag party. <laughs> I'll do this myself. Lend me your boy Scott knife. I always was a whiz at fixing watches. McGee is part Swiss, Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh, he is? Yes. Why don't you use him to bait a mousetrap with? <laughs> Can't you see I'm doing a delicate job here? Wait a minute, McGee. This is no place to do a job like that. Let's take it out on the dining room table so you can keep track of the parts. Good idea. Look, boys, if you're afraid of losing part of the works, why don't you go sit in the bathtub and take it apart? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a silly idea. It is not a silly idea. It is, too. It is not. Quit arguing with my wife, Gildersleeve. She says to go sit in the bathtub. That's where we'll go sit in. Open the door. All right. This ought to be fun, all right. Yeah, now, now climb in, Gildy. <laughs> all right, we're going to do this thing in two parts, and we'll pick up the watch story here in just a minute. Uh, my guest is Jim Jordan, uh, Fibber McGee, and Molly. Uh, the uh, Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters, Jim, they, they've got the biggest collection of shows now, I understand of any group anywhere yes, in the world. Yes, that's right. That is correct. So, so uh, you know... They're adding to it all the time also. Oh, that's There's amazing. People working down there all, all the time. And they're, they're, and, and they're taking from the old big 16-inch acetates mm -hmm. and dubbing them onto tape. That's right. And uh, at least these shows are going to be around and uh, people will have access to them. Uh, from, from here on in. You know, a lot of movies self-destructed. Yes, that's right. Because the nitrate film just... That's right. Disintegrated. That's what happened to a lot of our shows that were stored at uh, NBC in the basement. Really? They just disintegrated over mm. the years. Mm. They were on that acetate. 33 and a third. Uh-huh. Now, uh, speaking of that, you did four movies. Did you? Five. Five movies. Yeah. Now, let's see what we have here. Uh, this Way, Please. Look Who's Laughing. Here We Go Again. Heavenly Days. And then I don't have the other one. What's the other one? Remember? Well, uh... Anyway... No, you, I don't. Yeah, you, you, you had five movies to your credit. That, that's that got to tell you how popular you were on radio. Is that they, they put you in the movie. Were the movies... Uh, any kind of a success? They were highly unsuccessful. <laughs> you, no, you, they, they did very well. 
You've you've never lost your sense of humor. But they were they were built on the exploitation basis. That's uh, what each one was. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when I called and you up and it said uh, I want to do this show, uh, you you said uh, what's what's the uh, outfit again? I said you know ABC Talk Radio. I said oh you mean the Blue Network. <laughs> <laughs> Right. We'll we'll be right back with Jim Jordan of Fibber McGee and Molly. This is KABC Talk Radio 79, and I'm Ray Brain. You've known a few of them, and you know what happens to them. The victims, the abusers, the alcoholics. What they don't need is pity, threats, or warnings. They need help now, because alcoholism is not a state of mind. It's a disease. So if a member of your family, a friend, or a valued employee has an alcohol or drug problem, there is a way to help that person. Even if he or she doesn't want your help, you merely call San Pedro Peninsula Hospital and ask for intervention. A professional certified intervention counselor will meet confidentially with you and that person. And it could save their life. Over 85% of these interventions result in immediate treatment. To help that someone... Call San Pedro Peninsula Hospital. Ask for intervention. Write it down. That's intervention. San Pedro Peninsula Hospital. The number in area code 213 832-3311. The new Peugeot is perhaps the greatest automobile value available today. And this may be the best time ever to buy one. The brilliant new 1984 models are here. New 505 GL station wagons and sedans. New 505S wagons and sedans. And the elegant 505 STI sedans. All models and colors are available right now. Peugeot, you know, is available with either a fuel-injected gasoline or a turbo diesel engine. Now, if you're interested in a diesel, you'll be even more interested when we tell you that the Southern California Peugeot dealers still have a good selection of 1983 turbo diesels left in stock. And you'll love the price. And here's another thing about a Peugeot that you'll love. The extras that you'll have to pay extra for on other cars are standard equipment on the Peugeot. So see your nearby Peugeot dealer and take a test drive in perhaps the smoothest riding car in the world. Peugeot. You'll love it. Hello, Americans. I'm Paul Harvey. Did you know that KABC, Talk Radio 79 is the most listened-to radio station in all Southern California. Well, Paul Harvey News is proud to be included on that schedule every weekday morning at 7 and every weekday at 12 noon. I hope you'll join me then, and I hope you'll join us right where you're tuned right now every day. Good day. Talk Radio 79. If you're calling KBC from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word talk, T-A-L-K. It follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639, and then talk. My guest is Jim Jordan of Fibber, McGee, and Molly. And I know we're getting calls already. Are you going to play the piece about the closet? I mean, are we going to have the closet for, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're going to do that. Sure. But that comes at the end of the show. We have to do it right, too. <laughs> That's right. You know, 
it was recreated on the stage at Pacific Pioneer Yes, I recall now what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. And uh, they, they had a, a bona fide sound effects man from uh, the old days of radio. Mm-hmm. And you know, the sound effects men were so important. Oh, you bet. And uh, your closet wouldn't have been the closet without the sound effects man. That's right. How did he do that for our listeners? He built all these things that would make a noise. Uh And we used an eight-foot stepladder. And he built them on the steps of the ladder before the show went on. And at the queue, he Uh tipped it at the top and all the stuff (laughs) fell down. And... uh, he had it had to work right the first oh, time sure. because if 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 it didn't it would take us a half hour to build it <laughs> build the gag up again that that was the trick about that thing how did that uh, that story become part of Fibber McGee and Molly was that some was that a holdover from from vaudeville you mean the the closet the, the closet mm-hmm. no we had done another show uh, long before Fibber McGee and Molly called the Smith family mm-hmm. and in this show the, uh, the we used a device of a of the, we had a, a sofa with a squeaky mm-hmm. uh, seat and it was one when you'd sit, somebody sit down in this certain place they'd mm-hmm. make an awful noise and uh and that's what we were looking for. Something that became a, a running, a running gag. gag, and uh, and uh, so we were always looking for something like that. In Fibber McGee and Molly, we tried everything, and nothing ever worked until one time, accidentally, in in order for uh, to show what a slob this guy was, this old McGee, he said that he had a closet, he had a dirty, a nasty closet full of junk and so we tried it and and it worked and we tried it again and that was the beginning of it and how about that's that when we use it. all right we're going to have one of those a little bit later on in the program let's continue with our story about the watch and uh gildersleeve you sit in the front will you <laughs> makes me dizzy to ride backwards <laughs> all right boys all right here's the watch and the Boy Scout knife in two hairpins. <laughs> Have fun now. Yeah, we are. <laughs> you know, McGee, I hope to goodness this isn't a violation of the Taft-Hartley Act. What you mean, Gilly? Well, laying off the hands and closing down the works without two weeks' notice. <laughs> you get it, folks? I said... It ain't funny, McGee. I didn't say it. <laughs> You would have if you'd have thought of it first. Now, let's see. I take this thing here and... Whoop! Whoop. <laughs> What's this? Search me. All I done was pry up on the face of it. How? Like this. I just... Whoop! Oh, that red, that dead red. Heavenly days, that beautiful watch. You know, I haven't seen so many flying springs since they blew up the mattress factory. <laughs> Isn't this fun, though? Yeah. Quit jiggling, Gildersleeve, and get your foot out of my pocket. <laughs> now, let's see. If I unscrew this little... <laughs> you know, I'm certainly glad this isn't my watch, McGee. Yeah, you know what I'm going to... You know what I've been doing wrong, Gildersleeve? Huh? We've been starting on the wrong side. We ought to took the back off first. Oh, good. Let's try that. I love to see the springs jump out. <laughs> Here, Molly, you hold the back cover, will you? Certainly. 
I'd get in there with you, boys, but it looks a bit crowded. Yeah. <laughs> oh, heavenly days, McGee. What's the matter? Look, there's an inscription inside the back here. What? There is? Imagine that. What's the poor sap's name? Listen, the inscription says, Happy New Year from the boys at the factory to our beloved boss, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. Oh! <laughs> Uh, you know, the sound effects man had a field day on that one. Yes. <clears throat> there, and you get the picture of uh, Gildy and yourself sitting in the bathtub, taking this watch apart. Uh, I remember that show very well. Do you? Mm-hmm. That's one of the ones I re- remember. <laughs> All right, we're going to uh, take a break here, and we'll be right back, and uh, there's more to come, more phone calls, with Jim Jordan, Fibber McGee of Fibber McGee and Molly. I'm Ray Bream. This is L.A.'s Talk Radio, KABC. Listen carefully. If you're the average American, you'll earn over $1 million during your working years. Yet when you retire, you'll have less than $25,000 to see you through the rest of your life. How long will that last? Most people fail to properly provide for retirement because they're simply asleep at the economic switch. Alvest Corp. of California is one of the state's largest independent registered investment advisors. Get started on a personal financial game plan right now by opening an IRA or Keogh retirement account and sticking with it. Through Vestcorp, you can maximize your IRA or Keogh's account's earnings and have the safety of diversification as well. Talk to the professionals at Vestcorp today and your IRA or Keogh account. Call Vestcorp of California, area code 213-464-6162. That's 464-6162. Interest rates currently begin at 14%. FDIC insurance may not apply. Penalty for early withdrawal. VF11, the great plant food, is developed from a secret process that lets your plant absorb it almost as soon as you pour it on. You won't believe your eyes when you see the fast and remarkable improvement of your plants. We guarantee that your plants will be sturdier, greener, shinier, larger, and healthier after only a few applications of VF11. VF11 was developed from years and years of research in hydroponics, which is, as you know, the highest degree of scientific perfection in gardening. Hydroponic plant food must contain the most perfect balance of nutrients and yet must be very gentle to the delicate root structure of the plant. Remember that name, VF11, V as in very and F as in fine, because it is a very fine plant food indeed. Get amazing VF11 at Safeway, Lucky's, Jimco, Savon, Thrifty Drug, Angels, and most garden supply stores. Now, get a pencil and paper right now for a very important name and telephone number. I want you to write it down because it may help you, a family member or someone you know who's disabled, to get Social Security benefits. The important name is the law firm of Devermont and Devermont. Now, the number in area code 213 is 393-0308. 393-0308. The law firm of Devermont and Devermont handles Social Security disability cases, SSI, and overpayment problems. So, if you're having a problem with Social Security or your benefits are being cut off, call Devermont and Devermont at 393-0308. That's 393-0308. The first consultation is free, and there's no charge unless they recover benefits for you. So, for all of your Social Security disability problems, overpayments... SSI, or any other legal problems, call Devermont and Devermont. 
That's 393-0308. Devermont and Devermont, 393-0308. ABC Olympic Station, KABC, Los Angeles. Hello, Bob. You're on Talk Radio with Jim Jordan. Oh, excuse me. I'm sort of dozing off here. <laughs> I uh, appreciated that statement about the wild turkey. I was having a shot myself. Me? <laughs> uh, I cherish the memory of your radio shows. But I have a question. How long were you on television? We were never on television. Oh, come on. <laughs> Not the Fibber McGee and Molly show was never on television. Somebody that sure as hell looked like it was. No. No, never, never on TV. Never on TV. No. Not, not well, the... that's too bad. But I do believe that as a medium, the radio had a lot of advantages over television in that People could paint their own mental visions of everything that they heard. Well, it was called the theater of the mind. That's yeah, right. you're right. I remember my dad and myself huddling over the steeple-shaped Philco TV, uh, te- uh, radio, listening to the Hound of the Baskervilles, mm-hmm. and just shuddering in anticipation of what was going to happen next. But I'll tell you, Jim, I'm real glad to hear that the overdue honor of your star on the boulevard is about to come. Well, thank you. How old are you, Jim? Oh, I... Uh, Give me he hasn't figured it out yet. No. be exact. <laughs> what is it? Give me an approximation. Well, I'm approximately 87. 87? <laughs> yes. Oh, God, I'm only a kid. I'm only 65. Yes, I know. You know. <laughs> now, good all luck to all you, right, Bob. It's nice talking to you. Thank, Thank you. you. Good to hear from you. Thanks. All right, bye. Hello, Bob. You're on Talk Radio with Jim Jordan. Uh, hello, Jim and Ray. Uh, this is Bob. And, uh, Jim, I was your engineer at NBC in Chicago for three years. And the one thing I want to point out to the general public is that in those days, we did not have any canned laughter. Everything was live. And we had one audience mic. And That's right. We had to turn that down because the laughs were so loud that mm-hmm. uh, because the audience thought it was funny, and there was no no uh, redo of the show, no editing, and no dubbing in of phony laughs afterwards. That's right. I know this voice. Uh, Bob is very much involved in in dubbing onto tape those uh, those great transcriptions that you have in the in the vault. Yes. Well, one other thing, Jim, I think that the people might be interested in. We always used to uh, uh, work with a sound effects man to be sure that we could hear the little tinkle bell at the end of the That's right. of the closet. And yes. uh, that was that was the final thing, is, is the tinkle bell. You had to have the tinkle bell, huh? <laughs> yes. That's right. <laughs> okay, Jim, congratulations. See you Wednesday. Well, thank you. Thank you, Bob. He's uh, through a labor of love, you know, yes. dubbing those things. He's the uh, engineer in charge down there. He's wonderful. He really is. Um, Jim, he brought up a very good point. All the the audiences were live. There, there was no canned laughter. No, we didn't use canned laughter. And if the audience didn't laugh, there was no laughs. No. It, then that's, that's right. 
And uh, each studio audience would uh, hold how many? Uh, each studio would carry how many? Uh, how many people? About three hundred. Three hundred, three hundred fifty, something like that. I forget the exact number. Because I remember, um, you know, the the lines. Anybody who ever went to the old radio shows uh, remembered the lines, and they would. Uh, well, yes. it was right there at uh, the corner of Sunset and Vine. That's right. In Hollywood, and people would come from all over the country to see these radio shows. And your tickets were very difficult to get. One of the yes. most difficult shows to get into. Yes, they were. And um, what would people write ahead? How would they get the tickets? I've forgotten. Mostly by writing, mm -hmm. yes. And uh, when they uh, came to uh, Hollywood, then they would have to wait in these huge lines to go down the street and That's around right. the corner and up the block, mm -hmm. and it was something else. It really was. It was a, a really a popular show. But uh, <coughs> to think that, you know, literally thousands upon thousands of people Saw the show in person. Oh, yes. After all those years. That's right. I never... I never thought to figure what, what how many it would be, but... We did 700 of those shows. 700? Yes. So you multiply that by 350 and... Uh, gives you an idea. It gives you an idea. Right. Did, did some people try and get there, uh, you know, week after week? Did you have regulars? Did you ever spot regulars? In yes. Life? And we had some some people that we would allow in mm -hmm. as regulars. If they, if, if we knew it was uh, somebody that would be a good audience, we'd let them come back. If they laughed they a were. lot. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> My guest is Jim Jordan of Fibber McGee and Molly. This is Talk Radio 79, KBC Los Angeles. I'm Ray Breen. Hello, Randy. You're on Talk Radio with Jim Jordan. Good morning. Good morning. And, gee, it's such a pleasure to be able to speak with Mr. Jordan. He is one of my idols in old radio. Well, thank you. We call it the golden days of radio. Yes. Uh, They'll never get old. For sure, for sure. Uh, tell me this. Of 700 shows, approximately how many still exist today? Well, I really don't know. NBC has all the uh, records and tapes and cassettes. I, I really don't know how many they have. I, I have. I have 700 scripts. I have the scripts. You, you've kept every script? Yes. Why? That, As that it was performed. The script that was performed mm -hmm. on two copies of every one. And another thing, uh, of the uh, smackouts, were any of those ever committed to disc? No. They were not? No, Nothing they were not. I, there may have been one or two, but no, they were not, generally. Is Harlow Wilcox still alive? No, he is not. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <coughs> I, uh, or how about Billy Mills? He's not living either. He had one of the most underrated big bands in the world, I Th think. That's right. It, it, he it, was a I, fine musician. I have about 200 of your shows. About 150 of them are complete. Wow. And you I have about 200? How, how did you get 200? Well, I got, uh, I got what, 97 of them from uh, a place back in uh, Connecticut. Hmm. Uh, a place called uh, Radio Yesteryear. And others I've been trading for over the years. There are a few. So, of so you're one of the, you're one of those traders, right? I sure am. That's with a D, not a T. That's correct. 
I'll trade uh, anything for Fibber and Molly shows. I would love to have a complete collection. Obviously, not all exist, but I would sure like to have as many as there are. Because there was never two of them the same. Isn't that no. amazing? That, that amazes me that uh, people, uh, you know, trade these shows. Yes. And they they're prized them. possessions. I, I, that, that amazes me more than anything else. And that, the only thing that uh, supersedes that are, are, are the young kids. It's like we had this 15-year-old yes. who called. That's right. All of which goes to show that good entertainment will never die. That's true. Well, thanks. That's very true. I certainly agree with you. Thank you very much, Randy. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye now. That's, that's got to make you uh, feel good. The guy's got 200 shows. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's right. Good entertainment just will not die. No. <clears throat> and uh, it's it's a phenomenon that uh, these old radio shows are repackaged and and merchandised and traded and part of the underground. And it's it's uh, it, you know they they make newsletters about them and they have bulletins. Oh yes. And they're doing there's a, they're being pirated too. They're, oh, that's that's sad. That's sad. Yeah. My guest is Jim Jordan of Fibber McGee and Molly. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. KABC Los Angeles, your ABC Olympic station. Jim Jordan is my guest of Fibber McGee and Molly. How did the line, taint funny McGee, how did that come about? Well, gee, I don't know, just... Uh, it just developed, huh? It just developed. <laughs> and that was part of the show. Yes, sure. But that's strange how those things, you, you say, they, how did it come about? You don't plan it that way. They just it's evolve, huh? It, it, that's right. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <clears throat> Ain't funny, McGee was. Uh, Everybody picked that cliche. That, that's right, right away. That's as one a of kid, the earliest. As a kid, we yeah. used to say, "Taint funny, McGee." That's right. That's one of the earliest yeah. things we had going with as a running gag. All right, Bill Thompson, <clears throat> the man of so many voices that you had on the show. Uh, we have a a bit of Bill here in 1948, and he's about to uh, give us a tongue twister. Let's listen. Get a load of my little old snowbuster now, Molly. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. As soon as that enamel dries, it'll be as good as new. Certainly looks flashy, all right. Oh, I'll say it's flashy. This is the sled that I won the fourth grade race down Kickapoo Hill against the whole fourth grade with this sled when I was in the fourth grade. <laughs> it is? Yep. They claim later that it wasn't fair, though. They claim the reason I went faster was because I was 30 pounds heavier than any of the other kids in the race. Oh? Well, naturally, I was heavier. Because there wasn't a kid in the whole fourth grade that was anywhere near as old as I was, naturally. I... <laughs> That's my boy, always years ahead of everybody. See, where's the memories this old sled brings back? What recollections? Just looking at it gives me that old neuralgia feeling. (laughs) You don't mean neuralgia, sweetheart. You mean nostalgia. Nostalgia? Sure. Why would the sled remind me of flowers? Although I do remember that bed of orange-colored nostalgias we had behind oh. the house. <laughs> McGee, no, those were nasturtiums. Oh, now, Molly, please. Anybody knows a nasturtium is a dirty crack. What? I sure. Doc Gamble is always casting nasturtiums at my bowling. And no. I'm... 
McGee, those are aspersions. Aspersions? You sure? Positive. Well, then what in the first place did I say wrong? You said the sled gave you a neuralgic feeling. Neuralgia is a headache. You said it. Headaches, backaches, busted ribs, fractures. Ah, but I loved every one of them. Like the time I got lost with this baby in that thicket at the edge of town. Remember that? No. No, I don't remember that. I never told you about the time I was coasting downhill through that little thin thicket. No. Well, sir, there were two thickets out there. A little thin thicket that we used to hunt in, and a big thick thicket that was so full of thorns and things, it made you thick just thinking about it. Well, sir, I coasted downhill on my sled, thinking I was headed for the thin thicket, when all at once I hit the thick thicket with a thud. The thicket was not only thick with long, thin thorns, but every stick was thick with ticks. And the thinnest part of the thick thicket was thicker than the thick part of the thin thicket, so naturally when I hit the thick thick... All right. Uh, now, we've got Mr. Wimple who comes in here, and he's going to uh, finish this uh, little thing out. What a tongue twister that was, huh? That was it. Uh, did you have a hard time <coughs> rehearsing that? I mean, did you have to go over something like that a long time so that you wouldn't goof that? No, not, not so much. That was what One we or two readings and you can do it, huh? Yes, I could. I got later, in later years, I couldn't do it at all. Really? I didn't do it anymore. That's what we call the alliteration. Yeah, They're, yeah. They were more alliterative than, than mm -hmm. that bit mm -hmm. was, most of them. Okay, we heard the doorbell chime. In comes Mr. Wimple. Oh, yes. hi, Wimp. Hello, Mr. Wimple. Hello, folks. <laughs> My goodness. It's cold outside. Yeah. I had to walk backwards all the way over here. Walk backwards? Why? Well, I was breathing so hard and my breath froze so fast that if I walked frontwards, I kept snowing in my own face. <laughs> what happened if you stood still? I fogged my glasses. <laughs> I like to be outdoors in this kind of weather, though, really. Yeah, it's good. Any kind of weather, in fact. It, <laughs> it gets me away from her. You mean? Yes. Sweetie face, my big old wife. <laughs> I really had a wonderful weekend last weekend, though. You know, I got the cleverest idea. Yeah, what'd you do, Wimp? <laughs> I got up real early one morning, and I painted little bitty red spots on all our mirrors. What was that for? Well, for three whole days, Sweetie Face thought she had chicken pox. <laughs> Till old Dr. Gamble had to go and spoil everything. <laughs> My gosh, that wife of yours really makes your life miserable, doesn't she? Oh, I wouldn't say that, Mr. <laughs> McGee. You wouldn't, Mr. Wimple? Gracious, no, I'd be afraid to. <laughs> I, she'd simply... Oh, what a pretty little sled. You like it, Wimp? This is my little old snowbuster. Had it since the third grade. Me and this sled have been through a lot together. Yes, through a bakery window and a thick thicket, to name a couple. <laughs> well, I just stopped in to tell you about a little surprise. You should have I... seen me when I first got this sled, Wimp. I used to grab it up, clutch it against me like this, and start running real fast. Why? Wasn't it yours? <laughs> Certainly it was mine. I used to start clearing the kitchen, see, and run through the dining room, through the living room, through the front hall, out the door, and launch myself with this baby onto the front sidewalk. <laughs> First winter, I got the mailman three times and the milkman once. They used to call him Lightning McGee because nobody knew where he'd hit next. 
<laughs> My, isn't childhood horrible? I just wanted to tell you about a little surprise that I've Boy, got oh boy, this old snowbuster feels good in my hands, you know what? It's been a long time since I did a flopper on this baby, but I still got the old technique. Yes, but do your muscles know it, dearie? Open the front door, Wimp. Let me show you what I mean. Yes, but... Well, all right, Mr. McGee. But I'd like to tell you about my surprise... I'll be with you in a second, Wimp. I'm going to start in the dining room, pick up speed through the living room, and launch myself off the front porch like a rat. Now, McGee, you're not as young as you were, you know. After all, now, now... Don't worry, kiddo. Just stand well back. I'll go down that front sidewalk like a bullet. But, Mr. McGee, I've got a surprise... Later, Wimp, later. I couldn't turn off this enthusiasm now if I wanted to. Here I go! Oh, dear, be careful, McGee. I wanted to tell you my surprise. Yippee! But I cleaned all the snow off your sidewalk for him. What? But, but I guess it was a surprise after all, wasn't it? Ah, uh, yes, Mr. Wimple, and that, of course, was Bill Thompson. Yes. A great character. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll take some more calls. And then coming up, Fibber McKee's Closet. So don't uh, don't go away, folks, as they used to say. Yeah. There's, there's more to come. And before we say goodbye to uh, Jim Jordan, we're going to have the, uh, the opening of the closet. Can't uh, get away without it, so stand by. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. If you're looking for an asset management account that gives you high-quality services without the high price tag, stop looking. It's here at Charles Schwab & Company, America's leading discount broker. Compare Schwab 1 with the other asset management accounts. With Schwab 1, there is no monthly or annual fee, none. When you buy or sell securities, you save up to 76% in stock brokerage commissions compared to rates of full commission brokers. You can borrow on your marginable securities at low interest rates, get high interest on on cash between investments, a free Visa card and free checking account. You can open a Schwab One account with only $5,000, not $20,000 like the others. Schwab One, all the financial services you need without the high price tag. For a free Schwab One brochure and application form, call toll-free in the continental U.S., 800-554-9600. No salesperson will call. That's 800-554-9600. Charles Schwab, a Bank America company. Member SIPC. Tom Sullivan served as a combat soldier in Vietnam where he was injured. Now, he's back in a VA hospital for more surgery on his wounds. The care here is great, but after a while, things can get pretty lonely. I was lucky there was someone like Brenda to help out when I needed it. Hi, Tom. It's a great day for the picnic. They're all waiting for us. Okay, let's go. There are thousands of men and women like Brenda who volunteer their time. Sometimes to organize a picnic or bingo party, write letters, make phone calls, and often just to be a friend. When I help patients like Tom, I get more out of it than they do, and I love every minute of it. These volunteers are people just like you. Thousands are members of the Disabled American Veterans and Auxiliary. They're all people who care about our hospitalized veterans and are doing something about it. To learn more about the DAV Voluntary Service Program, write Disabled American Veterans, Box 14301, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45214. Tuesday, evening KABC will keep the pot stirred. Join Hilly Rose at 710 and get in on a heated discussion on book burning. 
Dr. Lee Burgess will discuss the Dirty 30 books, some American classics in there, with Cal Thomas of The Moral Majority. To read or to burn? That's the question. And at midnight, Ray Bream, along with Dr. Michael Gass, will have timely tips and information on how to avoid the problem for millions known as post-holiday depression. Every program was live. In fact, uh, for many years, you would do two shows. That's right. One for the East, one for mm-hmm. the West. Mm-hmm. And uh, today, everything on, on television is tape That's right. or film. And do you think that something is lost in, in doing it that way? Yes, I do. Why? Uh, later on, we did uh, tapes also. Mm-hmm. But we didn't do them like they do tapes today. We, we, we did the, the show, the whole show, mm-hmm. on tape. But it was done live and there were no retakes. That's right. It was done live and Mm -hmm. we just taped Mm -hmm. what we had done. Mm -hmm. And then that would be played like in the beginning we had to do a repeat for what was then we called the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And using tapes, we didn't do that. Didn't have to do that. But uh, when when you were doing the repeat shows, uh, was the... Was the first show the, the, the best one, or was the second one? When you do the, the show for the West well, Coast. Well, I know uh, we went to dinner in between the mm-hmm. two shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had one actor that uh, I won't name. We haven't mentioned his name. Um, that required his bit. Took, we had to stretch it three minutes about for the second show you had to stretch it three minutes yes he, we had to we had to make his bit three minutes longer in order to give him time to do it because he did it a little differently the second time than he did the first time <laughs> because he'd been to dinner in uh-huh. between and had a few oh, drinks yeah, yes that's right uh-huh. mm-hmm. they tell me the second shows were were as they say Looser. Well, that, uh, that is so. You you had a feeling, uh, kind of a little letdown because the second show was only about ten percent of the audience. Mm-hmm. That in those, as the audience was in those days, ninety mm-hmm. percent of the audience was on the first show. Did did you ever get uh, oh butterfly stomach? In, in other words, this was live. And you knew that this was all America was... You were the number one show for seven years in in this great network broadcasting. And radio receivers all over the United States would be tuned in because it's Tuesday night, time for Fibber McGee. And as that clock is approaching, 30 seconds, 15 seconds, 10 seconds, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, everything's quiet. You're on. Did did the juices flow? Did anything happen? No, because I'll tell you why. In we were on ten years before Fir McGee and Molly, and they got all worked we, out. That's right. We just grew up. By the time we were doing Fir McGee and Molly, it was old hat. You know, we 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 didn't get excited about all oh, you. Of course, you. Juices flowed a little bit. Uh-huh. You you actually build it up a little bit sure. in your own mind so you can do it. And uh, <clears throat> but to be 
We our show was never. We never had people running up and down the hall, tearing their hair and changing the <laughs> script and getting back to the writers and all. We didn't do it that way. We did the show. We rehearsed it on Monday. And we rehearsed it again on Tuesday in the morning about mm-hmm. 10 o'clock. And we put the show to bed. Any corrections there was, mm-hmm. we put them in at, uh, the, at that time the, uh, between 10 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon we put the show to bed and we didn't see it from then until we did it at 6.30 Alright, let's take another call Hello Marjorie, you're on Talk Radio with Jim Jordan Yes, Mr. Bream, I'd like to compliment you on having this wonderful show through the holiday season ah, It's such you. a nice treat and Fibber uh, I was a radio writer in those times, and I came by a couple of treasured uh, aisle seats for one of the shows that was aired in front of a, uh, an audience, and I took a brother, and I don't remember what the gag was, but it was one of those that builds up and builds up, and my brother started kind of giggling, and pretty soon he was laughing and holding on to his middle. And finally, he literally rolled out of his seat into the aisle. I've heard of that, but it's the only time I ever saw it. <laughs> I don't suppose you remember it, because maybe it happened to a lot of times. <laughs> no, that's... I don't think it interrupted anything, but it it was wonderful. We always and, talked about laying him in the aisles, but... Well, that's one time when you did. <laughs> I remember. don't remember actually doing it. <laughs> Very good, Marjorie. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. We promised you that we were going to have the closet. And I think uh, we better get this in now because I wouldn't uh, want you to go away mad. you got to have uh, the, uh, the the closet episode if you're going to have Fibber McGee and Molly. So, here now is the way you let up to the closet. Oh, don't you worry, baby. I'll get the hang of it. I'll... Hey, where's Lena with that hot water bottle? Don't she know where we keep it? Do you? No, I don't. Oh, yes, I do, too. It's right here in the hall. Huh? No, McGee, that's one of the things I have to clean out when I... I still laugh at that. <laughs> oh, you didn't you didn't play at all. No, we didn't play at all. That was <laughs> the uh, the hall closet. That uh, that always uh, brought the the laughs and they laugh and they yeah. laugh and they laugh. I guess a lot of it was just watching the sound effects man making those sounds. Oh, sure. It got to be a sight gag. People, sure. People laughed at what they were seeing. Sure. Because it was it was funny yeah. to see these fellows do this. And that little bell that we used, mm-hmm. we used that kind of a, as a signature. That was the last thing that happened in the closet. It was a cue for everybody. And that was a little bell that we had... It's a little bell on a, on a handle little mm-hmm. that you'd lift up off a lot, like if we're on the table mm-hmm. here. You lift it up and jiggle it and the, and the bell would ring. And uh, we had that in smack out, that bell. Is that right? Because the old man had, a, had the bell that tinkled when the, the customer came mm-hmm. in, remember? Mm-hmm. When sure, they, They'd ring sure. the bell and when sure. they left, they'd ring the bell. Mm-hmm. And so I was just... We used that on, carried it over onto Fibbermiggy and Molly. It was a kind of a good luck charm, I guess, or something. And I insisted on that thing being done that way with that little bell That's at the end. That's great. Hello, Walt. You're on Talk Radio with Jim Jordan. Jim, it's it's great to hear you again. 
I I would like to ask you if you remember a little epic you did uh, during the early days of World War II with Bob Hope and Bing Crosby called All-Star Bond Rally. It was a short, and it was produced for theaters. Yes, I remember that very well. We did it at 20th Century Fox, I believe. And you got an E for effort or a V uh, flag for the thing, didn't you? I don't remember that, that, uh, but I remember the uh, thing very well. We we did a bit where we entered the theater, I think, and bought tickets and went in the theater, as I recall. Right, and what happened at the end is you, I think you bought a $100 war bond, wasn't it? I didn't. I don't remember that. I, have the I might have bought a $10 tape. one. <laughs> I have the thing on videotape. They showed it a while back on one of the networks. Oh. And... Uh, it was part of one of the series that they had, and it was one of the few things that, that you were on vi- on uh, in the movies that I was able to see. But I do have a small collection of your radio shows, and I've admired you for many, many years, even though, uh, you know, I, maybe like some of the other folks that have been calling in. You were too young to remember. You yeah. <laughs> too young to remember it, but uh, uh, by way of transcription, your shows are going to live forever. That's right. Well, they really are. Thank you. Thank you very much, Walt. Thank, thank you very you. much. Right. Hello, uh, Helen. You're on Talk Radio. Good morning. Good morning. I'd just like to tell Mr. G- Jordan that I listened to him back in the 30s when he was working at the uh, st- station in Chicago. and then I, he, You remember him in Chicago? Yes. And then he came down to our town in Decatur and played at the theater. And, of course, we always had to go see him. And Marion, and if I remember correctly, his wife played the piano, and he and they sang. Yes, that's right. And then when, when your station WLS WLS would sign off, and your station would come on. That's right. And I remember you, you and Marion, and Irma and Glenn used to sign off, play the organ. I think. Yes. And well, anyhow, I just wanted to tell you how we enjoyed you, and I've always enjoyed your. Uh, uh, Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Well, thank you. That's awfully nice to hear. Thank you, Helen. And uh, we used to go to work at 11 o'clock at night and work till 2 in the morning. You know these hours well, then, don't you? Yes. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> Hank. You're on Talk Radio with Jim Jordan. Yes, sir. I think I remember him when he did a show from Navy Pier one time in the 1940s. Is that correct in Chicago? Yes, we did a few shows from there. That's, That's what I recall. We got a transcription, a couple of transcriptions of those. Oh, yes. Real huge records they were. Uh-huh. It was very interesting. Yes, that was... I remember that very well. How long were you in Chicago? I don't recall. Uh, Fifteen years, I think. That's what I thought. I know they were there a long time. I remember your old hometown was Peoria. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, it was nice nice to hear you again. Well, thank, thank you very much. On tape. Uh, nice talking to you. Oh, okay. All right, thank you. And let's say hello to Dick. Hello, Dick. You're on Talk Radio with Jim Jordan. Hello, Ray, and hello, Hi. Mr. Jordan. Bless your heart. How are you? Oh, just fine. I have a little religious note here to put into it. Oh? When I was a youngster, I was baptized in a Universalist church at a rather late age of three. And Dr. Rose, who was a minister at the time, this is back in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. picked me up put me on his arms and started blessing me and I was hurt to say you're a hard man McGee (laughs) (laughs) and Dr. Rose looked at me 
quizzically, and he said, what did you say? And I said, you're a hard man, McGee. And, of course, the whole congregation of about 700 people heard it and laughed. So you're in everybody's heart. Yes, yeah. indeed. We've got to go. Thank you very much, Thank Dick. You. My, my guest, Jim Jordan of Fibber McGee and Molly. This is Talk Radio 79, KEBC, and I'm Ray Breen. Jim, uh, we're almost out of time, but I thought that uh, for those who didn't hear how you used to open the show and uh, with the orchestra and Harlow Wilcox, the way he'd bring... You know, the announcer was very important in those days. Well, you bet. And I'm sorry I missed it. <laughs> because I've always loved the announcers. I knew when I was a kid I wanted to be in radio because I, the, the announcers were my heroes. And, of course, Harlow Wilcox was with you for all those years. And this is the way it sounded. The Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. So uh, tell me, Jim, what was the, uh, the theme? Do you remember the name of the theme? Uh, it, uh, Billy Mills wrote that theme. With, uh, we we used a, our original theme was uh, I can't think of the name now, but uh, it was a very a popular song of the day. And oh, it really fit a, the show. What is it? I say it really fit the show. Well, yes, it was. Uh, I wonder the, how the, many. Well, that's not important. Let's talk about the important thing, and that is your street address for Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Oh, 79 Wistful Vista. Of course. Who would ever forget 79 Wistful Vista? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, I can't tell you how great it's been having you with us. Well, Appreciate you. you coming down. Congratulations you. on a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much, you. Jim. Thanks. Happy holidays. Good night. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brink. Your ABC Olympic Station, KABC, Los Angeles. Do you have people on your holiday gift list who don't relate to a gift unless it relates to business, money, or their careers? You can solve your holiday shopping problems with gift subscriptions to the nation's leading business daily, the Wall Street Journal. For those hard-to-please friends, clients, and business associates, the journal is one gift that will really matter when it's time to get back to business after the holidays. Every business day, they'll get useful, stimulating, unbiased information. News about government, labor, investments, taxes, all the business news they'll need. Right now, you can order a 26-week gift subscription to the Wall Street Journal for only $47. That's right, 26 weeks for only $47. And a handsome hand-signed card will announce your gift. So call toll-free in the continental U.S., 800-554-9600. That's 800-554-9600. The number again, 800-554-9600. You'll be billed later. KABC Los Angeles, your ABC Olympic station. From ABC News, I'm Joe Vaughn. 
Reports from Tripoli in northern Lebanon indicate the five Greek ships sent to evacuate the followers of PLO leader Yasser Arafat have now pulled up at dockside to begin loading their human cargo. Repeated attacks by Israeli gunboats and planes on the harbor delayed the scheduled departure of Yasser Arafat's followers by more than a day. And there was a brief scare this morning, shortly after the Greek ships and their French Navy escort pulled into the harbor at Tripoli. Several Mirage jets swooped by overhead. Arafat's followers thought they were Israeli planes and fired anti-aircraft guns at them, but as it turned out, they were French planes, taking part in a routine, though unannounced, reconnaissance flyover of Yasser Arafat's positions. None of the planes was hit. For the first time since before, a terrorist bomb killed 240 U.S. service personnel at Marine headquarters in Beirut. White House reporters will have a chance to ask President Reagan tonight about the continuing role of the Marines in Lebanon. The president will host a formal broadcast news conference in the executive office building to be broadcast live beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern time. The president already has provided a broad hint of what his position would be. ABC's Ann Compton reports. In new and distinct terms, President Reagan has defined conditions under which he will pull American Marines out of Lebanon short of the political peace which had been his goal. The president says in a magazine interview, yes, it will be possible to withdraw the Marines in 1984. He adds that complete withdrawal by Syria is not a prerequisite. I think that even if they gave an assurance that they are going to go and start the process, he said, maybe then we could leave. Foreign troop withdrawal is not the only condition. Senior officials sought to reinforce the president's own words of last week that political collapse of the Jamail government would be cause enough. And Compton ABC News, the White House. I'll have more after this. We can turn off the dryer now, Mrs. Sloan. That's all right, Barbara. The longer I stay under the hairdryer, the less I eat. Pardon? I'm trying to diet, but I'm always hungry. Oh, I used to have that problem. You? You're slim. How do you control your appetite? Deliciously, with AIDS candy. AIDS candy? Mm -hmm. How can candy help you eat less? AIDS is more than delicious candy. It's a diet plan. AIDS works two ways. How? The candy helps satisfy your hunger, and it has an effective appetite suppressant, so I eat less and lose weight deliciously. Does AIDS candy contain a stimulant? No stimulant. Nothing that can make you nervous. AIDS simply helps control your appetite so you eat less. I have some right here in my purse. Taste. Mmm, they are delicious. The AIDS diet plan lets you enjoy two AIDS before each meal. And I'll be less hungry with AIDS? Right. Well, that's half the battle. I'll try AIDS. Lose weight deliciously with the aid of AIDS. Available at drugstores and supermarkets everywhere. Use only as directed. The Greyhound strike is over. When the votes were tallied last night from the union ratification vote on a settlement proposal, the workers had approved the new contract by a three-to-one margin. In Phoenix, the president of the Amalgamated Transit Workers Union, Harry Rosenblum, says it's no surprise. Someplace along the line, you have to uh, realize the economic realities. You have to realize the position or the stance that the uh, uh, company was taking. It was hardball. And the ball was mostly in their court. Greyhound says it hopes to resume full service on its nationwide bus line network by tomorrow morning. Under terms of the settlement agreement, the 1,300 drivers hired during the uh, 47-day strike will keep their jobs. But the returning union workers will have seniority. The Consumer-Oriented Center for Auto Safety in Washington wants the Reagan administration to withhold federal highway aid to states, which fail to keep up with inspections of what the center says are tens of thousands of crumbling, outdated bridges, endangering the lives of American motorists all over the country. 
The center filed suit in federal court in Washington yesterday asking for a court order to force the Transportation Department to enforce current inspection laws. The regular season's over for the National Football League. In Monday night's final game, the San Francisco 49ers overwhelmed the Dallas Cowboys by a score of 42-17. to The 49ers thereby capture the Western Division Championship in the National Conference. This is ABC News. In just five years' time, Americans have reversed their perceptions of the relative dependability and minimal need for repairs of American and Japanese cars. Our newsletter of Westlake, California, issued its annual Consumer Satisfaction Index yesterday, showing that 30% of the respondents felt Japanese cars are good to excellent, 25% like European cars, American cars are in third place with a 24% factor. That same study in 1979 showed American cars ranked first with a favorable rating of 28%. For the ABC Information Network, I'm Joe Mr. Wong. Ebenezer Scrooge for Santa Anita. Bah, humbug. First it's reindeer, then it's horses. Not even through with the Christmas season before they start another. Opening day at Santa Anita, the day after Christmas. Folks will come from all over and get all excited. I don't know what they see in it, but I'm going anyhow. I hate the fun, but I love to win. Opening day this Monday, get a free calendar with paid admission while supplies last. Santa Anita. Hey, there you go. Very brief interview with Jim Jordan from 1983. So, later this year, it'll be 35 years ago. Wow. Okay, let's tune over to the great girls for you. So, stand by. JAWS Professional Desktop Folder View List View My Doc JAWS My Document Enter Document C Christmas Show Enter Shelf Amos and G Great Gildersloaf Folder Halls of G Grand Send Great Gildersloaf 551 Great Great Gild Great 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 Gildersloaf 461 Great 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 Gildersloaf 491 Great Gildersloaf 491 Great Gildersloaf 501 Great Gildersloaf 511212 F422 Leroy Selling Chris Great Gildersloaf 511212 F423 Christmas Present for Paula Great Gildersloaf 511226 F422 Open in Last Christmas Present Enter The Kraft Foods Company presents Willard Waterman as the Great Gildersleeve <laughs> The Great Gildersleeve is brought to you partially transcribed by the Kraft Foods Company. Kraft, you know, makes Philadelphia brand cream cheese. The cream cheese that's been famous for quality since 1880. Delicious Philadelphia brand is so popular, it outsells all other brands of cream cheese combined. Enjoy it often. But remember, there's only one Philadelphia brand cream cheese, and it's made by Kraft. And you know, the world's favorite cheeses are made or imported by Kraft. Later on in the show, I'll tell you exciting news about the wonderful free offer Kraft is making.
there's no time like Christmas. Yesterday, everybody enjoyed the thrill of opening gaily wrapped packages and emptying stockings by the fireplace. And since it's the custom to drop in on friends to see what jolly old St. Nick brought, let's go back a day and see what happened at the great Gildersleeve's house. Right, George, opening presents is fun. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, huh? Wrapping paper, boxes, ribbon, presents all over the place. The parlor looks like a department store. Uh, when are we going to open the presents we're saving for last? <laughs> Bronco's just like a kid. He is a kid. Yeah, I sure am at Christmas. Well, Bronco, we'll open the last round just as soon as Bertie gets the twins settled. This has been a pretty hectic morning for them. Uh-huh, weren't they excited? Their eyes were so busy taking in everything. <laughs> Boy, I can't wait to open this present from Babs. Well, the twins are asleep. Let's open that last present. You're just waiting for you, Bertie. You first, Uncle Morris. Me? Yeah, all right. Well, hey, wait a minute. How about me? But, Leroy, you always wanted to open yours last. Uh, that was before he had a girl. Well? Say, look what I have. A desk set from the family. Just what I need. Yeah, try the pen, Unc. Yeah, I think I will. Red ink. <laughs> That's to use after, after Christmas. <laughs> Bertie, you open yours next. I was hoping I'd be next. <laughs> I saved the one from the family, too. Well, we hope you like it, Bertie. Yes, sir. I wonder what this can be. Uh-oh. No. It can't be. But it is. Bertie got a genuine dyed-in-the-wool cashmere sweater. Neat. Not bad, huh, Bertie? No, sir. Bertie never thought she'd see the happy day she'd own a genuine cashmere sweater. Now, where's the car? Here it is. Thank you. To Bertie, with all our best wishes for a very Merry Christmas. Ain't that nice? We hope you like the color, Bertie. Yes, ma'am. I like everything about it. Excuse me, I gotta go try this on. Now, Bronco, open your present. Well, I should insist that you open yours first, Marge, but I'm too anxious to see what's in this tall, round package. <laughs> You'll see. If it was from Uncle Mort, I'd say it's a bottle of water. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you kick it and see if it leaks? <laughs> Gosh, it must be important. It's well wrapped. Well, all I'll tell you is that it's something for our new house. Yeah, Marge and I decided we'd be practical this year. We're giving each other something for the house. You're fine. You're a very sensible couple. Well, look what my sweet wife gave me. A keg of nails. <laughs> nails? Oh, for corn's sake. Hey, nice. Oh, thanks, Marge. Just think, Bronco. When we're in our new home, we'll know it's held together with the nails I gave you for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, the roof over our heads will be held together with nails of love. <laughs> this is sickening. <laughs> Let's get on with the presents. You, Marjorie, shall I bring it out from behind the tree? Uh, will you, Unky? You bet. And you, you, and you. It's bigger than I am. Heavier, too. Let me give you a hand. What do you think it is, Marge? Well, it must be something for the house. I can't imagine. Maybe it's the whole house. <laughs> oh, Leroy. There we are. Take the wrapping off, Marge. Well, here goes. Oh! 
Oh, Bronco, you darling. What did he give you, Marge? What is it? A door. <laughs> a door? Yeah, our front door. Solid birch. Oh, Bronco, you were teasing me. You said we couldn't afford this kind. Oh, well, Marge. Isn't it beautiful, Unky? Well, if I was giving somebody a door, I can't think of a nicer one. <laughs> for Christmas. Come on, I want to open my present. Oh, sorry, Leroy. I guess we got carried away. Yeah, Leroy's been waiting all morning to open his gift from Babs. Oh, it's an awfully cute little package. Yeah, it isn't very big. Yeah, Leroy, don't be disappointed before you open it. It could be a jackknife or something. Oh, boy, look at this. A gold wristwatch. Really? Gosh, isn't that a beauty? That's quite a gift, Leroy. Yeah, Certainly makes my old turnip look sick. Unky, do you think Leroy should accept it? What do you mean? I've already accepted it. <laughs> well, Leroy, a watch like that is a more expensive gift than you'd expect from a childhood acquaintance. Who's a childhood acquaintance? We've been practically gone steady for a couple of months. <laughs> hey, I gotta go show my watch to Bertie. What a watch. That Leroy came off pretty well. Of course, you understand, Marge, I'm very happy with my keg of nails. <laughs> I know you are, darling. Well, I'm a little surprised that Mr. Bullard let Bab spend that much money on a present for Leroy. That boy has more gold in his wrist than I have in the bank. Good morning, Bertie. Morning, Mr. Gildersleeve. Am I too late for breakfast? No, sir, but the others did beat you out this morning. Yeah, it's always difficult to get started for the office the day after Christmas. Yes, sir. Here's some coffee. Good. That should start me perking. You <laughs> 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 Where's Leroy? Oh, he's over at Mr. Bullard's. They was away yesterday, so Leroy couldn't wait to see what Babs got for Christmas. You know, I wondered why Babs didn't come over yesterday. He left here at 8.56 and 22 seconds, according to his new watch. <laughs> yeah, that watch came as quite a surprise to all of us, Bertie. Yes, sir. There was a lot of surprises around here. A cake and nails, a door, and a genuine cashmere sweater. But that watch, oh, that topped them all. Well, Bertie, I'm not one to encourage expensive gifts for kids who don't know the value of money. It actually, Babs isn't to blame. It's Mr. Bullard. It is? You shouldn't have let Babs buy Leroy anything so expensive in the first place. No, sir. After all, it isn't a good idea for the kiddies to set their sights too high. No, sir. That Bullard overindulges little Babs. Yes, sir. And I think of how much that gold watch must have cost. Why, it's ridiculous. Yes, sir. Of course, it's not my problem. No, sir. <laughs> the watch does fit Leroy's wrist. If Mr. Bullard feels he has money to throw around and wants to toss a little this way, yeah, I'll be big about it and let Leroy catch it. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Water Commissioner in his office. Uh, come in, Judge. Season's greetings, Gilda. Uh, thank you, Judge. I didn't expect to see you around today. I came by to check on you, Gilda. Who? Why? I know you play Santa Claus every year, and I always worry about you getting stuck in the chimney. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, my goodness. When are you going to invite me over to see your tree, Gildy? Not until we take it down. You might eat the ornaments, you old goat. <laughs> Gildy, did you and yours have a merry Christmas? Yeah, but it was Leroy who hit the jackpot. Oh? Believe it or not, Judge, Babs gave him a gold wristwatch. A gold wristwatch? Gildy, that's the sort of thing a girl gives her uh, uh, husband. I know a husband who got a keg of nails. <laughs> what? You never mind, Judge. What do you think of Bullard permitting Babs to go overboard like that? Well, Gilder, the way Babs has been raised, perhaps she doesn't know the value of a dollar. By George, I'm glad Leroy does. He'd never do a silly thing like that. I wouldn't let him if he wanted to. I don't have my eyes closed to things like that Bullard. Gilder, perhaps Rumson didn't know Babs bought the watch. Come in. If Bullard doesn't know what's going on, he's a real knucklehead. Gildersleeve? Oh, hello, Mr. Bullard. Morning, Rapson. Judge, Gildersleeve, whom are you calling a knucklehead? You, I call him, well. <laughs> Speak up laughing, boy. Now, Mr. Bullard. Speak up. Don't be mealy-mouthed. I heard you. Well, you heard me anyway. I was just telling the judge it was silly of you to let Babs give Leroy such an expensive present. Oh? Rumson, I suggested that perhaps you didn't know Babs had bought Leroy the watch. Yeah, that's why you're a knucklehead. Yeah, I mean, Gildersleeve, <laughs> I have news for you. You do? Your Leroy gave my Babs this three-foot string of pearls. <laughs> a three-foot string of pearls? I didn't know that. Knucklehead. <laughs> I must have spent all the money he made selling Christmas trees. Mr. Bullard, Babs has to return those pearls. And Leroy has to return the watch. Now, gentlemen, if you ask me... Nobody asked you. But if Quiet, you, you old goat. <laughs> well, I see my advice is unwanted. This is a conversation for knuckleheads. <laughs> Babs, hardly in their teens and giving each other expensive presents. These pearls must have cost Leroy 35 or 40 dollars. Well, by George, he'll have to take them back. Leroy! Leroy! Uncle, you're shouting. You bet I'm shouting. Margie, where's Leroy? Well, I haven't seen him. Have you, Bronco? No, but if he's in the neighborhood, I'll bet he heard you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just as well he isn't here. I better cool off before I see the boy. What's the matter, Unky? Marjorie, look at this. Oh, what a gorgeous string of pearls. Say, what lucky young lady are going to lasso with those? Bronco, I couldn't afford these. They're Leroy's Christmas present to Babs. Yeah? You don't mean it, Unky. She gave him a gold watch and he gave her a string of pearls. Isn't that the most ridiculous thing you ever heard of? Oh, it certainly is. Oh, I don't know. What? Well, admitting that Babs is a little young to be receiving such gorgeous pearls, I wonder how they'd look on me. Now, Marge... You got your door for Christmas? <laughs> yeah, it's too bad Leroy and Babs aren't as practical as you two. Well, I guess it's fun to be impractical sometimes. I've never had a string of pearls like this. Well, I've never had a gold watch like Leroy's either. Of course, you understand, Marge, honey, that I'm perfectly happy with my keg of nails. <laughs> sure, it's been a fine Christmas. Well, I'm perfectly thrilled with my door. You understand that too, don't you, Bronco? You sure he does. Oh, you sure? After all, it's such a practical gift. 
Well, Marge, we're building a home, and you were the one who suggested a practical Christmas. I suggested it? And you'll have to go a long way before you find anything more practical than that keg of nails you gave me. <laughs> Bronco Thompson. No, kiddies. It was your idea to give something for the house, you and your silly budget. Silly budget? If it wasn't for my budget, our bank account would look pretty silly. Children, please. Uncle Mort, I'm not a child. Children get pearls. Yeah, but... And gold watches. Yeah, but... Uncle Mort, do you know what Mr. Practical Bronco did the other day when we were shopping? No, but... I held up a nylon stocking to show him how sheer it was, and what do you think it reminded him of? Uh, what? Looking through a window pane that he could buy for the same amount of money. <laughs> now, Marge, wait a minute. So how should I expect pearls? Well, well why should I expect a watch? <laughs> Bronco didn't get a watch for Christmas, but he's sure getting the works. <laughs> Great Gildersleeve will be back in just a minute. Now is your chance, ladies, to get a free, yes, free copy of one of the most exciting recipe pamphlets Kraft has ever offered. This handy file-type pamphlet has more than 20 easy-to-follow recipes for making delectable, melt-in-your-mouth fudge and creamy, smooth frostings a brand-new way. A simply amazing way with Philadelphia brand cream cheese. Just imagine, with Philadelphia brand cream cheese, you can make fudge and frostings that are perfect every time. Never grainy, never too hard, never too soft, but always delightfully creamy smooth. And making wonderful fudge and frostings with Philadelphia brand cream cheese is easy because there's no cooking, no testing, no beating to worry about. Just follow the simple instructions in the recipe pamphlet. You'll have luscious fudge and frosting with perfect, delicate richness. Because Philadelphia brand is made with lots of fine milk and thick cream. Just be sure you use genuine Philadelphia brand cream cheese. When you buy, look for the Red Craft K that's on every silvery package to help you pick the real thing at a glance. Remember, genuine Philadelphia brand cream cheese is made only by Kraft. And it's guaranteed fresh. Now, to get your free copy of this wonderful recipe pamphlet... Just drop a postcard to Kraft Kitchen, Box 6567, Department G, Chicago 77, Illinois. That address again, Kraft Kitchen, Box 6567, Department G, Chicago 77, Illinois. Hurry, write tonight. <laughs> Well, the great Gildersleeve and his family had a wonderful Christmas. But the day after, complications started to develop. It began when Mr. Bullard got upset because his niece Babs gave Leroy a gold watch. Then Gildersleeve got upset because his nephew Leroy gave Babs a string of pearls. These gifts then upset Marjorie and Bronco, who had gone in for a practical Christmas. Now, guess who's on his way to Peavy's drugstore for an aspirin? Hello, Peavy. Well, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. <laughs> what can I do for you today? Give me a box of aspirin, Peavy. Very well. You're figuring up your Christmas bills already, are you? I've had a bigger headache, headache than that. I just had to tell Leroy to return the gold watch Babs gave him for Christmas. My, my, that fine watch that Leroy showed me... Yeah. It seems I heard something about a string of pearls, too. Well, Leroy has to take them back to the jewelry store. That's one thing that Bullard and I agree on. You and Mr. Bullard agreed on something? At last. 
Well, that's Christmas for you. Yesterday, Mrs. Peavy's mother and I agreed on something. Who? What? That it was Christmas. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, this problem with the kids is serious, Peavy. Just because they like each other, they figure they have to spend every nickel they have on gifts. <laughs> I, I recall when I was first smitten. I splurged a little on a gift for my little love. You, Peavy? I'm here to tell you. I presented her with a World's Fair pillow, as I recall. Purple velvet with orange tassels. You. <laughs> her father and my father insisted that we return each other's gifts, too. And as it turned out, I glad over it. What'd she give you, Peavy? <laughs> she gave me a kiss and I gave it right back. <laughs> Peavy, you're making light of this. Leroy must have spent 35 or $40 for those pearls. Well, it was his money, wasn't it? True. But it surprises me that our youngsters don't display better judgment. If I were a boy, I wouldn't give a girl a pearl necklace. No, I don't think you would. <laughs> and if I were presented with a handsome gold watch, nobody would have to force me to give it back. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Babs, I'm glad you came over. Well, Leroy, I thought we should spend our last moments together with our presents. Yeah. We've got to take them back. We've got to take them back. Uncle Rumson said it had to be done today. Yeah. So did Unc. Let's keep them as long as we can. Until just before the jewelry store closes at 5 o'clock. Well, I don't want to take my watch back until I have to. Well, Mr. Peavy's is close to the jewelry store. Don't you think it'd help our morale to go there and drink sodas until five o'clock? Well, yeah, but... Gosh, Babs, I'm a little short of money. Huh? Well, you know how it is with a man right after Christmas. Oh, well, maybe it's better if we just sit here and suffer. Why don't, why don't we go see if Bertie has some cookies and milk? Okay. I do feel a little weak. Yeah. A man needs strength to return a fine watch like this. <laughs> Hi, Bertie. Hello, Bertie. Well, can Bertie do something for you children? Well, we sort of thought about going down to Mr. Peavy's drugstore, but... Can we have some milk and cookies? You sure can. You can have anything you want. Yeah. Anything but a watch. And a few pearls. You poor kids. You two got faces long as Miss Marjorie's and Mr. Bronco's. What's the matter with them? Well, they got a little too practical for Christmas. I don't believe in being practical at Christmas. It isn't any fun. If you like somebody, you should show it. Well, you sure showed it with those nice presents you had to take back. Well, we haven't taken them back yet, Bertie. We're keeping them as long as we can. <laughs> I just hate to give up my pearls. I don't blame you. Here's your milk, honey. Thank you, Bertie. Here's yours, Leroy, and a plate of cookies. Thanks. Bertie, listen to the tick of this watch. Finest tick I ever heard. <laughs> That's a fine watch, all right. Tomorrow, maybe somebody else will own it. Somebody we don't even know. That's true. And some other woman will be wearing my pearl. Oh, little Babs. Babs, I'm never going to have another watch. I'll just remember the one you gave me. Poor little Leroy. <laughs> when I'm a debutante, and all the other girls are wearing pearls, and they say, where are yours? I'll say, 
You can't see them, but they're always around my neck. And they were given to me by Leroy. (laughs) (laughs) Cookies, anybody? I wonder if I did the right thing. In a way, Phoebe's right. Leroy did spend his own money. Still, the kids have to understand that Mr. Bullard and I know best. Oh, hello, Gildersleeve. Yeah. Yeah, hello, Mr. Bullard. Didn't see you behind your bushes there. Well, I was just shaking off some of the snow before this hedge breaks down. Oh? And, incidentally, keeping an eye out for Babs and Leroy. Well, I was thinking about the kids myself. It's nearly five o'clock. I suppose by now they've returned those expensive baubles. Yeah. Too bad they weren't more practical. Like Marjorie and Bronco. Marjorie and Bronco? They gave each other something for the new home. She gave him a keg of nails and he gave her the door. <laughs> the door? Yeah, the front door for the house. Oh! <laughs> and they had a happy Christmas? Well, until they saw what Leroy and Babs gave each other. Oh, foolish children. Yeah. Leroy stood out in the snow for two weeks, selling Christmas trees just to buy Babs a string of pearls. Well, I gave Babs a check for $50, and all of it went into the purchase of Leroy's watch, except a dollar and a half. How do you know? Well, that's about what this necktie cost. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I encouraged Babs to buy something nice for herself, but she said she wanted to buy a gift worthy of Leroy. Leroy felt the same way about Babs. It was hard for me to insist that Leroy take back the pearls. I'll never forget the stricken look in Babs' eyes when I told her she'd have to ask Leroy for the watch. She looked up at me like a wounded deer. (laughs) You wonderful girl, Babs. Sweet, self-sacrificing. Stout fellow, Leroy. (laughs) Yeah, he took it like a man. Braced his shoulders and said, I guess you know best, Dunk. Babs took it bravely. When I told her, she just lifted her chin... Walked out into the snow, smiling. (laughs) Too bad. They're hiding broken hearts, Gildersleeve, and and we broke them. George, I don't like the idea of broken hearts, especially at Christmas. Gildersleeve, do you think we still have time? You mean you're willing to let them keep their presents, too? It isn't quite five o'clock. They may be at your house. Follow me, Bullard. Follow me. Well, I, I hope they're here, Gildersleeve. Yeah, I don't see them anywhere. Bertie! Bertie! What's all the commotion? Oh, hello, Mr. Bullard. Uh, Bertie, have you seen Babs and Leroy? We have to find them, Bertie. All is forgiven. They can keep the presents. That's nice, gentlemen, but you're too late. We are? Oh, no. You're too late. You're closing the barn after the horse is gone. Yeah, but, Bertie, we've thought it over. Yes, sir, you're too late. You're closing the barn after the horse is gone. Yeah, but... Mr. Gillsleeve, you know what you are? Yes, Bertie. That's right. You're too late. You're closing the barn after the horse is gone. <laughs> I'm sorry, gentlemen. Well, Bullard, we're too late. Yes, the horse is gone. <laughs> I'd better be going, too. Well, we've done a nice, big, fat job of ruining the kids' Christmas. You sit in the chair, Babs. Thank you, Leroy. Listen, Gildersleeve. And I'll sit over here. They're still in the house, Bullard. Then we're not too late. Leroy! Nineteen, twenty, five's twenty-five. Leroy! Babs, dear. Oh, hi, Unc. 
27. Babs, what are you doing? Excuse us, Uncle Rumson. We're counting our money. Your money? Bullard, we are too late. Poor unhappy children. Who's unhappy? 28, 29. Yes, Mrs. Leroy. We were broke and now we're loaded. 30? <laughs> 35? But, Babs, we were going to let you keep the necklace and the watch. We had the fun of getting them for Christmas. Now we can spend the money again. You <laughs> shrewd girl. Come on, Babs. Let's go down to Mr. Peavy's and have a soda. Oh, I'd love it. We haven't been downtown all day. So long, huh? Goodbye. Cha-cha. Well, what do you make of that? Well, wait a minute, Gildersleeve. If they haven't been downtown all day, they couldn't have taken those presents back to the jewelers. So that's right. Where'd they get the money? Oh, hello, Anki, Mr. Bullard. Uh, uh, good evening, Marjorie. Marjorie, you're wearing pearls. They're a gift from my husband. Beautiful. Uh-huh, and he's taking me out to dinner this evening. Uh, hurry, Bronco, darling, we'll be late. No, he won't. It's only 5.15, according to my new gold watch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Gildersleeve, it seems everything turned out all right. Yes, indeed. Maybe I can even borrow some money from Leroy to pay my Christmas bills. <laughs> the great Gildersleeve will be back in just a minute. Remember, ladies, write tonight for your free, that's right, free pamphlet with more than 20 exciting recipes for a perfect, luscious fudge and creamy smooth frostings you can make easily without cooking with Philadelphia brand cream cheese. Just drop a postcard to Kraft Kitchen, Box 6567, Department G, Chicago 77, Illinois. That address again, Kraft Kitchen, Box 6567, Department G, Chicago 77, Illinois. And now, Mr. Willard Waterman steps out of his role as the great Gildersleeve to say, I hope you all had a happy Christmas. And with the New Year so close at hand, we want to take this opportunity to wish all our faithful friends the best of everything in the coming year. So it's Happy New Year to you all from the members of our cast. First here's Barbara Whiting. Babs. Then Gail Gordon. Robinson Bullard. Lillian Randolph. Birdie. Mary Lee Robb. Marjorie. And Dick Crenna. Bronco. Now Earl Ross. Judge Hooker. Richard Legrand. Mr. Peavy. <laughs> and Walter Tetley. You can have all the money you want at 8%, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a boy. Yeah, folks... Let's make sure that there'll be no one missing from our friendly circle next year. When you're driving, take an extra few minutes for safety's sake. Now, season's greeting from all the people behind the scenes, from our writers, John Elliott and Andy White, and our editor, Paul West, from our engineer, Leon Fry, and Monty Fraser handling sound effects, and from our producer, director, Frank Pittman, and Virgil Reimer for NBC. And, of course, these holiday greetings come to you, too, from our sponsors, the Kraft Foods Company. Their representative on this program, John Heaston, and the entire family of Kraft employees. Happy New Year, everyone. Good night. You know, it takes three things to make a sandwich. The bread, then meat or cheese or egg, whatever you like best in between. 
And the third thing is, mmm, a touch of real mustard. For when you add a little mustard, you add a lot of tang. That is, if it's craft prepared mustard. There are two kinds, you know. Mild Kraft's mustard, smooth and delicately spiced, and Kraft mustard with horseradish added. Have both on hand for different tastes, different uses. Remember, when you add just a little mustard, you add a lot of tang. Get Kraft's prepared mustard. Groucho Marx, you bet your life. He's next on NBC. The Great Gildersleeve from 1951. Let's move up a year to 1950. And the Great Gildersleeve Christmas show. Great Gildersleeve 511. Great Gildersleeve 511. Great Gildersleeve 501220385 Christmas show. Enter. Portions of the following program are transcribed. The Kraft Foods Company presents Willard Waterman as the Great Gildersleeve. The Great Gildersleeve is brought to you by the Kraft Foods Company. Kraft, you know, has been famous for years for bringing you the very finest foods, quality foods, the world's favorite varieties of cheese, America's choice in salad dressings, and many other wonderful things to eat. When you shop, look for the name Kraft. Remember, the name Kraft on any food is your guarantee of quality. It's a crisp, cold night in Summerfield. Here and there, a lighted Christmas tree glows warmly in a window. Holly wreaths have begun to appear. The ground is white with new snow, and it's still falling. Big, fat flakes that cling to the porches and the trees, and to the brim of the great Gildersleeve's hat as he hurries down his front steps. Makes a cautious turn as he reaches the sidewalk. then strides gaily up the street toward Catherine Milford's house. Deck the halls with boughs of holly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Tis the season to be jolly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la. What? Wait for me! Where you going, Unc? Well, I'm dropping in at Miss Milford's for a while, you see. Can I walk with you? I'm going to Piggy's house. They're putting up their tree tonight. We're going to decorate it. You well, good. Don't stand on the furniture. You gonna help Nurse Milford decorate her tree? Yeah, you can't tell. We may string a few cranberries, drape the icicles around. What if Dr. Olson is there? Leroy, don't worry about Dr. Olson. Oh, I'm not. But you said he was a pain in the neck. You said he was always hanging around her house when you wanted to be there. Yeah, well, you weren't supposed to have heard that. But that used to be that way. How is it now? Leroy, the nurse has decided she doesn't need a doctor as much as she needs a water commissioner. 
The fact is, I haven't seen Dr. Clarence Olson in weeks. Gee, then you're winning, aren't you? You bet I'm winning. Golly, you gotta be smart to be the doctor, too. You said it. Gee, and you're my uncle. Yeah. Well, here's Piggy's house. See you later, Uncle. Yeah, see you later, Leroy. Yes, sir, there's a mighty fine boy. <laughs> Oh, Throckmorton. Hello, Catherine. Come on in. My, it's snowing out, isn't it? Yeah, just a little. Look at you. You have a big snowflake right on the end of your nose. Yeah, I do? Well, cold nose, warm heart. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take your coat. Yeah, thank you. Well, beautiful tree, Catherine. And Christmas presents. Are all those for me? No, but you can help me finish wrapping them. If I... Lots of presents. Well, Mother and I have lots of relatives. Yeah, sure. Then I couldn't forget those darling children down at the hospital. You? There are five of them that Santa Claus may not remember. Well, good for you, Catherine. Be a shame if any little kitties were forgotten on Christmas. Mm. Here, put your finger on this ribbon while I tie the knot, huh? Yeah, yeah, all right. Interesting paper you're using, Catherine. Mistletoe design. <laughs> Just put the package over there. No, I think I'll balance it right on top of your head. Ah, Morton. You know what that means, mistletoe. Oh, <laughs> Aren't you rushing the season a little? You're only three more shopping days. You better put the package down there by the tree. Uh, shucks. Say, here's a fancy-looking package. Oh, I think that's the one Mother's giving me. Oh, your mother couldn't wait, huh? Mm. You let me shake this. Oh, but I can guess what's in it. Now, Throckmorton. You. Yep. Card fell off. Oh, dear. Well, isn't that just like your mother? To the dearest girl in the world, Clarence. Clarence! Throckmorton, give me the package. That one isn't for mother. No, I guess not. <laughs> Dr. Clarence Olson, the intern, huh? I thought he'd given up. Clarence has been on night duty at the hospital. Well, just so he hasn't been on night duty with my nurse. <laughs> well, he hasn't forgotten me. I can hardly wait to open his present. He always thinks of the most original things. Well, I haven't brought you my presents yet. I'm liable to think of something pretty original, too. Really? Give me a hint. A hint? Well... At the hospital, Clarence keeps teasing me about what's in this package. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. All he'll tell me is that it starts with a K for Catherine. Isn't that clever? Well, I guess there's a fine line between being clever and being corny. Rockmorton. He's very ingenious. In fact, the mistletoe paper was his idea. It was? Mm -hmm. Well, it may have been his idea, but I was the first one who thought of holding it over your head. <laughs> I think. Catherine is getting from that doctor. Clarence, the clever cut-up. I'll have to go him one better. Good morning, Uncle. Hi, Uncle. Good morning, children. Archie, what Christmas present can you think of that start with the letter K? K? Who's the present for, Uncle? A little kid we know spelled K-I-D? Hardly, Leroy. I was thinking about something for a young lady. Oh, you mean me. 
<laughs> we'll get around to you children later. You know, there's a present under Miss Milford's tree. It starts with a K. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Uh-huh. Leroy, what do you mean, uh-huh? It's Miss Milford's present from Dr. Olson, isn't it? Well, yes. Well, if it's from Dr. Olson, why do you want to know what it is, Unky? Well, I don't want to give her the same present, Marjorie. Yeah, I'd like to give her something a little better. Well, if it starts with a K, maybe it's a... a Kodak. No, no, it's a pretty big package. Canary? <laughs> I don't think it's anything alive, Leroy. And as I recall, Canary doesn't start with a K. Like some hot coffee, Mr. Gill, please? Yeah, thank you, Bertie. Bertie, we're trying to think of some gift a woman would like, starting with a K. Any ideas, Bertie? Well, if it's for a woman, maybe it's something for the kitchen. Yeah, I can't think of anything but the kitchen that starts with a K. Except Kraft cheese. <laughs> well, I can't think of anything. Maybe it's kisses, Mr. Gillsleeve. Kisses? The candy type. You know, candy kisses after paper. <laughs> My goodness. Dr. Olson. I wish I'd have thought of giving her something starting with a K for Catherine. Let's see. K. K. Carrot? Could be giving her a diamond. You wouldn't dare. Kettle drums? Kilts? Yeah, you wouldn't give her those. She'd look cute in them, though. Well, good morning, Gilda. Well, the Honorable Judge Hooker. Good morning, Horace. You were walking along with a faraway look in your eye, dreaming of a white Christmas. You <laughs> <laughs> old goat. Yeah, I'm trying to get an idea about a Christmas present for Miss Milford, Horace. Oh? Well, I came down to hear the Craft Choral Club. They're going to sing around the community Christmas tree here in the square. Oh, yes. Well, let's get a little closer. You know, I've been so worried about Catherine's Christmas present, I almost forgot they were in town. They came all the way from Chicago, Gilda. Yeah, I know, Judge. See, there are a lot of them. You wonder who makes the cheese while they're on tour. Shh. About to sing. Ladies and gentlemen, at this Christmas season, it is our pleasure to present the Kraft Choral Club under the direction of Gerhard Schroeder. Oh. 
I think I'll try finding something for Catherine in a hurry and come back. I'll wait here, Gildy. In fact, I may go up and sing with them. You please, not that judge. They didn't come all the way from Chicago to find the lost discord. Now, Gildy. Wait a minute. They're going to sing again. and the Yuletide spirit coursing through my veins. Gildersleeve continues his search for a Christmas present in just a moment. Again, this year, as the holiday season approaches, the makers of Kraft Quality Foods wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a happy and prosperous New Year. During the year now drawing to a close, we have appreciated the confidence you have shown through your purchases in all the fine food products which your grocer has brought to you from Kraft. You may be sure that Kraft products will continue to merit your confidence in the future as they have in the past, and that the name Kraft on any label will continue to be your guide to the very finest in foods. Again, we say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to each one of you from all the men and women of Kraft. Now, back to the Great Gildersleeve. Well, there's a fancy Christmas package under the tree at Catherine Milford's house from Gildersleeve's rival, Dr. Olson. What's in it? That's what the water commissioner would like to know. Whatever it is, I'll get her something better. He may have the edge on me at the hospital, but by George, I'll beat him under the Christmas tree. I'll go all out. Hello, Peavy. Well, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. <laughs> What 
can I do for you this afternoon? Yeah, I'm looking for a Christmas present, Peavy. For a lady. Something extra special. A uh, gift for Miss Milford, is it? You bet. That sneaky Dr. Olson bought her something that looks pretty nice. But I'm going to go him one better. I'm going to get her something so beautiful and so clever, it'll make him look silly. My, my. <laughs> Any suggestions, Peavy? Well, what does she like? Has she dropped any hints? Not lately. All she talks about is those little kids she takes care of at the hospital. There must be something clever and original I could get for her, Peavy. Now, how about a subscription to Look Magazine? <laughs> well... Or how about a nice set of scales? Women like to weigh themselves, you know. She can weigh herself at the hospital, Peavy. Does she like sweetmeats? Sweetmeats? We have some very attractive boxes of candied prunes. Quite healthful, too. No, Peavy. Well, how about some nice musical bath salts? No. Then a ballpoint pen? No. Mr. Gildersleeve, you're rather hard to please. You offer Peavy, I've got to get something different. Something original. Now, you've had plenty of experience at this Christmas thing. That's true. You've been buying Christmas presents for Mrs. Peavy for 20 years. Yes, I have. Well, certainly after all that time, a man should know what it takes to please a woman. Well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can see you're going to be no help at all, Peavy. I'm going over to Hogan Brothers. That's a good idea. Happy shopping, Mr. Gildersleeve. Happy shopping. <laughs> What a mob in these stores. Why does everybody wait till the last minute to buy presents? Oop! You watch that umbrella lady. Second floor. Phonographs, radios, toys. Yeah, out on two, please. Yeah. You might get her a radio. No, everybody has a radio. I'd be more original than that if I'm going to beat that slick intern. Christmas won't mean a thing to me unless I outdo him. Well, cute toys up here. Is that you, Miss Gildersleeve? Well, hello, Bertie. What are you doing up here in the toys? Oh, I got a lot of little nieces and nephews I have to buy for. Oh, yeah. They don't have much, so when I show up every Christmas with my arms full of toys, they think I'm some pumpkin. You know, but they do, Bertie. Say, what if I showed up with an arm full of toys for those kiddies at the hospital? The ones Miss Milford is so fond of. Them children would think you're some pumpkins, too, Miss Gildersleeve. Well, I guess they would. What's more, I'd be some pumpkins with Miss Milford, too. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you bet. Nothing I could do that would impress her more. Right, George, this is a great idea we had, Bertie. Click! Click! I want to buy some toys! <laughs> That Dr. Olson can never top this. I'll walk in on Catherine, pass out these toys to her little kitties, and tell her this is my Christmas present to her. What can she say? Except that I'm the greatest guy in the world. The kids will get a kick out of it, too. (laughs) Intern turning your suit, you're through. (laughs) Yeah, this must be the ward. I see some children. Well, hello, little children. Hello. Hello. Uh, where's Miss Milford? 
She'll be back. She wants to get our orange juice. Well, I'll just put these packages down and wait. Are you Santa Claus? Uh, me? No, he's not Santa Claus. He hasn't got a white beard. But he's nice and fat. <laughs> yeah, but he's not Santa Claus. Santa Claus never comes around here. Now, wait a minute, John Teller. Yeah, I'm sort of a Santa Claus. I brought all these presents to you children. For us? Honest and truly? Oh, boy! You see, Stuffy, he is Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, boy, I gotta come over and see him. Stuffy's lucky. He's in a wheelchair. Oh. Well, I'll bring the presents around to your little beds when Nurse Milford comes. I want to open mine. No, no, wait a minute, Stuffy. You shouldn't open presents until Christmas. I don't want to open mine until Christmas. I just want to dream about what's in them. Yeah, that's the idea, little girl. While we're waiting for Nurse Milford, will you read us a Christmas story? Christmas story? That's what she was doing. Yeah, they're in that book. Well, I like stories. I used to read them to my niece and nephew. Let's see what we have here. Yeah. Oh. Why the Chimes Rang by Raymond MacDonald Alden. I like that one. I don't know it. Well, I've been in the hospital longer than you have. <laughs> well, let's read it. We don't have much time. Once upon a time, in a faraway country, there was a wonderful church. It stood on a high hill in the midst of a great city. And every Sunday, as well as on sacred days like Christmas, thousands of people climbed the hill to its great archways, looking like lines of ants, all moving in the same direction. They don't allow ants in the hospital. Stop interrupting, Stuffy. Yes, you must listen, Stuffy. Now, all the people knew that at the top of the tower was a chime of Christmas bells. They'd hung there ever since the church had been built and were the most beautiful bells in the world. Some described them as sounding like angels far up in the sky. Others as sounding like strange winds singing through the trees. But for many years, they had never been heard. Why didn't the bells ring? Well, we're coming to that. It was said that people had been growing less careful of their gifts for the Christ child, and that no offering was brought which was fine enough to deserve the music of the chimes. Every Christmas Eve, people still crowded to the altar, each one trying to bring some gift better than any other. Why did you do that? Well, for personal reasons, I guess. They were trying to make a big impression. Oh. Now, where were we? Oh, yes. Now, a number of miles from the city, in a little country village, lived a boy named Pedro and his little brother. They'd heard of the service in the church on Christmas Eve and planned to go see the beautiful celebration. Nobody can guess, little brother, Pedro would say, all the fine things there are to see and hear. And I have even heard it said that the Christ child sometimes come down to bless the service. What if we could see him? The day before Christmas, Pedro and little brother were able to slip quietly away. And although the walking was hard in the frosty air, before nightfall, they had trudged so far, hand in hand, that they saw the lights of the big city just ahead of them. They were about to enter one of the great gates in the wall that surrounded it, when they saw something dark on the snow near their path and stepped aside to look at it. What was it? Well, let's see. 
And there, by the path, was a poor woman who'd fallen in the snow, too sick and tired to get in, where she might have found shelter. And Pedro knelt down beside her. You will have to go on alone, little brother, he said. Alone? cried little brother. But you will not see the Christmas festival. No, said Pedro. And he could not keep back a bit of a choking sound in his throat. See this poor woman. Her face looks like the Madonna in the chapel window. And she will freeze to death if nobody cares for her. But I cannot bear to leave you and go on alone, said little brother. Both of us need not miss the service, said Pedro. And it had better be I than you. You can easily find your way to the church. And you must see and hear everything twice, little brother. Once for you, and once for me. And oh, if you get a chance, little brother, to slip up to the altar without getting in anyone's way, take this little silver piece of mine and lay it down for my offering when no one is looking. In this way, he hurried little brother off to the city and winked hard to keep back the tears as he heard the crunching footsteps sounding farther and farther away in the twilight. The great church was wonderful that night. When the organ played and the thousands of people sang, the walls shook with the sound. And little Pedro, way outside the city wall, felt the earth tremble around him. At the close of the service came the procession with the offerings to be laid on the altar. Rich men and great men marched proudly up to lay down their gifts to the Christ child. Some brought wonderful jewels. Some brought baskets of gold. But the chimes did not ring. And last of all came the king of the country, hoping with all the rest to win for himself the chime of the Christmas bells. There went a great murmur through the church people saw the king take from his head the royal crown, all set with precious stones, and lay it gleaming on the altar as his offering to the holy child. Surely, everyone said, surely we shall hear the bells now, for nothing like this has ever happened before. But still, only the cold old wind was heard in the tower, and the people shook their heads, and some of them said, as they had said before, that they never really believed the story of the chimes and doubted if they ever rang at all. Suddenly, everyone looked at the old minister, who was standing by the altar, holding up his hand for silence. Not a sound could be heard from anyone in the church. But as all the people strained their ears to listen, there came softly, but distinctly, swinging through the air, the sound of the chimes in the tower. So far away, and yet so clear the music seemed. So much sweeter were the notes than anything that had been heard before, rising and falling away up there in the sky, that the people in the church sat for a moment, as still as though something held each of them by the shoulders. Then they all stood up together and stared straight at the altar to see what great gift had awakened the long silent bells. 
But all that the nearest of them saw was the childish figure of little brother who had crept softly down the aisle when no one was looking and had laid Pedro's little piece of silver on the altar. That was a wonderful story. Why did the bells ring when little brother laid the piece of silver on the altar? Well... Why didn't they ring when the great men brought jewels and things? Well, like the book said, each one was trying to bring some gift better than any other. Those men were trying to outdo each other. What little Pedro gave out of the goodness of his heart. He didn't have any ulterior motive. What's an ulterior motive? Well... I guess that's what I had when I came here. That's Miss Milford coming. It is? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'll be going. Aren't you going to wait and see our nurse? Where are you going, mister? Well, I, I think I'll sneak out this side door. But, but how does she know who brought the presents? Well, that's not important anymore. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'll tiptoe down the back steps. Well, five o'clock. I didn't know the hospital had chimes. of the preceding program were transcribed. It's Groucho Marx and You Bet Your Life on NBC. We've got time to get one more grocery show in. I'm doing my Bible study, so let's, let's find the one that Betty White was on from 1947. Okay. Great Gilders, Great Gild, Great Gilders, Le 481, Great Gilders, Le 481, Great Gilders, Le 471224, F268, Leroy's Christmas Dog, enter. The Kraft Foods Company presents the Great Gildersleeve. I'm back! <laughs>
The Great Gildersleeve is brought to you by the Kraft Foods Company, makers of a complete line of famous quality food products. Tonight's story is written by Gene Stone and Jack Robinson with music by Jack Meekin. Included in the cast are Walter Tetley, Louise Erickson, Lillian Randolph, Earl Ross, and Dick Legrand. And starring Harold Perry as the Great Gildersleeve. Well, it's the day before Christmas, and the Gildersleeve household is decked out merry and bright. In the living room, there's holly and mistletoe, and a Christmas tree glittering with tinsel. And upstairs, why, who's that? Looks like old St. Nick himself with his red coat and white whiskers. Let's take a closer look. Zeef. Well, it's our old friend, the great Gildersleeve. Oh, don't pull that belt so tight, Marjorie. All right, Uncle Mort. I've got to breathe, you know. That's better. And here's your cap. Here, let me put it on for you. That's all right. Still, Uncle, you don't want the tassel in your face. You can look in the mirror when I get through. I want to see what I look like. You look like Santa Claus. I do? (laughs) Anki, don't fidget. Well, hurry up. Oh, all right. Go look at yourself. Say, not bad. Wouldn't know myself behind these white whiskers. Uh, Is the coat fit all right in the back? Yes, Anki. Guess I look pretty good, huh, Margie? Yes, you look fine. Better than the Santa Claus at Hogan Brothers, huh? Yes. Yeah, let's see. Hey, I look good sideways, too. Ah, <laughs> Anki, don't be such a ham. I'm Santa Claus, a jolly old fellow. Oh, 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 oh brother. Oh. You better take the costume off now and save it for tonight. Yeah, maybe you ought to wear it for a while, sort of get used to the character, huh? What an excuse. Yeah, I guess you're right. I want to get it all wrinkled. Well, as long as I got it on, might as well go down and show it to Bertie. As long as I got it on. Anki, you're such a child. <laughs> yeah, I'll get in the sleigh behind my reindeer and ride away. Giddy up! Anki, be careful. Come on, you reindeer. Giddy up, prancer and dancer. Come, dunder, come blitzen. Did you allow me to kill these? <laughs> <laughs> no, Bertie, I... Just wanted to show you my costume. Oh. <laughs> oh, it looks fine, Mr. Gilfrey. Yeah, glad you like it. Dr. Needham asked me to play Santa Claus at his church tonight to the kids. That's nice. You sure fooled me, Mr. Gilfrey. If I didn't know it was you, I never would have recognized you. Really? Yes, sir. You sure fooled me with them whiskers and everything. <laughs> and them boots. You sure look fat all right with that pillow stuck under your coat. Bertie, that's no pillow. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Gilfrey. That's all right. Guess I am getting a little stout. <laughs> you feed me too, Alberti. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want me to take the presents out of the closet now and put them under the tree? Uh, please, Bertie. Got to go down to Hogan Brothers and pick up Leroy's model airplane. Didn't you get that yet, Mr. Gilfrey? Well, I haven't had time. But I'm going to get it right now. That airplane, that's all Leroy's been talking about. Yeah, I know. Model airplane, model airplane, morning, noon, and night. Yes, Bertie. That's all he talks about. Yes, Come on, if you don't believe me, come on to the house. Sounds like Leroy. Yeah, I'm going to get out of here before he starts asking me questions about that airplane. And see you later, Bertie. <laughs> Santa Claus. I'd have sworn he had a pillow under there. I guess I'd better establish some food controls around here. Come on, it is too. Look at it. Oh, hi, Bertie. Hello, Leroy. And who's this little man? Well, he's just a new kid. He said his Christmas tree was bigger than ours. It is bigger. Don't believe I ever saw him before. My name is Donald Robert White. I 
just moved here. Oh, a new friend. That's nice. He's no friend of mine. He's just been hanging around here. He's a twerp. Oh, now, Leroy. He looks like a fine little boy. Donald, we got some nice cookies. Would you like one? Uh-uh. We got plenty of cookies at home. Nicer than yours, I'll bet. <laughs> I told you he was a twerp. Well, if you change your mind, just come on out in the kitchen and ask for one. And take off your coat now so you won't catch cold when you go out again. You see that tree? It's bigger than yours. It is not. It is, too. It almost touches the ceiling. Oh, it touches the ceiling. Must be a low ceiling. <laughs> it is not. It's a great big room. Uh, and our house is bigger than your house. Twice as big. And we have a chauffeur and a butler. Well, I bet I'm going to get more for Christmas than you are. I bet you're not. I bet I am. Going to get all kinds of things. So am I. I'm going to get a model airplane. So am I. You're a twerp. And my model airplane is going to be bigger than yours. Go home and tell your mother she wants you. And I'm going to get a, a scooter, too. Beat it. And an air rifle. Get out of here, you little twerp. And a pony. Go on, beat it. And a electric train. Hmm. Ain't she so smart? What do I care what he gets? Little twerp. Uh, hello, Leroy. Hello, Unc. What's the matter, my boy? No, that new kid was just over here, bragging about all the things he's going to get for Christmas. Oh. An air rifle, a scooter, a pony. Well, his folks are probably wealthy. Oh, they are. They have a chauffeur and a butler. Oh, well, you must remember, Leroy, that your old uncle isn't Well, that... I don't want all those things. You can have them if he wants it. Just so I get my model airplane. That's all I want. Ah, uh, yes. Well, see you later, Leroy. Where'd you hide my airplane, Unc? Uh... Is it in your room? No. Is it in the woodshed? That'd be telling. <laughs> well, it's not up in the attic. I looked up there. It'll be under the tree tomorrow morning. Don't you worry. Sure, I'm not worried, Unc. I know you won't let me down on Christmas. A little kid like me. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> well, see you later, Leroy. Fourth floor, Toyland. Yeah, thank you. Gee, what a mob. Why do all these people wait a last minute to do their shopping? I have to fight my way over to the model airplanes. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me, please. Oh, madam, watch your elbow. Ugh, packed in here like tuna. Hot in here. Feel dizzy. Can't breathe. I'm going to faint. Well, guess I can't. No room to fall down. <laughs> Made it. Just lean on the counter here a minute. Uh, here's your package, madam. Now, who's next? Uh, oh, one at a time. One at a time. Please, don't crawl. Clerk. Clerk. Uh, what did you want, madam? Clerk. Uh, yes. I want to buy a model airplane. Oh, I'm sorry. They're all gone. Uh, yes, madam. What was it? But, clerk, they can't be gone. Uh, chemistry set, madam? Uh, right over here. Clerk, I've got to have one. I'm sorry, sir. Model airplanes are all gone. Sold the last one a few minutes ago. But, clerk! You heard what he said, buddy. Get out of the way. Please give somebody else a chance. I'll oh, stand here as long as I want to. I'm a taxpayer. Oh, <laughs> all right, I surrender. Let me out of here. Pack of wolves. 
<laughs> Lucky to get out of there alive. <laughs> now what am I going to do? No model airplane. What will I tell Leroy? He'll never forgive me. wonder if that clerk was telling me the truth. But they got one around here someplace. I'm just too lazy to look. That's the trouble. What's that music? Oh, Santa Claus over there. A line of little kids waiting to see him. Say, he works here. Maybe I could get him to get me to... Sure. <laughs> I'll just slip him a five-dollar bill. Look at that little girl on his knee. <laughs> and I want a mama doll, and a set of play dishes, and a great big doll house. All right, my dear. And, oh, Santa Claus. Yes? I thought I might just mention a tricycle. <laughs> you might just mention one, huh? <laughs> well, you just be a good little girl, and we'll see. Thank you, Santa. Now the next little... <laughs> uh, Santa Claus. Yes? I'd uh, like to talk to you. What about? Well, um, a Christmas present. Well, you're a little big to sit on Santa's knee. <laughs> but you just get in line and Santa Claus will take care of you. I don't want to get in line. I just want You'll to talk. You'll have to wait your turn. Those are Santa's rules. But Santa Claus, this will only take a minute. Now be a good little boy and mind Santa. You won't get anything for Christmas. But you don't understand, Santa. I just wanted you to get me a model airplane. Model airplane. All right. You just write a note to Santa Claus, care of the North Pole. What? Ye gods, look, you can save that stuff for the kids. I want to buy one. Please, mister. These children are waiting. Well, the clerk said they were all out of airplanes. I thought maybe you could have a look around and see if you could find one. I'm sorry. I can't leave here. Make it worth your while. Here's five dollars. Put that money away. You can't bribe me. But I... In front of all those kids, too. Want them to lose their faith in Santa Claus? Of course not. I'm Santa Claus. Remember that. I know that. Kids I... all over the world love me. I didn't say they didn't love You're me. You're trying to slip me a five-dollar bill. Sorry, Santa. I didn't mean to. Say, say. Huh? The little boy's listening to us. Where? You want to spoil this Christmas? Huh? Come on. Make it sound good. Well, Sonny. <laughs> huh? So you want an electric train for Christmas. <laughs> and what else do you want? What? Come on. Tell Santa what you want, Sonny. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I want a set of drums and some toy soldiers and a Mickey Mouse watch. Well, you just mind your mama and papa and Santa Claus will see that you get them. Oh, goody. <laughs> Thank you, Santa Claus. Yeah, not at all. Next, little boy. Uh, a fine Christmas this is going to be. How am I going to ever face Leroy? <sighs> Snowing again, too. Uh, not a model airplane in the whole town. Well, I hope this chemistry set and power saw will make them feel better. But they won't. I can just see little Leroy's face looking up at me. Tears in his eyes. But his old uncle let him down. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, Merry Christmas. What's merry about it? My feet are cold. Probably catch pneumonia. Well, serves me right. Anybody who would disappoint a little boy at Christmas is a Scrooge. You're a Scrooge, Gildersleeve. Uh, 
stray dog. Look out, little doggy. I almost stepped on you. Cute little mutt. Kind of flop-eared. Get away now. Go on. Don't follow me. Go away. Uh, well, here's the house. Might as well go in. Get this thing over with. Tell Leroy now. He's going to be broken-hearted. You still here? No use looking at me like that. You can't come in here. Go away, little doggy. Go on now. Get your nose back. Hi, Unc. Uh, uh, hello, Leroy. What's in the packages? Uh, Leroy, I'd like to talk to you. What's the matter, Unc? Leroy, uh, maybe we better sit down. For corn's sake, what is it? Leroy. Yeah? There's something I want to tell you. Okay. You know, I promised you a model airplane for Christmas. Yeah, and you sure hit it good. I couldn't find it anywhere. My boy, I'm afraid you won't find it. What? I didn't get your model airplane. Oh! No, Leroy. You know that's what I wanted. You promised me. Yeah, I'm sorry, Leroy. I got you something else. I got you. You promised me. Look, <laughs> a dog. I just opened the back door and then he flew. Oh, that, that, that's the dog that... Oh, you got me a dog for Christmas. Huh? A dog you're going to surprise me all the time. Well, Leroy, oh, I... It's funny, all white with a little black spot in his nose. Come here, fella, come here. <laughs> Mr. Gilsleeve, I thought you was going to get Leroy a model airplane. Who cares about an old airplane? Leroy, I want to tell you... You don't have to tell me anything, Unc. A dog. Gee, you don't know how happy I am. You don't know how happy I am. <laughs> <laughs> Now as we rejoin the great Gildersleeve, it's Christmas Eve. The great man is in a merry mood as he gets ready to play Santa Claus at the church party. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. He makes a jovial-looking Saint Nick as he picks up his sack of toys, throws them over his shoulder, and starts down the stairs. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. What's that? Leroy! Leroy, now what's the matter? Snowball's gone. What? Snowball's gone. Who's Snowball? My dog. Oh. I came in the house for a drink of water, and when I went back out, he was gone. Snowball's gone. Well, quit crying. I'm sure he's around someplace. He'll come back. No, he won't. I'll bet that little twerp stole him. Huh? Donald stole him. Donald? Who's Donald? That new kid has been hanging around here. He wanted to play with Snowball, and I wouldn't let him. Now, that little boy wouldn't take your dog, Leroy, wealthy kid like him. He's got plenty of things to play with. I don't care. He stole him. Now, Leroy, we don't go around accusing people. Well, he did. Now, that Snowball just sort of strayed away. He couldn't have gone very far. Why don't you go out and look for him? Will you help me look for him, Monk? I can't, Leroy. I've got to play Santa Claus at the church pretty soon. I'll never find him myself. You've got to help me. But they'll be expecting me. I can't disappoint all those little kids. I'm a little kid. Leroy. <laughs> you can find him yourself. You know I can't go running around the streets in this outfit. I'll never find him. Snowball's gone. Oh. <laughs> all right, Leroy. I'll go help you look. Gee, thanks, Uncle. Well, just for a few minutes. Come on now. 
Cold out here. Yeah. And it's snowing harder, too. Poor little dog. I can just see him lying in the snow somewhere, freezing to death. Gee, gods, Leroy, he's probably warmer than we are. He's got fur. we got to find him, Monk. Where is he? I don't see him. We haven't started looking yet. Now, you go that way, and I'll go this way. We'll do this systematically, like the FBI. Okay, Unc. Here's Snowball. Here's Snowball. Here's Snowball is probably sleeping under a nice warm stove someplace. Here's Snowball. 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 Snowball! Where is that dog? I must have walked two miles. Uh, TV's still open. I think I'll drop in for a minute and get warm. Ah, good evening, PV. Oh, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. <laughs> or should I say Santa Claus? <laughs> I'm giving out toys to the kids at the church tonight. Well, if I may say so, you make an excellent Kris Kringle. Uh, thanks, PV. And you got the figure for it, too. Just the proper plumpness. Yes, PB. You know, Mr. Gildersleeve, looking at you brings back the question I used to ask myself when I was a boy. Oh, what was that? <laughs> How does a chubby fellow like Santa Claus get down all those tiny chimneys? Well, I'm not going down any chimneys. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> what can I do for you this Christmas Eve? PB, I'm looking for a dog. Well, drugstores carry a wide variety of merchandise these days, but I never heard of one of them selling dogs. Of course, it might be a new trend. I don't want to buy a dog, Peavy. I'm looking for Leroy's dog. He's lost. Oh, sorry to hear that, Mr. Gildersleeve. They say a dog is man's best friend. Yes, yes. Of course, I wouldn't know myself. We have a cat. <laughs> Peavy. He isn't very friendly. When I come home at night, he spits at me. <laughs> Ye gods, all I want to know is, did you see anything that looked like a little dog around here? I saw a little dog that looked like a dog. You did? <laughs> what did it look like? It looked like a dog. Peavy, was it a little white dog with a black spot on its nose? Well, yes, that's a fairly accurate description. That's the one, Peavy, that's Snowball. Where'd he go? Well, I don't know. There was a little boy with him. Came in to get some candy. What? Cute little fellow. I never saw him around here before. Leroy was right. That little boy took that dog. What's that, Mr. Gildersleeve? He stole it. He can't do this to Leroy. He's not going to get away with it. But, Mr. Gildersleeve, you can't accuse him. Little... You said yourself you saw him with the dog. Yes, but that doesn't Why, prove... he's nothing but a little criminal. He ought to be put in jail. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> well, I would. Mr. Gildersleeve, I don't like to say this, but that's no way for Santa Claus to talk about a little boy. Well, I'm not Santa Claus. You certainly aren't. Goodbye and a Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas. And, Judge, if they don't give that dog back, I'm going to take this case to court. And I want you to represent me. Gildy, this whole thing is ridiculous. You can't sue a little boy. Well, I can sue his parents. They don't frighten me. Chauffeur, butler, Gildy, you're behaving like an idiot. It was just a stray dog, anyhow. My advice to you is to observe the spirit of Christmas and forget all about this. And you won't take the case? No, I won't. Well, you're no friend of mine. And you're no friend of mine. Oh. 
A commissioner. Well, are you the chief of police or aren't you? Yes, but you can't expect me to make an arrest on Christmas Eve. I don't care what it is. And with no evidence. Peavy saw him with the dog. But, commissioner, he's just a little boy. That doesn't make any difference. And you, you dressed up like Santa Claus, too. Aren't you ashamed of yourself? No, I'm not. A fine chief of police you are. You ought to be back directing traffic. But, commissioner... Never mind, I'll handle this myself. Hurry up, Leroy. Okay. Are you sure you know where this little rich boy lives? He said it was the big gray house down at the next corner. Now, we'll get that dog back, Leroy. Don't you worry. Sure, Unc. I'll tell that boy's father a thing or two. Silk hat Harry. I'll show that kid, too. Little twerp. <sighs> sack of toys is getting heavy. But hurry up and get this over with so I can get down to the church. I'm late now. Well, this is the corner. See, this house can't be it. It's just a little place. He said it was on this corner. It must be some mistake. A wealthy family wouldn't live in a little house like that. Let's go in there. Maybe they can tell us where he does live. Yes? Oh, it's Santa Claus. <laughs> well, just for tonight. I'm the water commissioner in town. Throckmorton P. Gillisleeve. I wonder if you could tell Won't me... Won't you both come in? Yeah, thank you. I'm looking for a little boy. I wonder if you could tell me where Donald White lives. Why, yes, he lives here. Huh? But he told Leroy that he lived, uh... That he lived in a big house and had a chauffeur and a butler? Yeah. I'm afraid Donald has quite an imagination. He doesn't mean any harm. Oh, sure he doesn't. Uh, are you his mother? No. No, he's my sister's boy. She and her husband just separated, so she left him with me for a while until she finds a job. Oh, I see. Oh, make him give me my dog. Shh, shh. Uh, so he's staying here with you, eh? Yes. Things haven't been too good for them, and to make up for it, Donald has built an imaginary world of his own. That's why he tells all those stories. Then he isn't going to get all those things for Christmas? A scooter and a pony? No, I'm afraid not. I just have a few little things for him. I don't care. I want my dog. Shh. <laughs> Funny how children think up all those things. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, what was it you wanted to see Donald about? Um, well, you see, the dog... Oh, that's your dog. He brought it home this afternoon. I knew it belonged to someone in the neighborhood. Yes, my nephew's. Yeah, it's my dog. Oh. Well, Donald said Santa Claus gave it to him, said he could keep it. I was going to find out who it belonged to in the morning, but as long as you're here, you'd better take him. Well, uh... uh... Right here in the bedroom. Oh, he's got the dog in bed with him. They're both asleep. Maybe we could come back tomorrow. Unc! Oh, so be still. Donald? Santa Claus! <laughs> oh, gee, Santa Claus, it's really you. Oh, thanks for the dog. Uh, Donald. I told her you gave it to me. Uh, but, but I darling, told her, but she didn't believe me. Um, you know, Donald, Santa Claus has so much to do, he, he makes mistakes sometimes. What? And once in a while he gets mixed up and gives a present to the wrong boy. You didn't make a mistake, did you, Santa Claus? Well, uh... I, I'm afraid he did, dear. Did you, Santa Claus? Well, you see... Donald, maybe next year he'll bring you a little... You gave the dog to me, didn't you, Santa Claus? Well, it looks like I did make a mistake, Donald. You see, the dog really belongs to... to... No! You didn't make a mistake, Santa Claus. What's that, Leroy? 
It's Donald's dog. It is? Sure. I didn't want a dog in the first place. Then it's really mine? Sure, it's, it's yours. Oh, gee. Uh, and Donald, I've got some toys for you in my sack. Here you are. A jumping jack, and look, a top Leroy, and a sack of marbles. Oh, thanks, Santa Claus. Merry Christmas, Donald. Merry Christmas. Thanks, both of you. Not at all. Well, Santa Claus has some more calls to make. Come on, Leroy. My boy. Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Gildy. Nice of you all to drop over. Makes it a real Christmas day. Guess I don't deserve it the way I acted last night. You were just being your usual pig-headed self, Gildy. No, look here, horse. Well, you were. Gentlemen, gentlemen, we may have our little arguments, but remember, we're all friends. Yes, we're all true jolly boys, aren't we, Floyd? Sure, Commiss. We gotta respect the Yuletide spirit. Let's have another drink of punch. Well, oh, Leroy. Yes, Judge? There's a Christmas present for you out in the hall. Something special. Yeah? What is it? It's a model airplane. What? I knew your uncle would keep putting it off, so I picked it up yesterday afternoon. The last one. A model airplane? Thanks, Judge. That's very thoughtful of you, Horace, old man. Thanks very much. It's all right, Gildy. You'll get the bill in the morning. <laughs> Unky, aren't we going to sing Christmas carols? Oh, carols. Oh, yeah, good idea, Marjorie. How about you starting it off, Bertie? Well, if you want me to, Miss Gilsey. Yes, Bertie, that old English carol you sing at church every year. That's a lovely thing. All right, if you want me to. I'll play for you, Bertie. Okay. Lovely the little tiny child by by lovely 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 thou little tiny child by by lovely Yes, wonderful. Well, I think this would be the proper time for all of us to lift our voices in song. And may I suggest joy to the world? Uh, you may, Peavy. Come on, everybody. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. Once in a number of years, we're privileged to bring you our show on the night before Christmas. As you listen, children all over the world are eagerly awaiting midnight and the arrival of Santa Claus. In a few hours from now, many of you will attend midnight services in the church of your faith. It is the silent night, the holy night. It is the solemn, thought-provoking night that precedes the dawn of another joyful Christmas. Of the many gifts men cherish most this Christmas Eve, surely the one all spirits yearn for is the elusive gift of peace. 
peace on earth, goodwill toward men. So it was eloquently praised in ages past. May each and every one of you find that abiding peace in your own hearts this Christmas Eve. And for us tonight, if enough of us, in enough places, earnestly and bravely seek out such peace, the world cannot help but heed this growing desire for lasting good. So amid all your holiday rejoicing, pause for just a moment, won't you, to add your silent prayer for the fulfillment of that great promise, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And now on behalf of myself, the cast of the Great Gildersleeve Show, and our sponsor, the Kraft Foods Company, I'd like to add my heartfelt wish for a very joyous Christmas. May tomorrow's day of happiness and peace personify the happiness and peace that all the world is seeking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And with that, we'll talk to you later tonight on Sunday with John Lloyd. Alt-Tab. Unavailable items view multi-select list box. Ray Bream 831. Alt-Tab. Christmas. Alt-Tab. 1. Great Gilders. Alt-F4. 1. Great Gilders. Saturday 1618 Fold. Alt-F4. Christmas shows folders. Alt-F4. Alt-Tab. Saturday Alt-Tab. Soundforge Pro 11.0. Escape. 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 Enter. 1. Point. Enter. Menu, file A, leaving menus, sound 2 star, save as dialogue, file name, sound 2, edit. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y-N-I-G-H-E-S-E-C-O-N-D-P-C-D-I-T-H-P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A-1-6-2 Save as save button, enter. Jaws Professional Skypes Escape Escape Alt Page Down Alt Tab Leaving Me Alt Tab Skype Trade Alt Tab MP Alt Tab Sound Forge Pro 11.0